What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Obviously, it's UFC 300 week in Las Vegas. Friday, also in Las Vegas, it's the second PFL event of the season. Had a great start on Thursday. Uh, Dakota Cheva with a solid win. You had Moldovsky on there. You had a bunch of uh, former Bellator fighters, Liz Carmouche, getting a win as well in her PFL debut. And so I want to let you know that the PFL is back on April 12th with the lightweights and light heavyweights throwing it down. Last week, it was the women's flyweights and the heavyweights. You've got names like Impa Kasangane, who, of course, uh, won the 2023 light heavyweight tournament. You also have Clay Collard and Bellator, former champ, one Patricky Pitbull is, uh, is going to be on the card against Clay Collard. So if you're in Vegas for 300, go check them out. If you're at home, check them out over on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Uh, Plus. That is Friday, April 12th, live at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... No! Mixed Martial Arts Hour is back in your life on this Monday, November 15th, 2021. Hello again, everyone. I hope you're doing well on this frigid Monday afternoon here in New York City. It is so great to be back. Wow. Big show, my friends. Big show. Big. It's not a post-pay-per-view Monday, but this feels like it should be a pay-per-view if you ask me. What a lineup. What a show. Can't wait for today's show. Ever since I locked in the lineup, I was like, man, I can't wait for 1 o'clock on Monday. Back in this chair to do the whole damn thing all over again. The mic seems to be working. Everything seems to be great. And so I am pumped. We have so much to discuss. We've got an incredible, an incredible lineup of guests coming your way. I'll tell you about that. We'll talk a bit about the weekend that was, the week that was in MMA. All that and more. So sit back, relax, strap on your seatbelt. This is going to be a great show. This is going to be a great week. There's a lot going on this week. I can't wait. I am fired up. I am pumped up. I am feeling good. I hope you're doing well as well. Hope you're feeling good. Of course, before we get into everything, uh, I do want to let you know that today's program, as always, is brought to you by our good friends over at DraftKings. Yes, DraftKings Sportsbook. They are the official sports betting partner of not only the UFC, but also the show of shows, the show of record the one and only the MMA Hour. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and please do use the code THEMMAHOUR for a very special offer when you sign up again. That's code THEMMAHOUR only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Please support them because they support us. Now, on to today's lineup. What a show it is. You know, I I left on Wednesday thinking like, man, that show was long and there was a lot that happened Uh, on Wednesday with the microphones and Fernand Lopez and the breaking news. I was like, man, it's a long show, but I felt good. 
I mean, two shows back to back over four hours each. I mean, I felt good. I was like, you know what? Maybe on Monday I'll go a little shorter. And then, of course, you know, you come to this lineup and you're like, eh, well, maybe I'm not going a little shorter. So at around uh, 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, we're going to be joined by the reigning defending UFC men's featherweight champion, Alex the Great Volkanovsky. And yes, we spoke to Alex about a month and a half or so ago following that incredible victory over Brian Ortega in Las Vegas got out of the submissions, just amazing stuff. We'll be talking about that fight, I'm sure, at the end of the year, beginning of next year, as we give out our very prestigious awards. But I wanted to have him back on, in large part due to the fact that on Saturday, we had Max Holloway against Yaya Rodriguez. Max Holloway wins via decision, 49-46, 48-47, 48-47. I thought it was 49-46. You can make a case for 48-47, but it was a very fun Hotly contested fight. The output by both men, absolutely incredible. And one would presume, although there is some debate over this, one would presume that Max Holloway is next. Now, ordinarily, and New York Rick and I have debated about this over the years, you know, uh, he used to say, hey, let's have Joseph Benavidez fight DJ eight times because there was no one else. I was never down with that. In this case, despite the fact that Max Holloway is down 0-2 to Alex Volkanovsky, this feels like the no-brainer fight to make. A, both fights were super close. B, a lot of people still believe that Max Holloway won that second fight. He's now won two in a row since. Two very impressive performances over the likes of Calvin Cater in January, Rodriguez this past Saturday. It's the fight to make. And oh, by the way, who's out there at 145? Who's really, like this isn't 170 where a Leon Edwards is getting passed up. It's not 155 where you have like a Gaethje doing his thing and then you have this. Like who's there at 145 that can really make a strong case to be next for Alex Volkanovsky? There are guys who can make a case, but not a strong case. Anyway, I'm curious as to what Volkanovsky thought of that fight, how he feels about a potential third fight against Max Holloway. What's life been like since the win over Ortega? All that and more we shall discuss with uh, Alexander the Great at around... 4.30 p.m. Eastern. Of course, we'll talk about Max Holloway a lot on this program as well. At uh, 4 o'clock, we'll check in with our good friend GC. You know, had that unbelievable month. Burst on the scene. I mean, just kill. I mean, could not miss. You're talking about a guy who was on fire. Remember the old NBA Jam game? He's on fire. En fuego. Boom shakalaka. I mean, that was him. He was just a... You know that... That gif of the guy on fire, that was him walking into the studio. Now, you know, listen, you're going to go, you know, you're going to go four or five straight weeks on fire. You're going to hit a bit of a cold spell. And that's the current, you know, status of GC at the moment. A bit of a cold spell. One might hypothesize that he, you know, made a deal with the devil. Let his Braves win, but he'll go in the cold spell. Not only that, you got people, you know, accusing him of plagiarism out there. I mean, it's all kinds of madness to discuss with GC. So we'll do that at uh, four o'clock. The aforementioned New York Rick will join us at three 30. Talk about the news of the week this past Saturday, maybe a little Herb Dean action, a little Holloway action, a little upcoming weekend action, sneaky good card on Saturdays. The UFC train rolls along before their Thanksgiving break. So stay tuned for New York Rick. Of course, now a fixture on the program once again, and uh, mazel tov to him and the social team. They uh, they recently got the uh, MMA fighting handle on Instagram changed from MMA fighting dot dot com to just MMA fighting. That's a big deal in the social world. Okay, so mazel tov. All right, uh, that's 
3.30. 3 o'clock, we're going to be joined by Dustin Poirier, El Diamante, El Diamante, Tomato Tomato, the man who's fighting for the lightweight title on December 11th against Charles Dubronx Oliveira. lot to talk to him about. Last time we spoke to him was our first episode back. Since then, the fight's been made official. Since then, we've had Gaethje Chandler and Islam Makhachev and people talking about him here, there, everywhere. So we'll check in with DP, who's already in Florida, getting ready for the big title fight. Dare I say, the biggest fight of his career. And he's had some big ones. We'll check in with him at 3 o'clock. At 2.30, we're going to talk to... Uh, perhaps the most decorated freestyle wrestler in the history of UFC wrestling. Uh, one might say John Smith. Others might say Jordan Burroughs. Jordan Burroughs just won a gold medal at the World Championships, now making his Olympic gold slash World Championship gold count to six. Five World Championships, one Olympic gold medal. All I see is gold is his uh, social media handle. And a couple of weeks ago, he put out the tweet. I don't know if he was baiting us. I don't know if he was trolling us, but he did say he wanted just one MMA fight. And then his wife came on and was like, yo, I left you for an hour and this is what you do. So I want to get to the bottom of this. Does Jordan Burroughs in his early 30s still with a lot more competing to go, one would presume, does he really want to fight or not? Because if I'm an MMA promotion and he's out there, if I'm a PFL, if I'm a Bellator, if I'm a one, I don't care who you are, Jordan Burroughs Fighting, even if it's just a one and done, is a big deal. Everyone's wanted to see this. So we'll try to get to the bottom of it. That's at 2.30. Uh, we'll talk to Jordan Burroughs. How about 2 o'clock? Everyone has been wanting to hear from Michael Chandler, right? Michael Chandler, we're over a week removed from that incredible fight against Justin Gaethje. Gaethje has done the media rounds. One day in particular last week, he did like 90 interviews. So we've heard from Justin Gaethje. We haven't heard from Michael Chandler. We'll hear from him today at 2 o'clock. Get his thoughts on the fight. What happened? Was it a, a victory in defeat? The stitches, the face, the recovery, the Connor stuff, where he goes from there, all that. And then some 2 o'clock will be joined by Michael Chandler. We'll talk to Chaos Williams at around 135. One of the big winners from this past Saturday had a great win over Miguel Baeza. There was a stretch there on Saturday. I believe it was seven straight finishes. Um, a really fun card. It flew by. It was, it was just, I mean, there was a stretch of violence there in the middle. Incredible stuff. Uh, and one of those big wins was Mr. Chaos Williams, who has one of the most uh, fearsome game faces in the business. Like when he is being announced and he is out there, like his face is just like, he does not flinch. He does not smile. He does not blink. He does not react. He is just on. And I've never talked to him before and I'm looking forward to doing so. In fact, I was going through my DMs yesterday I'm going to send him a message. Hey, I'm looking forward to having you on the show. And he sent me a message back in March of 2019 telling me that he was about to fight for his first uh, world title, if you will, on the indie scene in Michigan. And uh, now here we are, you know, two and a half years later, he's well-established in the UFC and doing great things as well. That was a, an amazing stretch. You had the uh, Daun um, Jung win over Kennedy and Zechuku, first round knockout. Rafael Alves with a great submission win over Marchi Casey. He had the lone uh, decision on the prelims, Courtney Casey, just the second um, decision total on that card. Sean Woodson with a great first-round finish. Andrea Lee with the corner stoppage and a great win for her. And by the way, shout-out to Cal uh, Cynthia Calvillo's corner for you know knowing when to say when. We don't see that enough, and I do think that's worth 
highlighting, even though she obviously lost the fight. Uh, Joel Alvarez with an amazing win over Tiago Moises. He has to figure out the weight situation because that was now two straight fights. He misses the 156 uh, weight limit for non-title fights. Song Dong with a great win over Julio Arce. Uh, Chaos Williams with a big finish over Miguel Baeza. Felicia Spencer with a great win as well. Marco Sajero de Lima, of course, with the somewhat controversial uh, stoppage against Ben Rothwell, but don't take anything away from him. 32 seconds, and then, of course, the main event. Uh, that was just fun stuff from top to bottom. So we'll talk to Chaos about that. Misha Tate's going to join us in about five minutes to preview her main event fight this weekend against Caitlin Vieira. Vieira excuse me. Uh, that's the main event for the last card before the one week off for Thanksgiving for the UFC. Now, a quick word on the main event. Again, Max Holloway from this past weekend defeats Yair Rodriguez. Now, he's won uh, two straight since the July 2020 loss to Alex Volkanovsky. And, I mean, the the stats from this fight, nothing short of amazing. After this fight, Max Holloway became the first and only fighter in UFC history to land 3,000 total strikes. That's according to the UFC. He has now connected on a total of 3,056 strikes in the UFC. So he's number one total for his career. Number two, George St. Pierre, 2,591. Number three, Frankie Edgar, 2,479. Number four, Nathan Diaz, 2,386. And number five, somewhat of a surprise, if you're a little new to the game, John Fitch, 2,185. The output I mean, I think it was the second round where he threw 111 strikes in the second round alone. Now, famously, Max Holloway says he doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't spar. He doesn't like to take that kind of damage in training. But boy, I mean, he does take a lot of damage. He does absorb strikes. He does hand out, dish out strikes. But he has never been dropped. He has never been knocked out. And he's only 29. What a run for him. And that's why I feel like, despite the fact that he's talking about Connor this, boxing that, the fight to make, for some reason, he doesn't talk a lot about Volkanovsky. I don't know what it is, even dating back to the first fight, the second fight, Saturday in the cage, you would think like the obvious layup, call out, post fight call out, if you will, is Volkanovsky, the champ at 145. You were once a champion there. Um, didn't really go there. That to me, feels like the obvious fight to make, especially if they're not going to go down the route of Volkanovsky Cejudo. Doesn't seem like there's a lot of interest there. Holloway is one of the most popular fighters in the UFC. Volkanovsky, after his win over Brian Ortega and, and the heart that he showed mid-fight getting out of the guillotine and the triangle choke, feels more popular than ever. Make that fight now. That's the fight to make. And again, historically, when you're down 0-2 to the champ, you probably don't get a shot like this. But again, that second fight was so close. And so I'd love to see it. And by the way, what about Yair Rodriguez? Stock supremely high, two-plus-year layoff, went toe-to-toe with one of the all-time best, foot the size of a balloon. But now it feels like he's got options galore. Of course, he's going to need a significant amount of time off. And he often gets you know, pretty banged up in these fights. But you've got Ortega out there. Um, I mean, one do, do, do we dare mention Zabit? I don't know. We don't really know what's his status, but it feels like you have a lot of options if you're Yair yeah, Rodriguez. The co-main was a little unfortunate. Uh, like I said, Marcos Rogerio de Lima 
with a great win, he bum rushed. He, I mean, it was an absolute assault on um, Ben Rothwell. But again, we see a situation where it's very clear, and I'm going to steal a line from my good friend A.K. Lee, uh, hesitant Herb jumps in there. Herb Dean, once considered the gold standard when it comes to MMA officiating, jumps in there, clearly touches Delima. It's clear that he is thinking about stopping the fight. Ben Rothwell gets the second win, starts somewhat fighting back. I mean, all of this is happening in seconds. My explanation is taking longer than the actual sequence. And then Herb steps back and he's like, oop, don't mind me. Hopefully no one saw that. And then you have Hajero DeLima looking up to him and he's like, hey man, are you going to stop this? What's going on? And he's like, yeah, you got me. Let's stop it. Can't do that if you're a referee. The worst thing that you can be as a referee is indecisive. The worst thing that you can be is unsure of yourself. Make the call, live by the call. And by the way, the crazy part about it is, had he stepped in when he did and stopped the fight, when he touched the Lima, no one would have cared. It was the right call. That's why it's weird to say premature, not premature. It, it was indecisive, maybe is the better word. It reminds me back in the day, Steve Mazzagatti was like this. Eve Levine used to have some moments like this as well. MMA refs have the toughest job. The toughest job in sports. Tougher than boxing refs, in my opinion. Way tougher than NBA, NFL. It's so subjective. You got to jump in there in the midst of an onslaught, up, down, everything goes. And so if you're not going to be sure of yourself and you're going to do the like the, the doopsie-doo thing, whoop, 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 I'm in, I'm out, I'm touching, I'm not touching. It's a mess of a situation. Be confident, be firm. You make the tough call, you make the judgment call, you got to live with it. And you hope that you're more right than wrong. But that was bad. Jump in there, touch the guy, let go of the guy, let it continue for a second or two. Guy looks at you like, yo, didn't you touch me? Isn't that when I'm supposed to stop? And, yeah, I got you. And end the fight. Now, again, it was the right call initially. You just wonder why you let it go. And we're not talking about, you know, some Johnny-come-lately, we're not talking about some local ref who's getting an opportunity to do a fight in Abu Dhabi for the first time. We're talking about the guy who has been considered the gold standard for quite some time. But we are all rocked by confidence issues, right? In our daily life, I lose confidence, you lose confidence, and it's just unfortunate that a lot of people watch, you know, when he is out there and, and are critical and scrutinize, and you have a tough job that involves a lot of confidence, so we'll talk a little bit more about that with uh, Mr. New York Rick. I'm sure our guest who's up first on the program is going to talk about this on her great program on Sirius XM with the one and only Renee Paquette. So without further ado, let us go to the Zoom machine and say hello to one half of the headliner this Saturday in Las Vegas, the one and only Misha Tate. Misha, how are you? I'm great, Ariel. Fantastic. It's fight week. Yes. How stressful is fight week for you? Because I feel like you have nine jobs, including being a mother, and then you got to cut weight and get ready for a fight. Do you like fight week? Is it stressful? How do you feel about it? I'm loving fight week this time around. It used to be still a little stressful and overwhelming to me, but um, I think, you know, when they ask you, they say, what's that girl saying? That if you want something done, ask the busiest person you know. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like, I just get shit done. I'm just busy and I, um, I like it that way. I delegate a lot too, though. So I have a lot of people around me, great support team. Cause I, I certainly couldn't do it all on my own. So how could it be uh, less stressful now than when you had less on your plate a few years ago? 
because it's more fulfilling. Uh, you know, there's more give back. It's not just all take, take, take where before, you know, in my personal life, it was a lot of, a lot of stress and things that I had to endure. And now it's the other way around. It's like, my kids are there to come home and I come home from practice. It's immediately an uplift. You know, they run to me. My one-year-old is running around as mommy, mommy. You know what I mean? It's just such a, uh, a different vibe that I have in my home life. And, and then when I get to go to training, that's also a positive because, you know, it is crazy and chaotic at home sometimes with two kids a three-year-old one-year-old they fight you know they do kid things so sometimes like I gotta get out of here and go train I need my mommy time my, my, my me time you know and the, and that's the gym for me so it's really just balanced itself out beautifully and uh I, I honestly couldn't be happier and uh because this is a home game for you in Las Vegas will you stay at home or do you have to go to the hotel and be away from the family or do you bring the family with you what's the the game plan um, I will, uh, do a mixture of being at home and being at the, at the, um, what do I say? The, the fighter hotel, okay. right? So, uh, just a mixture since I'm local. Um, and I think now they've also, uh, lo- loosened up a little bit on the COVID restrictions. So the fighters aren't completely locked down when they come in, they can like go leave and train and come back or uh, everyone can do that. So, um, yeah, so I'll still be at home and at the hotel whenever I see fit. Speaking of COVID, unfortunately, we were supposed to have this fight uh, on the schedule around a month or so ago, and then we found out you got yeah. COVID. How bad was it for you? Well, it was like a bad cold. It was like a bad flu. I mean, it wasn't anything scary, but it was uh, not conducive to being in tip-top shape for a fight. I was out for a solid week, really tired. It definitely moved down into my lungs. So I had a lung congestion and I was coughing and, you know, hacking up lots of phlegm. So, um, and then my kids came down with it after, you know, after, so it was like, I was probably out four days into, you know, being sick and positive and sure enough, they, you know, my daughter tested positive and my son tested positive. So it was like a two week span where, we didn't even have any help, right? Because no one can come and watch your kids. Nobody wants to, you yeah. can't take them to school. You can't take them to daycare. You, nobody can come watch them. So um, it was about two weeks in total that I would have missed of that camp and like the meat of camp, you know? Uh, so I just wanted to be at my best. I hope everyone can appreciate that. I didn't, I didn't feel good. I tried to hit my strength and conditioning workout and I was at about 60% a week from getting, uh, no, about, it would be 10 days from getting sick and uh, it wasn't good. <laughs> Did you want this quick of a turnaround or did you feel like in a perfect world, a little more time would have been better? No, this was perfect. I didn't want to fight any later than this. November 20th was kind of my cutoff date. I wanted to be able to enjoy the holidays. I'm going to throw down on Thanksgiving like nobody's business. <laughs> so <laughs> this is perfect for me. I was like, I am not fighting after November 28th. This has to happen on this date. And, and any ill effects? Like, do you feel like it's still, you know, the lungs are still bothering you? Do you feel any sort of effects from the COVID? No, and not at all, but I could certainly see why it could be a problem if fighters are stupid and push themselves when they're sick. You know, um, I tried, like I said, just to see where I was at once I was testing negative And once I was clear from my quarantine, I tried to hit, like I said, my, my strength and conditioning, what would have been on par with my schedule. And I was like 60%. I mean, I was struggling to get through it. And I just said, you know what? I need to let my body rest right now. I cannot be in a training camp or I think I'm going to put myself worse off. I think we saw that with, uh, I think it was Hamzat Chemaev who kind of like had some long haul of, and, but, but I know he was training, you know, we saw him at extreme couture and stuff. So I think uh, sometimes it's hard for fighters to sit back and, and let go of the reins a little bit, right? It's not really in our personality, but I think that's the, the perks of me being a veteran is to know that 
sometimes less is more. And that was a situation where I needed to sit back and, and let my body heal from COVID and get back to it, you know, at a hundred percent rather than pushing myself and continuing to break myself down. Now, what about uh, the shape that you are in, Misha? You've been posting some stuff on social media. I mean, I feel like I asked you this last time, but now I feel like the question is appropriate this time. Is this the best shape of your life? Like, wh- how, where is this coming from? I mean, you're, you're, you're a pro athlete, you're a former champ, but you're also a mom. You're coming over off COVID and stuff like that. Like, the body fat percentage-wise, I feel like you're at like 1% now. This is wild. <laughs> I'm under 13%. Under 13%? 13% body fat. Come on. Yeah. Less than, less than 13%. So, um, no, I honestly, Ariel, this is crazy. Sometimes I have to pinch myself to, uh, not just check my body fat, but to uh, <laughs> right. make sure that this is all real, <laughs> but, uh, no, it's, uh, it's truthfully the best shape that I've ever been in. And, um, it, you know, it's, it's not even just about what you see on the, on the, on the outside, you know, the, it's about the engine that I have, the lung capacity, the recovery, all the things I'm doing on the back end to fuel my body, to fuel my machine. I know that I'm in incredible shape. I wish this fight was 10 rounds. Like the more rounds, the better. I know that no, nobody can hang with the pace that, that I have the ability to push. What is the difference? Is it, is it a diet thing like compared to you now and you five years ago when you were champ? I mean, your physique is not the same, right? I mean, the muscle, all that stuff. No, it's not. What is the difference? Or maybe it's, it's a, more than one thing. It's a no, it, Yeah, it's a knowledge thing, to be honest. I didn't know any of this stuff before. It was the blind leading the blind. You know, we always had that old school wrestling mentality. And I, I always trained hard. I always, you know, thought I was doing it right. But I didn't know. I mean, I was just a, I was just a kid that, that turned into a fighter that just thought this is the way, you know. And, it, and a lot of people assume they know, but they don't go to school for it. They don't, you know, they're just old school wrestlers and coaches, too, that are like, this is the way it's done. You know, it just become like a, a tradition more than than. Uh, having education and science behind it. So I've got to give a, a huge shout out to training lab, uh, coach Cal's, uh, Sam Calavita. He is a mastermind. He is a, he's a mathematician by a trade. He actually teaches at a university, but he understands the body on a whole new level. So he's broken my body down, um, literally to like a molecule, like molecule by molecule of exactly how to get me to, uh, fire on all cylinders. And, uh, I feel like I'm adding new cylinders at this point. It's ridiculous. So like on the Monday of fight week, Saturday fight, how much do you have left to cut? Not much. I'm, I'm in really good shape. I don't believe in big weight cuts. Um, so this will be, uh, you know, I have a little bit more than I did last camp just because I put on a little bit more muscle, but this is going to be a breeze. Uh, I woke, I woke up exactly where I was supposed to this week, according to all the numbers and everything that we put together on the back end with coach Cal. And now it's going to be perfect. It's going to be easy. Um, I think it's Ketlin. We should be asking those questions because I think she's going to have a tough weight cut. Oh yeah. What, what makes you say that? Just always. She always does. She's just a big girl. She's missed weight before. Um, she's tall. And I, I just, I, I'm so blown away by the, uh, knowledge that coach Cal has in training lab that what I didn't know before that I've been there in those tough weight cuts. And you think that you've got to be bigger to be better and, and faster and stronger. And it's just, it's not, you know, it's not what I believe anymore, but I think it, it is what 98% of uh, the rest of the fighting world believes. You're a vet, you're a pro. Do you have a, a sort of a, like a rule, a personal rule? I will not fight a person if they're more than a pound over. Like if she comes in and misses weight by two pounds, are you saying I'm out? What's your personal rule on that? 
Um, obviously, I want everybody to make weight so that it's a fair playing field. But at the end of the day, I'm a fighter. You know what I mean? I like to fight. So um, I don't want to give her an easy out just to think, oh, you can miss weight. But I mean, I'll take 20% yeah, of her yeah, purse yeah. if she wants to miss weight. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were you, you were very yeah, vocal. I'm, I'm fighting on Saturday. Of course, that. yeah, yeah. No, I I just didn't. You know, there's got to be a cutoff, right? It can't be five pounds over, and then you're going to fight someone. Well, I for me, I don't think it would really matter. It's it's more would be a commission thing, right. to be honest. I, I think there was a point when the commission would pull the fight, but I trust that Kenlin is more prepared than that, and uh, hopefully she'll. You know, I hope that she'll be a professional. I trust she will. You know, I, I don't mean to knock her or anything like that when I talk about weight cutting issues I've had. My hard, my hard weight cuts too, you know, but I just, historically, you see, you see it that she kind of has, she has tough weight cuts. A few weeks ago, you were outspoken, you were vocal, critical, dare I say, of Aspen Ladd and her situation. I hypothesized that, and correct me if you feel obviously otherwise, this one hit a little close to home to you because it's, you know, I'm not even talking about the missing weight. I'm talking about, you know, the stuff in the corner and all that stuff. Boyfriend. Yeah. Uh, relationship. This, this to me felt like when you were talking about it, you were speaking from experience, not just experience as a fighter, experience mm-hmm. as someone who was in a relationship with the coach and you know what that relationship is and the, the issues that can come from that kind of relationship. Is that where that was coming from with you? Absolutely. Um, you know, I had to speak the truth and call Aspen on the thing that I think that she tried to manipulate the scale, but she wouldn't put her hands up so we couldn't tell what her hand was doing, whether it's grabbing the curtain or whatnot. But Beyond that, yes, you're absolutely right. I can relate to the situation that she's in. Um, and that's exactly how I feel. And I, I think that in a few years, she'll probably come out and say, yeah, you know, I was in the thick of it. I wasn't ready to talk about it then. But here in hindsight, that's, this is the truth. So um, at least she knows that there's other, she's not crazy. And there's other people out there who've been in that situation. I mean, people think that I'm crazy because they look at it and say, well, the coach needed to be the coach and he needed to be hard on her and he needed to tell her the truth. Yeah, you're right. But there's the difference between motivating and there's a difference between getting in there. The body language, just a little two finger shove on her shoulder to kind of get her to focus on him. You don't understand when you break that down exactly what that means and what's going on in the relationship. And people just see this one little glimpse. And and I'm looking at this from someone who's been on the outside in the big picture. And I think that she failed to show up more so probably due to um, outside factors than what you saw, you know, in the fight. Um, it's hard for people to understand that unless you've been there. Everyone's obviously different, but would you, you know, speaking to a young fighter coming up, would you advise against being in a relationship with a coach? Yep, absolutely. Especially your lead coach. Um, I would absolutely say you you don't want that. And, and that's where I think, uh, you know, Johnny and I differ very much from what I was used to in that, yes, he is in my corner, He's a part of my camps. He does teach me things sometimes, but I see us as equals. And I think he recognizes that too. Sometimes I show him things, you know what I mean? We don't, we don't have a, someone who is in charge of the other one. We are just there to support each other because it's difficult when someone always gets to be the boss of you. And it's very, you know, that translates over into the personal life too, where you feel like you just start to lose yourself. Cause where do you draw the line? Where's the difference? If somebody always gets to be the boss of you and it's 24 seven, pretty soon you're swallowed up in that. And, um, especially if you're not, you know, with the right person to, to give you that guidance, it's very tricky thing to do. I, I don't think that very many people are able to, um, 
make a head coach relation. And it's always women. It's always women who have to be, you know, that are, that end up dating their head coach. We haven't really seen it in reverse. So I'm not sure what that would look like, uh, on, in the reverse, but I can speak from my situation that, um, for the most part, it was detrimental. And the longer that it went, it was detrimental. You know, would you categorize it as like an issue? You know, you're vulnerable, you're in the gym, you look up to your coach. Like, do you, do you think this is an issue? Do a lot of young fighters come up to you and ask you, am I making a mistake? Do they, do they lean on you? Do you get people who reach out to you? I think it's a situation that we should maybe um, have conversations about. You know, um, I can't take everyone's personal situation into account and say, oh, this is the right or wrong thing to do. However, it is, from my experience, generally problematic. Uh, when a female fighter, especially, you know, younger starts dating a coach, you know, the more the age difference, the more that they become kind of hooks in claws deep and they start to feel like they can rule your life. And that can happen even outside of fighting. But when you add that kind of dynamic to it as well, it just can be such a, an ugly situation. So I think it's something we should definitely, um, just have conversations about, you know, make people a little bit more aware that um, it doesn't have to be that way. But a lot of times I think women gravitate towards, uh, you know, a male figure that's in their life consistently and, and trying to help them. But once it becomes a relationship, things become so entangled and so intertwined. And it's very difficult, not only to separate your personal life from when you go into the gym, but the gym from when you go home, mm. that was, uh, that was my biggest problem was that, you know, that the coach always came home. I, I lost the sort of the significant other, if you will. And then it just became this mental game. that was 24 um, seven. I'm going to let you run in a couple of minutes here. You got to do your own show. And I have to commend you by the way, on your broadcasting voice. I don't mean your actual voice. I mean the confidence that I feel like you now have to tell it like it is about situations like this, about fellow fighters. I think you've really come a long way in that regard. You do this great show with Renee Paquette, who I think very highly of, my fellow Canadian. Um, and you, I see, you know, I see you telling it like it is, calling people out, being very sure of yourself, and being comfortable in being critical of other fighters. It's not always critical, of course, but sometimes it needs to be. Was that a learning process for you? Because correct me if you feel otherwise, I feel like early in your broadcasting career, you weren't as comfortable saying things about people that were critical. Now it's it's changed a lot, at least from my POV. It has. I just know that I have to be myself. I can't sit here. I don't, I'm not doing anyone any favors and not everybody's going to agree with me and not everybody's going to love what I have to say. And that's okay. I think that's um, what I've come to appreciate about being an American, you know, we live in the land of free. We all get a voice. We might as well use it. You know, there's plenty of places in the world where women don't get the opportunity to speak their minds. So um, I will not let that be uh, my situation. You know, I will speak my mind and you don't have to agree. You don't have to like me. That's, that's okay. I'm not asking for that, but um, you're, you're, yeah, you're right. I, I like to have those conversations with Renee. And by the way, Renee is amazing. She's awesome. I'm sad that she just left Vegas. She just moved to Cincinnati. So uh, we'll be hopping on our show shortly and uh, be able to reconnect. It's been a couple of weeks since she's been on because right. of her move. Uh, why don't they use you on the desk? You're so good at this. You tell like it is. Why don't I see you on the desk? Oh, good question. Well, they haven't asked. Um, but they haven't asked yet. I think I did get a... Um, that might not be true. I think I got a request one time and I didn't see it in time. Uh, I think there's a future there for me, but to be honest, I don't think I could do it all right now. Yeah. I, I think it would have to be like 
when I'm clearly not in a training camp, I don't think I can be consistent because I've just got the two little kids. I've got to focus on fighting. Got to make this, uh, you know, a priority because I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it forever. You know, I don't have 10 years left in this sport. I have two or three. So I just want to focus on that fighting and um, whatever else I can fit in. Great. Afterwards, though, afterwards, I hope I'll have a job in the the, on the desk, desk, booth, whatever. Uh, Last thing. All goes well on Saturday. Are we asking for the title shot? Winner of Nunez Pena? Is that what we want? So look, I'm going to have to assess after, obviously. But I would be remiss to to sit here and say that it's not what I'm gunning for. Because it is what I'm gunning for. I, I do want the title shot. I, that, I'm not here to, to play games. But I also know that everything has to be perfect and it's going to be perfect and it's going to be according to my time plan so it's not just my input but I am the one ultimately who's going to make the decisions and I want to make a case for that I want to make a real strong case and I think if I go out there and I take out Ketlin the way that I plan to I'm going to make that case so then the ball will be in my court I love it good luck to you Misha thank you for the time as always thanks for squeezing us in good luck on the show uh, in about 25 minutes I appreciate you very much and can't wait for the fight great to talk to you as always Thanks, Ariel. All right. Take care. There she is, Misha Tate. I told her it would be quick, in and out. She's got a lot going on. And so I appreciate her jumping in uh, very much. That's a big-time fight at 135. I mean, I feel like if she wins that fight, there are only two fights of great interest for her at that point. It's either the Holly Holm rematch or the winner of Juliana Pena versus Amanda Nunes. Uh, Obviously, either would be a big fight if Pena wins you've got a situation where obviously Amanda Nunes is probably going to command an immediate rematch, uh, but that's the level Misha Tate is at. Uh, all fights are very sellable. She did tell us last time she was on the show that she would be most interested in a rematch against Holly Holm once she's champ or Holly's champ. Obviously, she's a little closer now because Holly's out due to injury. Uh, happy anniversary to Holly. Yesterday was the anniversary of her incredible win over Ronda Rousey back at UFC 193. Uh, That being said, it's interesting times at 135 pounds. And this is a really nice card on Saturday. Like I said last week regarding the uh, Max Holloway-Yair Rodriguez fight, these, these cards creep up on you because Monday, Tuesday, you know, you're still digesting what happened on Saturday. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Oh, wow. There's a card coming up. This is a good one. Uh, Caitlin Vieira versus Misha Tate. Sean Brady versus Michael Chiesa is a really interesting fight at 170. Sean Brady, a perfect 14-0. One sort of unofficial L on the record. He tried to get, of course, Andre Petrovsky to walk out to Island Boy, which has officially jumped the shark. I mean, I see everyone trying to send me the clubs. I'm over Island Boy, okay? We had our moment. That's it. I'm not the, uh, I'm not the governor of Island Boy Nation, all right? Uh, it was a nice moment in time, but I think we all need to move on with our lives. Uh, Sean Brady, Michael Chiesa is a great fight. Uh, big spot for Michael Chiesa. Joanne Wood, a.k.a. Joanne Calderwood, who's now known as Joanne Wood because she married her coach. Kind of funny that we were just talking about this. Uh, and obviously, not every situation is the same. And uh, not every coach is the same. Not every relationship is the same. But what are the chances that Joanne Calderwood would marry someone named John Wood dropped the Calder in Calder Wood and is now just Joanne Wood. I mean, what are the chances? Craziness. Going up against Talia Santos, 18-1. and one. 
David Grant against Adrian Yanez is a great fight as well. Uh, what else we got? Terrence McKinney had a great tweet yesterday about uh, Michael Kesa being his former wrestling coach, and now they're fighting on the same card in the UFC. That's a lot of fun. Um, Sean Soriano, Cody Durden. I mean, it's a nice little card. Uh, prelims at 3 Eastern on ESPN Plus, main card at 6 Eastern on ESPN Plus. Terrence Crawford also fighting on uh, on Saturday as well. So the fun never stops in the world of combat sports. And in a matter of seconds, hopefully we'll connect with Chaos Williams, who had a big win this past Saturday in Las Vegas. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. He defeated Miguel Baeza via third round TKO 102 of round three. Chaos Williams has some kind of power. Unbelievable. Uh, he has won two in a row now. Uh, prior to that, dropped that decision to Michelle Pajera. Prior to that, knocked out Abdul Razak Al-Hassan in 30 seconds. Prior to that, in his UFC debut, knocked out Alex Morono in just 27 seconds. The man's got power. They call him the Ox Fighter. He's got a great backstory as well. Uh, I'm looking forward to having him on the program. And like I said at the beginning of the show, uh, when I went into my DMs and and was going to reach out to him to, you know, have him uh, just to say, hey, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Looking forward to talking to you for the first time. I've never had him on the show or any kind of show before. Uh, I saw that he sent me a message. What was the message? It was actually great. It was see here Ugh. this new twitter twitter looks exactly like instagram it's messing me up why did they do this looks the exact same sent me a message if god makes it to where you even see this and this video makes it to you fingers crossed i'm fighting for my first professional regional title here in michigan on march 9th this was january of 2019 i did not see the message mia culpa Almost three years later, it's great to connect with Chaos Williams. He's kind enough to join us via the magic of Zoom right now. There he is. Chaos, my man. How are you? Pretty good, man. Pretty good, man. I'm happy to be on here. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's great to have you on. I'm sorry I didn't see your message back in 2019. I'm really sorry about hey, that. Hey, it's all good. I know, I know your inbox be juking, man. <laughs> you know, better late, better late than never, man. What's the difference between this Chaos Williams and the one who was sending me that DM back in January of 2019? How far have you come? Man, I came a long way, but I'm still, I still got a long way to go, man. Uh, really, man, I'm just more involved as an MMA fighter, as a mixed martial artist, you know? And uh, I'm just hungrier, man, you know? Would you have believed... Would you have believed that in three years you'd be where you are now with, you know, these three great knockouts in the UFC, four wins inside the octagon, making a lot of noise? Like, did you think this would happen this quickly for you? Three years, very short amount of time. Man, 
Hell yeah, definitely, man. You know, I believe in myself. I believe in my talent. You know, I always keep God first, man. I feel like, you know, this is God-given talent, man. You know, I came I came from the mud, man, and, and I'm here. Like I always said, I was a diamond in the rough, just being to be buffed off and shown to the world. And I'm here, man. I got the opportunity. You know, like I was telling people, man, just like I sent you that, um, just like I sent you that, man, I I was I was always telling a lot of people, man, like, you just gotta be great, you know, just continue to be great. And as long as you believe in yourself and you be great, um, and you just live it, man. You know, you let the world catch up to you. Now, when you say I came from the mud, what do you mean by that? Man, <laughs> the trenches, man, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, straight out the mud, man, from the dirt, man. Like, when, when, when I'm hitting people, man, hey, it got that mud on it. Now, okay, so your backstory is a fascinating one, and I hope you don't mind talking about it a little bit, because I think a lot of people can appreciate how far you've come. In, in July of 2013, yeah. you became the first graduate of a cooperative online education program between the Jackson County Sheriff's Office and Jackson Public Schools, where you grew up. Meaning, correct me if I'm wrong, you were incarcerated when you graduated from high school? Yes, sir. Why were you behind bars? I mean, I was in survival mode. You know, I was in survival mode. Uh, at the time, you know, I was... Uh, going down the wrong path, man. I really didn't have, like, the guidance. I really didn't even know what was my calling in life. I really didn't know what I wanted to do in life, you know, so I was hustling, you know, just trying to make some money and, uh, you know, just trying to eat for real, man, just put food on my, uh, I mean, you know what I'm saying, food in my stomach, clothes on my back. How long were you incarcerated for? <clears throat> Overall, altogether, 18 months. What was that like? And how old are you? You're a teenager, right? I'm 27, but yeah, I was a teenager. No, no, I don't mean I don't mean uh, now. I mean back then. You were a teenager when you were there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What was that like? Terrifying. Shoot. I mean, it was, but it wasn't, man. You know, at the end of the day, man, I feel like God put me through the test. You know, like so I had my testimony. You know, and uh, that's just another test that I had to go through, man. You know, and it, and it uh, really um, humbled me. You know, really uh, made me appreciate my freedom. Made me appreciate. A lot of things more, man, you know, and uh, it woke me up. It woke me up. Now, do you find MMA after you wake up or did MMA help you wake up? Um, MMA, like, this is the thing. Like, I was always street fighting. Yeah. You know, like, I was always fighting and stuff. And I had this one fight that was in the street. And, like, I was 18 at the time. The dude I fought was 27. And like it Damn. was like a real fast fight, probably like ten, yeah, probably like ten seconds, and I dropped him. And um, everybody like when I when I went when I went to jail and stuff, like I was showing my teachers and stuff. Everybody they was like, oh man, like everybody liked the video. Everybody liked the video when I was in school. Everybody liked the video. And then when I got out, I was showing somebody the video because I was you know trying to get my life together and stuff. And somebody seen it, and it was like, bro, like you got it, man. You, <laughs> you can make a lot of money doing that, man. You got it for real. And I just jumped into it with some blind face. Started, I, I found the jujitsu gym, and uh, that's that's where my path started at, man. You know. Just curious, why didn't you go down the boxing route and and uh, instead of MMA? Why did you choose choose MMA as opposed to boxing? I always, I always, I always like I, I boxed when I was little. Like I, I got into the boxing gym when I was fourteen, so you know that's like a natural thing for me, you know. And then like I always just slap box, you know. Uh, that's more of how I grew up. It was more of you know we just like tussling you know what i mean like playing around stuff like that and uh yeah man mma just found me man like jujitsu just that's what i first started 
That's how I started my MMA journey. And, you know, I just fell in love with it. You grew up in Michigan, Jackson, Michigan, correct? We all, am I wrong? No, I, I grew up, I grew up, man, you know, it's been, man, what's crazy is, man, my life is, 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 is all over the place, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's for real, for real, man. To be real with people, man, like, people don't even know this, you know? So for everybody that's listening, everybody that's, you know, out there, you know, that's why I say the people's champ always, too, because, you know, I like to relate to a lot of people. I can speak for a lot of people. I've been there. So when I'm speaking, uh, a lot of things, I'm speaking from the heart, and I'm speaking from experience, yeah. you know, like I, like my mom, she got sent to prison when I was four, you know, and I ended up getting adopted by my, uh, my aunt, you know, but before that, before that, like I was bouncing around, like between like family and stuff like that, like in the, um, in the system and stuff. So my, I ended up getting, um, I wasn't like, that's why I was born in Indiana. I was born in Indiana. And I ended up moving to, like, Michigan for a little minute. And then I ended up moving down to North Carolina. Oh. North Carolina. Yeah, then I ended up moving down to North Carolina. And then I ended up coming back to Michigan when I was 18. So I ended up reuniting with my biological mother when I was 18. So between 4 and 18, like, we were separated. Then when I ended up coming, that's when I ended up finding Jackson, Michigan. From Jackson, Michigan, that's when I was, you know, hustling. I was in survival mode. And... Then I ended up getting incarcerated. I got out. And while I was in Jackson, got my life together a little bit. That's when I found mixed martial arts. I started my MMA career. From there, I ended up moving to Detroit. From Detroit, you know, I still bounced back between Jackson, Detroit, and stuff like that. So, you know, like, now that's why it's like, I'm all over the place, man. You know, I'm all over the place. So, um, yeah, man. What a story. Now, what's your relationship like with your mom now, your biological mom? Oh. Pretty good, A1. Good, good. And could I ask, why did she go to jail when you were four years old? Same situation, man. Yeah. You know, just hustling, man. You know, survival mode, man. You know, uh, yeah. And how about your father? He really wasn't there like that. Okay. And so Bro. when you were adopted by your, your aunt, was that your mom's sister? Yeah, yeah. And you knew, I, I'm assuming at some point you knew that your, your mother was behind bars. Did you have any kind of relationship with her? Did you visit her? Did you write her? Did you ever? No. No, nothing. No, no, nothing. And so knowing that she, you know, had to go away at some point, that didn't deter you from going down that path as well, because eventually for a minute there, you went down the same path. No. <laughs> like I said, man, it's kind of, it's kind of, it, man, it's just, it's just, man, you know, in the neighborhood, man, you know, like I said, I was in survival mode. You know, it's kind of hard to really explain it, like, you know. But it's just, it was just like that. It was either this or that at the time. You know, now I'm able to uh, show people a different way. You know, I'm able to be the person that I needed when I was coming up. Yeah. You know, and be that public figure, you know. So at the end of the day, man, like, I still talk stuff and all of that, but I'm more of, I'm, I like to talk with these, you know, and I like to let my work speak for itself. Your birth name is Callan? Is it Callan? Kalen? Uh, Kalen. Kalen. Chaos yeah. Williams is one of the all-time great names. Who gave you that? Who's Thank responsible you. for this name? Because obviously that's a nickname that has now become your your adopted name and so in so many ways. Who gave you that? Yeah. Shoot, these did, man. <laughs> <laughs> these did, for real though, man. Like my homies, man. Uh, like they was like, man, you just causing so much ruckus. 
you know, we can't keep calling you. Uh, we got to call you, you know what I'm saying? Chaos, man. You know, it was just like a group of, you know what I mean? A group of the homies, man, back back when I was coming up. Yeah, but the, then the, to have the foresight to go K-H-A-O-S, not C-H, that was brilliant because now it makes it yours. It's very unique. Yeah. Um, and Thank you, man. And clearly, you know, it has fit perfectly for your career with the knockouts. The guys that you knew back when you were a teenager, maybe even some of them that you were in jail with, do they know what you're doing now? Do they know the kind of success story that you've become? Yeah, definitely, man. You know, a lot of them, man, everybody that I was um, hanging around, they was older than me. Now, you know, I still... Uh, politic with a few of them still conversate with a couple of them and uh yeah man they, they everybody like they didn't came and seen me like when i when i was telling you that uh that message that i sent you I, I had like 10 of them come up to michigan to see me fight for that fight for that title okay so that i mean yep. you're so that, you know what i mean i'm sure you're a huge inspiration to people who grew up where you grew Definitely, up right, right? man yeah now that you're having more success in the ufc and getting more shine are you finding perhaps on Instagram and whatnot people sending you message messages thanking you for being an inspiration for showing them that there is a different path that you can take? All, all the time, man. All the time, in and out the country. You know, so many messages, man. You know, I'm just blessed to be here, man. You know, I'm just best to uh, be in a position to be that person that can help. You know, you never know what 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 you can do. You see, I reached out to you, man. You know that. You know. Man, I left it's you all on about scene. Timing. I left you on. I don't even. I don't even man. think I left you on scene. I never saw you, it. You ain't even seen me just, exactly, <laughs> man. But you, you got all them followers, man. I know. I understand, I'm man. Sorry. You know, inbox juking, man. You know that's how mine is too, though. I know. I know. You know, in mine, I don't even got near as many uh, followers as you got. So I know how I be, man. Uh, I ain't tripping, man. Better late than never. Um, and so, hey, but better later. Hey, but better late is never, though. You feel me? That's right, no doubt. Um, is it overwhelming? You know, it's like to be a role model for young kids to, to, to hear this stuff. Not that long ago, you were in their shoes. Is that overwhelming for you? Nah, no. man. Nah. Okay. Well, I have to say, it's nice to just see your teeth and see you smile because when you're in the cage, man, that game face that you have, that's, I mean, you are locked in. Like, you are unflappable. Hey. What is going on in your mind? Like, when they are announcing you, when you're in there, that face that you make is one of the most intimidating, terrifying faces that we've seen in the octagon. What is happening up here when when you are in the cage? Sure, man. What I be thinking about is really, man, I be forgetting about everything that's there. All I see is him. That's in front of me. I be tunnel vision focused. I be just like, man, laser focused on like what's in front of me, man. It's just me and him and I'm, and I'm, I'm coming to dominate. You know what I mean? I train to dominate, man. Me in the way. You know, I feel like, you know, it's like the mirror. It's, it's me or you. I'm back in survival mode now. Mm -hmm. You know? So, you yeah. You're back on those uh, those streets, getting ready for the street fights. <laughs> hey, basically, man, <laughs> basically. But it's, it's, it's for real, you know? Like, man, we, we in there, man, we in there, and we fighting for our life for real, you know? Like, people people get hurt, man, you know? And I'm not trying to be on the opposite side, yeah. so, you know, I just be so focused, man. You know, and a lot of people, man, like, they don't see what's going on in there, man. It's easy, it's easy to look from the outside in, but when you're really in there, you know, it's a whole different ball game. When when you connect like that, like you did on Saturday, like you did in your first two UFC fights, and the guy's just out, like what is that feeling like for you, the one who's dishing it? When you connect and you know that you just turned someone's life lights out, what is that like? Hey, you know, uh, I, I feel like, you know, hey, they're, they're, that's another chin out of tested. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, hey, that's another chin out of tested. It feels good, man. You know, I felt like, you know, we just going to keep, uh, just, I got to keep doing this, man. You know, 
Hopefully, man, you know, you can put that word in for DC, man. You know what I mean? Tell them put me on the game, man. Just, Come you know, on. make sure my punch in power 100. Wow. DC's been holding out on you too? He's not, I mean, if you ask yeah. him, he's probably going to hold out. I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, I know, I know. I know I still got to uh, put some more work in, but what you know, put more saying, work man. in? You know what they mean? You telling me you're not you know? in a video game? Nah, man, Come I don't on. think so. I don't even play games. I don't even play games, but once somebody tell me I'm in there, man, trust and believe I'm going to the store. <laughs> uh, I mean, hmm. you should be in there. I think your resume speaks for itself at this point. Um, and so you, okay, so you have those two wins in a row now. You had the two wins prior. The one, you know, blemish is the Michelle Pajeda fight. Does that one eat, yeah. eat at you? Do you feel like you should have won that fight? Does it bother you that you have that one loss in the UFC? I mean, you know, it did. But, you know, the one thing about me, man, I just keep moving forward. You know what I mean? I keep moving forward. It did at the time because I felt like I won, you know, but, you know, I, I, I felt like I did enough to get the win. But, you know, I don't know what the judges be thinking sometimes, man. You know, I, I just, uh, like, I was looking at the scorecards. Like, I seen the scorecard. One of my coaches sent me the scorecard for Friday, and I know it was a close fight, but, like, they had me losing the second round, and I'm just like, I don't know, man. So, you know, at the end of the day, man, I, I try not to uh, dwell on the past too much, man. I just keep moving forward, man. And I would imagine with, with someone like you who has the kind of power that you have, you'd prefer to just not let it go to the judges. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, you always post this on your social media, this line, not personal, just punishment. Why? Because hey, it's just punishment, man. You know, it's just something that, it's another thing that just came to me, man. You know, it's, just, it's something that uh, found me, you know? Just like my name, man, Chaos Oxfighter Williams. It's something that just had a ring to it. And, you know, uh, man, everybody, they, they, they love it. You know, it's just me, you know, uh, original. But it's never been personal? You've never had an opponent who annoyed you, who got under your skin, who you really wanted to? Man. Come on, I'm sure you've had. Shoot, I had one. I had, yeah, I had one dude, man. You know what I'm saying? I ain't going to say sure. his name, okay. man. You know, he, you know, but, yeah, it was one dude, man. You know, he was getting on live and. Man, you know, on some street stuff, man. Let's meet up, da 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 da. Oh. Stuff like that, man. I'm just like, yeah, man. I'm like, man, see me in the cage, man. You know, see me in the cage, man. You, he was a fighter too, man. But you know, I, I, I shut him up too. You beat him? You knocked him out? No, he actually tapped the strikes. Interesting. I could go into the record right yeah. now and see who it is, but I won't put I won't put him on blast. Like yeah, yeah. We ain't gonna give him. We ain't gonna give him no extra clout, man. You know what I'm saying? He, Ain't nobody. But I guess I guess the reason I ask that is sometimes it is personal. But you try to not make it personal. You'd rather it just be, I'm gonna go in there, blank canvas, beat this guy on to the next, get paid on to the next. Definitely, man. You know, I try to keep it business, man. A lot of people, you gotta remember, man, I'm a businessman too. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of a lot of people, a lot of people come into this sport and they treat it like it's just a sport, but it's both. It's a business and a sport. So I look at it like if you come into the sport and you just treat it like a sport, you're going to end up leaving the sport with just a good story. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But if you come into this sport and you treat it like a business and a sport, you're going to leave the sport with a good story, but a check too. And you always show up dressing really nice as well. You got you got the, the I think it was a three-piece. Did you have a three-piece on uh, Saturday? Yeah. Yeah, man. You're looking good up there. Not only I need, I, I seen I seen a couple of people... Thanks, man. Thanks. Well, what would the people say? They were hating on you. Man, a couple people hating on me, man. What they say? You know, I ain't had, a, I ain't had, a, I ain't had a, uh, the scissors, man. I ain't had a tag off, man. You know, Come I ain't on. tag off yet. Where? Man, just, Where was fresh it? Fresh suit. Where was it? 
on my sleeve. Come on, on. my sleeve. You can see it. Your team yeah. and your, t- your, your good, team though, didn't man. tell you. Your coaches didn't tell you. No, they did, but it was kind of late. I mean, come on. Listen, I wouldn't have the I wouldn't have the dog. balls to say that to you. I'll tell you that much. You can wear whatever the hell you want. Maybe you say it's a fashion statement. Mm-hmm. You know, like when people wear the hats mm-hmm. with the sticker on them. You could do whatever the hell you want mm-hmm. when you're knocking people out like that. Who's next? Who's next on the hit list? Man, whoever they put in front of me, for real. You don't have a preference. You know, I look. Nah, no preference, man. You gotta remember, man. This is chess, not checkers. <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, like think about it like this, man. Yeah. The objective in the chess that when you play chess. And no, I like playing chess. You know what I mean? The objective when you playing chess is obviously to put the king in checkmate, yeah, right? Yeah. So, you know, I done knocked off like and don't get me wrong, the people that I fought were good opponents too. You know what I mean? Love, you know what I'm saying? Good opponents, game opponents. And so I ain't like down playing them or nothing. I'm just saying it from a chess point of view. Okay. When you playing chess, right, your objective is to put the the king in checkmate. You know, when you knock off a couple pawns. You know, you just don't keep moving forward. You know, you still got to strategically move around the board, you know, because you got the rooks, you got the knights, you know, you got everything else. You got the bishops, you know, so you got to move around the board the right way. Damn. And that's just me, okay, you know. Like it's, 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 it's all about, uh, yeah, man, you know, we playing chess, not checkers. Man. Listen, a lot of people use that phrase, make that analogy. They don't go as deep as you just did. So respect. You are. Ch- Some people say, oh, I like to play chess. And they like, you know, don't really play chess. They just pretend like they're smart and play mm-hmm. chess. Clearly, you are a chess player, so well done. How long before you're being talked about among the top guys at 170 in your mind? Uh, man, let me see, man. I would say, man, to be, to be realistic, maybe like a year or two. A year or two. We're like top, top, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I'm up there. Maybe sooner, man. You never know. You know, like I'm just, I'm just putting, I'm just putting, uh, you know, putting a time frame on it. All right. Well, I'm enjoying watching you so far, and congratulations not only on your success, but turning your life around. Because from what I was Thank reading, you, I mean, it's been spotless since then. Since you, you know, you had that run as a teenager. You're an inspiration to a lot of kids, to a lot of people trying to turn their lives around. You're doing great things. So much respect to you, and congrats on the recent win, and also the success Thank you've had you. in the UFC. Appreciate it, man. And again, I'm sorry for not reading your message, but I'm happy it turned out this way. It's all good, man. <laughs> hey, better better late than never, man. I don't want to be on the receiving never. end of one of those. You know what I mean? I've seen them. Nah, man, never that. <laughs> uh, thank you, Chaos. All the best to you, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. All right. Thank you. All right. There he is, Chaos Williams, joining us. What a great guy. My microphone went a little loud, and now I'm, I'm afraid that the same thing from, from last week is happening again. It's not happening again, is it? You guys can hear me? Okay, all good. Um, well, this is interesting. All right. Well, that is uh, a very, very talented fellow, Chaos Williams. 13-2, and two, big win over Miguel Baeza. Had the uh, decision win over Matthew Semisberger, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, Alex Morono. Uh, he is... A legit striker, a ton of power. They call him Chaos. They call him Ox Fighter. He is a name to remember, and Saturday's win was among several very impressive wins on on Saturday. He also got the performance bonus, so congratulations to him. Looking forward to seeing what is next for Chaos Williams. Now, uh, ever since last week, I mean, you talk about messages left on red, maybe not even red, 
unseen, I have sent our next guest a lot of messages in the last nine or so days. And the re- look, typically, I don't like to bother someone after a quote-unquote loss. I don't think what happened at UFC 268 was a loss for Michael Chandler. I, I actually kind of forgot that it was a loss because of how great that fight was, because of the heart, because of the love afterwards, all the, you know, the, the celebration of how great the fight was from both men. It, it, it didn't really register. I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm being annoying here. And I know it was a war and I know he went to the hospital, but like maybe I need to chill out. Well, thankfully, after I think 10 unanswered texts, because I'm very annoying like that, he finally replied and he agreed to come on the program. And so without further ado, let's go back to the Zoom machine and say hello to the one and only Michael Chandler. There he is. Uh, hello, Michael. Was I Ariel. annoying? Was I annoying? Ariel, it was, it was three unanswered texts. It was maybe, it was <laughs> no. like 10. It was like, at least it probably felt like 10. it felt like 10 for me because usually you're very quick to reply. So I felt bad. I wasn't sure. No, man. Number one, I, number one, I appreciate you reaching out. I mean, you, you've seen the way I've handled losses and, and, you know, stuff in the past. I want to get right back out there. want to rip the bandaid off and get right back in the media. But goodness gracious, like you said, I don't want to justify losing ever. I want to win more. I want to win more than anybody. I do things right. I believe that I deserve to, to win, but it was the first time in my life that I got my hand grabbed by the referee and Justin Gage is sitting over there. And at that moment I was like, Oh shoot, I forgot. There actually is going to be a winner and a loser here right now. Cause I was having that much fun, but um, it, it was a loss. But if there was ever a loss that feels like a win, this was one. Um, Y'all were the y'all were the beneficiaries of it, you know. I think we had a, we all had a good time that night. It was a historic night, and here we are. We keep moving forward. Okay, so there's so much to talk about, and thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. First things first, how are you feeling? I mean, we're not that far removed, like nine or so days. How do you feel after that fight? I feel like a million bucks, man. Really? You know, I uh, you know went to you know we we both went to the hospital. Obviously, just it wasn't even a question. They said, okay, uh, go see the doctors now, and then your ambulance is right there. And I'm like. I got to go to the hospital. They're like, yeah, you got to go to the hospital. Like, and you heard Dana in his post fight, you know, scrum, no questions asked. We were sending those guys to the hospital, no matter what. Uh, Justin, it was funny. There's, there's a video out there of Justin Gaethje trying to get into my ambulance. Cause we didn't know where, where we were supposed to go. I've only taken two ambulance rides in my entire life. Both of them were from Madison wow. Square Garden to Bellevue hospital. Um, but they were great there. You know, obviously I got stitched up a little bit. Um, Got, got a couple CT scans and that kind of stuff just to, you know, check the boxes. And I feel great, man. I do. So nothing broken, no serious injuries? No, uh, not that we know of. There were all the x-rays checked out. You know, I might get some more tests um, here and there just on like knee and hand and that kind of stuff. Um, but for the most part, man, I'm still high on the, the loss that feels like a win. Yeah. You know, I'm still high on the experience. I appreciate the love and support and uh, just the way that everybody responded. And even... You know, kudos to Yair and Max Holloway. Kudos to Peter Young and, and Corey Sandhagen. I mean, look at the last couple cards that the UFC has put on. There's been some really, really great fights. And, you know, 2011, when I shared the octagon with Eddie Alvarez, or shared the Bellator cage with Eddie Alvarez, and on the same night with Shogun Hua versus Dan Henderson, it's cool to be a part of some pretty historic nights in oh MMA God. history. And UFC 268 was one of them. And, We'll see what happens next. And uh, last thing on the injuries, how many stitches total? 200 and <laughs> no, I think, I don't know. It was, I, I got some, you know, some stitches. I think the, the cut over my right eye opened up in the first round, which made for a nice little bloody fight. Uh, left eye, I got a couple. So I probably got like 10, 
six and like four inside my mouth. Um, oh. That uppercut that landed, I bit through my bit through my lip in a couple of different places. Oh. Um, but hey, man, it's all it's all for the cause, I guess. You, you uh, shared a video. I believe your your wife works in the medical field, right? Yeah. So very lucky. Yeah, my wife's a doctor. Yeah. She got to take out the stitches. She's taken out. <laughs> many, she's taken out many of my sets of stitches. So, um, you know, they said five to seven days. We took it out on day six because I was. They were starting to itch, and I was ready to get them out. The ones inside my lip actually kind of untied just from talking and eating. All of a sudden, I'd pull one out and be like, "Oh, there goes one," you know. So those those came those didn't last but a couple of days. Um, but lip feels fine, head feels fine. My my cup is full. So going back to the fight now. Michael, we're watching this fight, and this is like this is like Rock'em Sock'em Robots. This is like when you're playing a video game and you're just like smashing all the buttons. You're in the fight. Do you remember anything from the actual fight? Like, do you remember what is going through your mind? Are you thinking to yourself, "Holy crap! I can't believe he's not falling. I'm not falling. We're going back and forth." Like, what is actually, if anything, going through that brain of yours in the midst of one of the all-time great fights in UFC history? You know, um, I don't remember a lot from many of my fights. I've had, you know first round quick knockouts where I don't get touched. And I've had 25 minute wars. I've had obviously the 15 minute war with Gaethje. I don't remember a lot from it just cause you're in, you're in the zone. Your, your adrenaline is pumping so high. You're not really thinking much. I will say, I mean, Madison square garden was so loud. I didn't hear my coaches one time during the fight. <laughs> I heard them obviously in the corner. Um, but the funny thing was, and it'd be funny if you, if you interviewed Henry, he would probably be like, this was the most, this was the most, I don't want to say like, I guess ferocious slash like in the zone. He was talking to me and he even had to be like, Hey, are you listening? Hey, are you listening to me? Cause I just wanted to, I wanted him to get rid of the stool. I wanted him to get out of there. I wanted to get back in Justin Gaethje's face. We were just having a blast. And, you know, granted, was it the most, was it the smartest way to the, in the easiest path to victory to go win a fight against Justin Gaethje at Madison Square Garden, which really does have, should have had title implications? Probably not, but I also can't control myself sometimes. You know, I'm here, I'm here to entertain. I loved competing. I loved fighting. I love fighting for the UFC. I love, I love what the last 13 months has been about. Um, and this was definitely a culmination. You know, fighting for the title a couple months ago was great, but this was, this was different. And it felt historic. It felt like it, it felt like fight week and the, and we were leading up to a historic card as I'm signing the posters and as we're going through everything. And then it all culminated in, you know, a possible fight of the year candidate. Um, a lot of people have said it's the best fight they've ever seen. So, you know, obviously to be in those types of fights, you have to, you know, take some damage and have some ups and some downs and get hurt here and win some, lose some in, in different moments. But um, so it's definitely a lot more fun to go knock someone out and collect a paycheck and go home and kiss your wife. But those knockdown drag out wars solidify that people you're, that you're still here and you're, you're legit. Yeah. What, what is that like to be congratulated after a loss? Cause I'm sure there is a part of you that's bummed that you didn't, you know, like when, when the story is told there's a winner and a loser in this one, it's like the classic case of there is no real loser, right. In, in the eyes of the public, sometimes people like you more after a loss than a win, but is it a bittersweet pill to, to swallow for you because ultimately you didn't get your hand raised. How do you feel about it? No, I mean, I don't, like I said, I don't, I don't want to sit here because I don't like, I don't like when people justify losses and say, you know, I don't, I don't like when people justify losses and act as though it was okay that they lost because then you just are accepting of the loss and you, you know, you, you accept that, that you didn't win. But for me, truthfully, yeah, I think, I think now at this point, it feels 
win, lose, or draw, I was happy with the performance. I mean, it was a close fight. Some people will say Justin Gaethje beat me the entire time. You know, there was definitely a, a judge who gave him 30-27. I get it. Um, but just the way that the fight happened, the atmosphere, um, obviously the fans' reactions, the UFC's reaction, you, you and the media's reaction, it feels like a win. You know, because truthfully, and this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately, and it, and it really happened when I came to the UFC, are we there to collect wins and losses? Absolutely. Do we really want to win most of the time? Absolutely. But people aren't going to remember the wins and losses. They're going to remember how you made them feel. And I think the feeling that people got, it was the epitome of why people love this sport, was the feeling that they got from me versus Justin Gaethje at Madison Square Garden with everything on the line. And two dudes who we did exactly what we said we were going to do, right? You get a lot of blunder. A lot of trash talk, a lot of braggadocious, you know, puffed up chest talking, talking about being a fighter, talking about coming forward, getting in the guy's face, being an exciting fighter. And some people just don't deliver. Uh, Justin Gaethje said, Justin Gaethje and I said we were going to do that and we did it. Um, so we, we are men of our word. If you, if you, you know, in, in every sense of the word and uh, I'm happy with it, man. What do you think happens if that's a five round fight? <laughs> I don't know. I'm glad, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad it wasn't at the, at the, at the pace we were going, uh, you know, and, and that's even just, and truthfully, I mean, I would have had just as, just a good a chance of, you know, maybe finishing him in the fourth or the fifth because the fight was going like that. I think both of us, I think both of us were landing big shots. He was landing big shots. I was landing big shots. We both got hurt. We both got wobbled. Um, I'm glad it wasn't a five round fight. You know, we both, you know, Took, took as, as much damage as we needed to take in 15 minutes. He gets to go off and hopefully get that title shot. I think he, I think he goes and beats Dustin Poirier or Charles Oliveira middle of next year. Um, and then maybe we set up a rematch when I get a win or two, and we'll, we'll see what happens. But I'm glad it was only 15 minutes because we, we gave we, – in, in a lot of ways, I think 15 minutes is actually better than 25 because there was no governor. There wasn't a, a brake pedal in sight. Neither of us touched the brake pedal whatsoever. We wanted to go – as hard as you possibly could for 15 minutes, 25 minutes, you start venturing into the realm of your body shutting down and having to conserve energy. Now, allow me just for a brief moment to be a bit of a negative Nancy. Um, You are a father, you are a husband, you've been doing this a long time. Is there any part of you when you get back, maybe it's even your wife who's like, that was great and all, but man, that's a lot of shots to the head. You know, like you, you, you want those moments, you want to be revered, you want to go down as a legend, you're already there. Is there any part of you that's like, it was a lot of damage and maybe a little too much damage. I don't want to deal with the effects of all of this in five, six years. Do you, do you, do you struggle with that at all? You know, I, I think it's, you know, I mean, it's definitely something you think about, um, you know, because I, because I also know myself. I know how I train. I know how hard I train. I know how hard it is on my body to cut weight. I've been cutting weight since I was 14 years old. I've, I've competed within 152 pounds and 157 pounds since I was 16 years old. And I just, I'm getting bigger and bigger. You know, I'm not, I'm not a natural 155 pounder anymore. If I was a, if I was a, a an inch or two taller, it'd be, it would be no question. I would be fighting at 170. Um, so it's the weight cuts. It's the time away from, it's the time away from family. It's the damage because I know that I only know one way to fight. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm going to go out there and, and, and get into a, you know, get into a, a, a fast paced, violent fight with people and then go out there and putz around and, and, and be lackluster. That's just not in, it's not in my DNA. As you saw with this last fight, I could have, I could have been a little bit more diplomatic 
conserved a little bit of energy, taking less damage, taking less risk. I could have done all those things, but I just, it's not in my DNA, man. I can't, I can't do it, you know? So I got to know that. And I know that about myself, you know, it's going to keep people on the edge of their seats and I'm enjoying it. But like I said, I'm not, I wasn't going to be here for a long time. I was going to be here for a good time. I've had a blast the last, you know, 13, 14 months being signed with the UFC. Um, definitely got some big, big fights on my horizon and I've definitely got many more fights left in me. Um, but it's something I always think about because I made a promise to you. I made a promise to the UFC. I made a promise to the media, the fans, my training partners, my coaches, but all of those pale in comparison to the promise that I made to my wife in 2014 and my son in 2017. And I, I take the most pride in being a father and husband. So of course I put a little bit more weight in those, in those promises. Um, but man, this train ain't slowing down anytime soon. We're, you know, we're enjoying the process and, uh, Got some big fights coming up. And and I'll ask you about those in a second, but I'm just curious, was the game plan actually to be a little less, uh, you know, violent, if you will? Like, did you stray away because you were in there against Justin Gaethje, who seems to bring that out in people? It was, you know, <laughs> and I had to apologize to my wife because I told her, you know, I told her what the game plan was. You know, the game plan was, you know, because I think, I think I beat Justin Gaethje in a wrestling match, you know, nine times out of 10. And that's not any disrespect to him. I just think my wrestling is better than his. I could have used my wrestling more. I could have used the cage control a little bit more. I could have grabbed hands under hooked, grabbed the head. I could have, could have made it a little, little bit more of a close quarters type of fight instead of, you know, going out there throwing big shots. Um, but once the fight started, I, uh, you know, reverted back to who I am as a, as a person, you know, I reverted to what courses through my DNA, which is just, just fighting, man. And I loved it. And I loved what Justin Gaethje said after the fight. I didn't hear it while I was in the cage. Cause when you're in, when you're in the octagon, you can't really hear what they're saying. You know, he's like, we, we were, we were born in, in the wrong time. Yeah. We should have been two gladiators fighting to the death. And the sad thing is he's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. And that's even what I said to him after the fight, I was like, dude, I knew you didn't, I knew you didn't dislike me. You know, I knew, you know, I knew that you knew this about me. I knew that I knew that you knew that I was your equal. Um, and, you know, we had a blast, man. Hats off to him. I think Justin Gaethje is going to be our, our lightweight champion by the middle of next year. Now that you've been in there with him, is he better than you thought he was? No, I got to watch myself. No, I don't think so. Okay. You know, I think, you know, I, I, I don't think so. And that's not to take anything away from him. I think we watch his performances. We watch all these guys' performances. And that's why it's so important to watch fights live, to watch fights in person. You know, when I fought Dan Hooker, I was doing my media and the UFC had me doing a bunch of media and stuff and back. And I was like, Hey, I want to get out there. I want to go see Connor versus Poirier. Cause at that point I thought I was going to fight the winner hmm. ended up not happening, but um, things just slow down. Whenever you get inside there, whenever you get inside the octagon, you feel everything slows down actually in person. You watch it on TV. You know, you watch Justin Gaethje's highlights, you know, the, the human in you is like, dang, dude, I got to go fight this dude. Look how fast and powerful and, and strong and, and cardio. And he is all those things, but it humanizes the individual. And there was even moments in the fight where I think even after he dropped me, couldn't finish me, I got in on the leg, I stood up and you can kind of see him, you know, slow down a little bit. Cause there's nothing worse in mixed martial arts than when you got a guy dead to rights and you can't finish him because he's just too hard to finish and it messes with your psyche. So um, not to take anything away from him. I think he was exactly what, who I thought he was. Um, he was exactly what I expected. And, uh, I think it proved that, you know, I'm one of those guys. I'm one of those guys in the top of the division, whether I won this fight or lost this fight, the way it went down. And, 
yeah, man, it was a lot of fun. By the way, were you always one of those guys? Like Mike Chandler, five, six, seven, eight years ago, does he go to toe? Does he go toe to toe with someone like Justin Gaethje like that, or is this something that you've learned about yourself about how far you can actually go over the last few years? No, I. <clears throat> it's it's always been me, man. That's that's how I've always been. That's how I wrestled. You know, I was I wasn't the most talented guy. Um, you know, by many you know, by, by many people's standard, I was, I was a walk-on at the university of Missouri. You know, I got my hat, got my shirt. Like that's, that's kind of my mantra. It's like, I was a walk-on. I was under talented. I was under respected. I was underutilized. I was, I was seen as a guy who, you know, had to work his way up. So in order, in order to be seen, in order to work your way into, you know, I wrestled with guys that were multiple times state champions from, from states that were much better than high school wrestling in, in Missouri. And all of them quit or none of them made the team. And I somehow was a walk-on and ended up after a couple of years becoming a team captain, four-time NCAA qualifier and All-American in one of the toughest weight classes that has ever been assembled with Jordan Burroughs and Mike Poeta, Gregory Gillespie, like some of these guys that were just – head and shoulders above where I was when I came into, into college. So I had to always just get in their face, pull on their head, shoot a thousand shots, push them off the mat, break them down to where they looked at me and said, gosh, dang, this guy ain't that good, but I, I am having a hard time beating him. So I took that kind of same walk on mentality into mixed martial arts. And it just says the mentality is that, Hey man, come hell or high water you ain't going to finish me unless you separate me from consciousness. I will be able to push harder than you because of what I did for the last eight, 10 weeks, what I did in the gym, who I'm training with, how I'm training, how I, how I treat my body like a professional athlete, what I eat, how I sleep, how I approach the game is just, I think different than a lot of people. But with that also comes the mentality of I'm going to be in your face for six minutes in high school, seven minutes in college, now 15 or 25 minutes in in a cage somewhere in front of millions of people. And eventually, you know, I'm going to get a finish or I'm going to wear you down so much that I beat you on the judges scorecards. Doesn't always happen that way. Obviously case in point last, last fight, but it's worked out pretty darn well for me over the last 13. Well, I guess 20 something years now as a, as an athlete. He was critical of the referee, Mike Beltran for that sequence with the eye poke and said he almost cost him a million dollars. What was your take on all of that? Yeah, no, man. I, number one, Mike Beltran is a phenomenal referee. Um, I love Mike Beltran. And truthfully, I, I'd i have to go back and really watch. It was an interesting eye poke. It wasn't a straightforward eye poke. It was more of a, I throw a lot of three, two down the middle. And I think it kind of, it did graze the, I don't know if his eye was closed or it touched his eye. Number one, Justin Gaethje isn't the type of guy to ever complain or lie about an eye poke. So let's all just throw that out the window. My finger must have touched his eye eyeball or he felt like he got poked that's it no ifs ands or buts you can't question Justin Gaethje how far Mike Bel Beltran was away from it he he did say something and I even heard him I heard him say it but unless you step in I got to keep fighting that's what we have to do as mixed martial artists now if Mike Beltran would have came in and touched me that you know that one extra shot wouldn't have been thrown so to any fans out there who think it was a dirty shot I'm sorry but as mixed martial artists you got to keep going until the referee pulls you off of him you know, or stops you. And that's really what it was. But, you know, it, it had to have been legit because we're talking about Justin Gaethje here. And I, and I would imagine he would say the exact same thing if it were me who got eye poked that, you know, I'm not taking any kind of, uh, you know, fake eye pokes or fake, fake advantages in a fight. 
Uh, we showed the picture moments ago. He uh, he posted it right after the fight. You guys together, I think, in the ambulance, right? Um, when he tried to get no, in the oh. in the in the uh, hospital, hospital. Okay. we were <laughs> we were both we were both walking around and wheeling around in the in the hospital, just talking about the fight, talking about golf. What was like, that like? You just yeah. go in this uh, war with this guy in the cage in front of millions of people, and then you're just chilling. Like, like what is that like? What a picture, iconic stuff. That's the, that's the thing, man. It's it's. I think, like I said, I think me and Justin Gaethje are cut from the same cloth, man. We're wrestlers, dude. Like we used to rub elbows with and have to cut weight next to and be around, be around the guy you're going to wrestle. Like, okay, I know I'm going to probably wrestle him in the semis because he's going to beat that guy and I'm going to beat that guy. You get used to being around these people. And when you get, when you get around them, number one, there's a, an immense amount of respect. I, ha- I have an immense amount of respect for Justin. He has a ton of respect for me. I think for him, his motivation is a little bit different. He needed to te- tell himself that I, he didn't like me in order to get to where he needed to be. But I also knew that about him, that he didn't dislike me. He just needed to put himself there until he got his hand raised. And then you saw us embrace and, and talk right after the fight. We both limped back to the back. We're freaking high-fiving each other. He's talking about how his leg was all jacked up for my leg kicks because we're, we're separated by one curtain in these two little hop, these two little, these two little, uh, you know, there's a doctor here and a doctor here and there's one curtain. I heard him talking and I heard him talking about the leg and I was like, dang, dude, you're telling me I hurt, I hurt the best leg kicker in the game. I hurt his leg with my leg kicks. He goes, and you know, he said something and I was talking about my leg because my legs jacked up from his leg kicks. Obviously my face was a little bit more beat up than his was. There's just mutual respect, man. He's, he's, He's your favorite fighter for a reason. You know, anybody who's listening, Justin Gaethje is your favorite fighter for a reason. We love what he does. We love how he fights. We love the entertainment that he brings. And I hope people say the same thing about me because to me, there's things that are so much bigger than the sport, you know, and honestly, someday, you know, me and him are going to be, you know, actually I talked about, I texted Kamaru that, that week too, because Kamaru Usman used to be a training partner of mine, now trains with him. I just wanted to text him and be like, yo dude, number one, I love you. Number two, like, Someday we're all going to be, you know, toasting back some, you know, a cold beer or a, or a cocktail or something talking about this and how we how we made people feel about what we get to do. You know, as the sport of mixed martial arts grow, grows and touches every aspect of the go- every corner of the globe and every every type of human being you can think, it's still a tiny, tiny, little, small circle of people. And me and Justin Gaethje are cut from the same cloth. So. Yeah, the the hospital was fun. He he actually got on to me. He's like, dude, get not get in your because he was already in a bed, and I couldn't. I didn't quite have a bed yet, so I'm like limping around and walking around. You're like, dude, what are you doing? Get in a bed somewhere. Like, find a bed. Um, so it was just fun, man. It's it's it was it was definitely fun. So on the Monday after the fight, two days later, you make it very clear you want Connor next, right? You want Connor McGregor next. Is that is that accurate? I mean, I think I think everybody wants you know everybody wants to fight Connor, obviously. But I, I want to fight him for a different reason. I think everybody wants to fight Connor because they know it's a big payday. I, I'm here in mixed martial arts to just to do big things, to be in big fights, big stages against big opponents in big arenas with a lot of eyeballs. That's what excites me about a fight with Connor. I got a ton of respect for Connor because what Connor has done, and people will discredit what he has done because of certain things that he has said, but what he has done is revolutionized the entire sport. The sport of mixed martial arts is better because Conor McGregor is in it. It's bigger and it's, it's got more eyeballs on it because of what Conor has done. So to share the octagon with him, 
that's why I want to do it. It's not the payday. It's not the red panty night. It's not the, the thing that all these other fighters are, are chasing. Of course, do I want that? Do I want to provide for my family? Of course. But I want epic moments of, of maximum amounts of impact. And that's what you get when you fight Conor McGregor. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Conor's, I wish him well in his recovery. You know, it looks like, look like, looks like out there on social media and stuff. He's, he's back to training and he's moving around, but he's going to, you know, he needs some time and he, he deserves some time. You know, he's set for life. He doesn't need to fight. That's another thing you got to remember. He doesn't need to fight. The man's set for life financially. He fights because he loves it. He fights because of, of what it does to his soul, what he gets to do with, with his platform. So um, I think it's a fight that makes sense. I think I've, I'm a guy who has solidified myself inside the top, top of the division. Connor needs to come back and get a win, but he's also got a ton of options. So we'll see what happens. Realistically, after a fight like that, when would you like to return? I don't know. You know, I mean, I just got back from, you know, rehab earlier. I'm going back to rehab after this, you know, like I'm just taking care of my body. Like, like we said, it's not just the training. It's, it's the recovery after the fights and and how I treat myself between the fights. So I've been spending a lot of time, you know, I'm going to rehab for, you know, a couple weeks. I'm going to get on the bike, start getting some cardio in and stuff. Um, It definitely won't be till, you know, first quarter of next year, late first quarter of next year, if not middle of next year. I I don't know. Who knows? We'll we'll see. You know, I've, I've, I've talked to the UFC, um, every, every couple of days they're checking in on me and I'm, I'm checking in on with them and getting through all the, all the stuff, but it's, it's, uh, a couple of big fights for sure in 2022. So, uh, there's a hot debate now. Uh, Habib has gotten involved. Should Gaethje get a title shot? I think he should after a performance like that. Others are saying Islam, your take is, as you alluded to earlier, Gaethje should fight whomever is the winner of the main event on December 11th, Dustin Poirier, Charles Oliveira, and you predict he wins that fight. Yes. Yes. I think, I think Justin Gaethje's body of work, he was the number one contender. I mean, and that was a thing too. Justin also, I don't know what the deal was, why, you know, you rewind, you got Connor and Poirier tied up in that, the trilogy that they had to get done a title shot, a title needed to be fought for when Khabib retired. It was me, Justin Gaethje and Charles Oliveira who were on the short list of guys who were going to fight for that title. Me and Oliveira obviously fought for it. Justin Gaethje, you know, as he said, if you were, you know, number one fought number five, number three number fought number four, whatever. And if you were number two, you got effed, whatever, whatever his quote was. Um, but it, it was true. It's, it's, uh, I think Justin Gaethje is the clear cut number one contender. He just beat me number four. Makachev, um, obviously the way he dispatched Dan Hooker was absolutely phenomenal. What, the, what he did was great. Um, does it warrant a title shot? Not compared to what Justin Gaethje has done. That's, that's my, that's my thought. Okay. And then you, th- and, and Gaethje beats Oliveira. You know Oliveira. You know him quite well. You know of Dustin. He beats them both. I think so. I think Justin Gaethje, I think Justin Gaethje, I think Justin Gaethje breaks Charles Oliveira, but I think the more, more likely scenario is Poirier wins that fight. Cause I think he has more tools and he's just, I think he's just better in certain areas and, and he's not going to get submitted by, by uh, Oliveira, even though we have seen, an increased striking level by Oliveira, as you saw in our fight. Um, but I think Justin Gaethje cleans up a couple things, remembers how he lost to Dustin Poirier a couple years ago, and I think he, he, he wins the title mid, middle of next year. Uh, two last quick things, and again, thank you so much for the time. I just have to ask, because I asked him about you, so I feel like I need to ask you, what's going on with you and Ian Gary? Is there a beef there? What's happening over there, Mike? 
Oh, no, there's not. What, what, what did he say? Uh, there's so, you know, he said something, and then you uh, did an interview, I think, with Helen Yee, where you're like, hey, he missed practice, and people were wondering if there was a... Pr- yeah. He says he likes to annoy you and likes to say that he, you know, can go toe-to-toe with you in sparring. And now people are wondering if there's a, a bit of a kid brother tugging on your shirt type of thing. What's going on over there? No, I, I love Ian. I do. Um, man, and I was, I was pumped up that he, he got that win. We sh- shared a locker room. It's just hard. It's hard to compartmentalize for me. I, I, I don't do it well. I can't be a normal guy on fight week. Um, matter of fact, I'm, I'm probably one of the worst people in the world <laughs> on fight week. It, it's the weight cut. It's the pressure. It's my attention to detail. And anybody else who kind of comes in between me and my attention to detail and my preparation it just throws things off, you know? Um, but I love Ian. I think Ian, you know, his nickname is the future for a reason. I do think he is the future. I did have to call him out for missing practice. That's fine. You miss practice. You're getting called out. Not everybody. I gotta, I gotta, next time you interview Brendan Allen, you got to ask him about the, the line. No, not everybody deserves to be here. Cause I say that a lot, you know, especially with us training at Sanford mixed martial arts. I believe we have the best stable of training partners, the best team, the best facility and the best coaches on the planet. So therefore, not everybody deserves to just show up and be here. So there takes, there takes a certain level of commitment, a certain level of discipline, and a certain level of, of excellence that's expected of you. And I'm not saying Ian isn't that, but I am saying, you know, you miss practice, you're going to be called out about it. If you, do, if you show up right on time, you're late. If you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. You know, if you're the first person in the showers, you could have done a little bit more. You know, um, I'm not saying that Ian is that, but... Of course, I had to call him out for, for missing practice, especially wrestling practice. You it. know wrestling. I'm a wrestler through and through, man. You miss wrestling practice, you might have commitment issues. So I like to give him, give him you know, crap about it. He's got a bright, bright future. I love, I love him. I love what he stands for. I love how he – I love his approach to the game. I'm just – we're just in two different – I've been around the block yes. a couple times, and he's, uh, he's the new kid on the block, you know. So there's, there's different things that he's naive to, and there's different things that I wish I was a little bit more naive to. Um, when it comes to preparation and training and, you know, I just, I, I'm, I'm all in, I'm hundred percent all in committed to this thing. And, uh, sometimes that, that comes out and I gotta, you know, give some people a tongue lashing. I respect it. Um, <laughs> la- last thing for you, what a year, as you, as you mentioned, 12, 13 months, uh, around a year ago, exactly. You're weighing in as the backup fighter, all that hullabaloo. It's amazing to me because the record books will say, you were one and two over the last, you know, 12 or so months. I would argue you're infinitely more popular today than you were 12 months ago. No one really cares that you're one and two. You produced three incredible fights, three exhilarating finishes, good or bad, whatever. It just an amazing, how would you even put into words the last 12, 13 months of your life and have, have it, has it exceeded your expectations as to what you thought was coming your way when you signed with this organization? It has exceeded my expectations a hundredfold, you know, um, I think, you know, I knew, I knew a couple of years ago, I signed, I signed another deal with Bellator for two years. And, um, and by the way, I talked to Scott Coker a couple of days ago, he sent me a message, Rich Chu sent me a message, Mike Kogan sent me a message. I mean, these, these guys, I'm still, these guys were a part of my life for a very long time. I, I am, you know, I'm still in their corner in a lot of ways. Um, but I knew signing with them that last contract, I, I, I wanted, I wanted to change, but I just, I made it just didn't feel right. When I did make the change to test free agency and then come over to the UFC, it, it was the exact right time. As you saw with Khabib retiring, I mean, you couldn't have scripted it any better for me. Um, so it worked out extremely well. And then you just, you add on that, the platform. I, like I said, I, I'm in this sport to make an impact. And 
an impact has been made over the last 13 months, 14 months being signed with the UFC because the stages are so big. The platform is so big. The opportunities just keep getting bigger and bigger. And as you said, too, does the record really – I, I hate even saying it, but does the record really even matter sometimes whenever – you're doing what you're doing, you know, like, why do you love the sport? Do you love whoever your top three favorite guy, guys are? You, do you even really care about the record? You know, it's, it's a, one of my favorite fighters on the planet is Robbie Lawler. Doesn't have a great record, but goodness gracious, one of the most, one of the most professional, hardest training, most attention to detail, best leaders, best fighters on the entire planet. And, and he's, he's a perfect example of that. Some of the biggest stars on the planet, we don't care what, whether they win or lose. Once again, it goes back to how do they make us feel? Why do we buy the pay-per-views? Do we buy the pay-per-views because they're undefeated or do we buy the pay-per-views because how we feel and the experience that we have whenever they toe the line and they bite down on the mouthpiece and they go out there and compete. So I don't, I don't say that to justify my record. You know, I think beating Dan Hooker, losing in a title fight and then losing a, a fight of the year candidate to Justin Gaethje has been, you know, a, as good of a start as I ever could have expected. You know, um, the platforms have been huge. The, the eyeballs and the notoriety has been extremely humbling and uh, we ain't slowing down anytime soon. It's just going to keep on getting bigger and bigger. So I'm excited about it. You don't need me to say this, but on behalf of the MMA community, thank you for that. That was incredible stuff. That was really, I mean, you know how everyone feels about that fight, how they feel about you and Justin, but thank you for that. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for the entertainment. I'm happy that you're okay. Uh, it was pretty, I mean, I can't imagine what your wife is thinking while watching that fight. Got to be terrifying, but uh, much respect, my man. You have come a long way. You exercised those demons of MSG many years ago. Uh, you're a legend. I hope you take some time off. Happy holidays. And most importantly, thank you for doing this. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. And sorry for the text. I didn't mean to be annoying, but no, you're good. It was it was like three or four, okay. man. Don't you know? Don't 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 throw it out there like you were you were too crazy. It was only like three or four, so we're good. I just yeah, I, I mean, I got I know I got a couple of text messages on my phone. I need I need to get back to. So if anybody's listening and you have texted me, sorry, I'll, I'll get back to you eventually. Much respect, Michael. Thank you so much. Get well soon, and can't wait for the next one. Yes, sir. Thanks, Ariel. Appreciate it, man. All right, there he is, Iron Michael Chandler. What a fight! What a performance! What a night! UFC two sixty eight. Holy smokes! Uh, BT just posted. The, the full first round. I know some people can't see it. Some can. Uh, I'm assuming if you are watching this show, if you are a fan of this show, you have seen the fight by now because you've heard us talk about this fight, not only here, but everyone's been talking about this fight and that night and the card and the lightweight division since two Saturdays ago. And it's going to be interesting at lightweight. You know, in about uh, 25 or so minutes, we'll talk to Dustin Poirier and perhaps get his thoughts on that fight. But uh, you do have Islam out there doing his thing. And Habib is out there campaigning for him. You had a little dominance on dominance crime over there uh, on Friday, I think it was. Habib doing his thing, campaigning for his guy, as he should. Uh, Justin out there doing his thing, campaigning for himself, as he should. And uh, we'll see what happens on December 11th. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Charles Oliveira, Dustin Poirier. We'll talk to Dustin in a bit, but first, I can't wait for our next guest, an absolute legend from the world of wrestling. Uh, actually, Michael just uh, 
refer to him very briefly. He will go down as one of the greatest American-born wrestlers of all time, one, certainly one of the greatest freestyle wrestlers of all time. Now six gold medals to his name, just won a world championship gold a few weeks ago. Of course, an Olympic gold medalist, five-time world championship gold medalist, an absolute legend in the sport of wrestling, and uh, someone who may or may not be teasing us. We're not sure. So let's go to the uh, Zoom machine here and say hello to Jordan Burroughs, who's kind enough to be on the program. Jordan, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, brother. Thanks for having me today. It, it, you know, it's great to talk to you again. I talked to you once before. I, you know, I, I think we got off on the wrong foot, Jordan, because you were on my show maybe two years ago, and then Chael Sonnen, for whatever reason, went in on you about MMA and whatnot, and I was kind of with my guy, but then I texted you privately. I was like, yo, man, we were just playing, and then you didn't write back to me, and I was like, ah, oh, shit, I pissed off Jordan Burroughs, so I'm sorry, Jordan. If I offended you, I'm sorry. I had to make you sweat a little bit. Okay. No, it was good. It was good. You know what? I, I got a chance to kind of reconcile a little bit with Chael um, this past year. Um, and if you go back and look at some of the things that he said about me lately, he's spoken very highly of me. Okay. Um, which I, but, you know, ultimately, I think the discrepancy between me and Chael is when I first mentioned that I was interested in doing MMA, he was like, okay, I got to fight for you. UFC fight pass for 50K. And I'm like, I've wrestled for 50K. And I've made more than that in a single wrestling match. And he was like, basically calling me a liar. <laughs> And so, right, he got on me and he's like, listen, you've never made that amount of money. Wrestling doesn't make that money. It's a dying sport. Um, but he was clearly wrong. Yes. And you're doing very well for yourself. But Jordan, I have to be honest, like I put you on my wish list because just a couple of Mondays ago, you're on Twitter and you say, in yeah. short, I'm paraphrasing, I just want that one MMA fight. Now, you've been that guy. You've been that sort of, you know, Trojan horse that every promoter would love to get his hands on, even if it's for one fight. Like, I could see Coker salivating. Uh, I'm sure you did. But before we get to the calls, there's the tweet right there. I want one MMA fight before I retire, just one, October 27, 2021, at 8.58 a.m. Jordan, why did you tweet this? Because you know everyone was going to go crazy when you put this out. I can't remember exactly what it was. I think maybe I did some boxing earlier that day. Um... And like, I felt like my hands and my footwork, like, let me remind you, I've never struck. I've never did any striking. I've did very limited jujitsu. Um, I'm just, but I know how extremely strong I am in my positioning and wrestling. I know how well I can move my feet and my head and my hands. Um, so I think I would transition well into MMA. And I, I can't remember exactly what kind of triggered it, but I was like, I have this calling. Like, I, I feel like I have this calling where I'm like deep down inside when it's all said and done, and my body's banged up for good, and I'm walking away and putting away my wrestling shoes, I always have that thought, like, damn, what would it be like if I would have gotten in the cage? Um, and I don't want to live with regret. So ultimately for me, you know, really positioning myself now where I'm like, does this make sense? How does it make sense? And, you know, really just entertaining offers. Like, okay, can we do this? Is this even possible? Will someone even take me on for a singular event? And does it make sense timeline-wise? Does my wife agree with it, <laughs> number one? And then I think lastly is, you know, can I still be the best wrestler in the world and, you know, go out and commit to training for a fight simultaneously? You know, sometimes when you chase two things, you don't get either. Mm. So I'm hoping that I can still maintain my position in the wrestling world by being the best at what I do, my craft that I intended to be the best at, but also I've got – I, I just, I have a desire, bro. I just have a strong desire to get in there and see what I got. So this is sincere. 
You're not just looking for some retweets. Oh, no, no, I'm not just trying to like ruffle the feathers and like, and I, I don't like try to draw attention. That's unwarranted. Like I tweeted that because I'm serious about it and I want to kind of entertain offers. Cause like I always hear people are like, okay, yeah, if you fight, you know, you could make this, or if you tried it, you could do this. But I'm like, okay, well, let me, let me hear these. Like, let me actually hear what the professionals in the business would have to say about it. Um, because a lot of people will tell me one fight, but then they'll be like, okay, we need to sign you to a two year, four fight deal. And I'm like, eh, that's not really what I'm interested in. So I think that just sitting down with some people in the business, um, who are insiders and kind of understand the dynamics of the game and what I can expect, because if I go in there and they're like, well, this is what we can do for you. Cause you're not really seasoned and we have to put you against kind of a easy guy right away. And then we'll kind of build your name. Like, I, I don't, I, that's not what I really want to do. That's not what I aspire toward in this sport. So. Uh, I've been listening. I've been kind of <laughs> um, keeping my ear to the pavement and seeing what, what there is out there and seeing if this is something that I can actually get into. So to be clear, you really just want one fight or is it, I just want one for now and then we'll see how it goes? Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, it, it's, it's hard, right? Cause it's twofold. If you win easily, you're like, this is easy. I can do this. I'm going to make more money. Right. And then if you lose, you're like, I can't go out like this. I got to get back in there and redeem myself. So <clears throat> I don't know if I'm going to be able to just do one in particular, but I think that with the right opponent for the right price, with the right timing, I'm, I would definitely be interested. So after you tweeted that just a few minutes later, your wife retweets it, Lauren, and she's like, I left you for an hour at the gym and now you're doing this. So how does she? Was she, she not, let me clarify. She was not in the same room as me when I said that tweet. See, she didn't see it until she returned back to the apartment. And she was like, what are you doing? Where's your phone? You've been log off. You got to log off. For so she's not in favor? She loves what I do already. You know, she's like, listen, you're one of the best wrestlers that have ever walked this planet. Continue to operate in your calling. Be really good at this and... You know, you've great, you made a great living. We're successful. We don't ask for anything. We don't need anything. And people will respect you across all combat sports. Um, and, you know, you haven't gotten beat up. You know, you've taken minimal punishment in your career. So I think that's kind of where her mind is. Um, you know, but again, I'm just kind of like this. Uh, I have like this kind of animalistic instinct where I'm like, I just want to see. I just want to get out there and throw hands and see what it's like. Correct me if I'm wrong. Not that long ago, you were you were pretty open about no, I don't really have much interest in doing this. So what changed? Um, I, I don't know, man. I'm just getting older. I really think as time passes and I start to feel, you know, how my body feels after each championship, at every year I feel a little bit older, um, aches a little bit more, you know, the injuries linger a little bit longer. So I'm like, damn, how long can I do this? And, you know, to be honest, I went and I won another world championship, a record tying championship, and I won 50 grand. You know what I mean? So I'm like, I worked hard all summer, dedicated focus, was dialed in. And, you know, my paycheck was less than 100 grand. Mm. And I'm like, I could go out there and, and do this and fight ultimately for three, four, five times that. Um, so, you know, I think that that's kind of what, where I stand. I'm like, this is, gives me an opportunity to elevate my brand, um, to have respect in all circles in the MMA community if that's something that I want to pursue. Um, but then also, you know, it's ability to just like garner financial resources relatively easily. It's not easy. It's not an easy sport, 
But, you know, from all accounts that I've heard from wrestlers, former wrestlers that are in the MMA world, they're like, it's a lot different. It's, it's the training's not as rigorous. It's a lot more sharpening. Um, and I've seen guys that I've competed with go on and be successful. I watched Justin Gaethje and, you know, Michael Chandler in the ring um, last week. And those guys are phenomenal fighters, you know, but I've, I've been able to compete with both of them in wrestling. Yeah. And so I'm like, man, they can do it. I believe I can do it. You know, I've got a unique set of skills. So I think I could get at it. But when you see a... F- yeah, but it, it really depends on the timing. Sure. It depends on the timing, right? Like, how long does it take to be great at something? It's like the 10,000 hour rule. Because right. what may take you 10,000 hours may, may only take me 7,500. Right? So I don't really know how much time it's going to take for me to get sharp in these particular positions. But I'm interested to see what I can do. I just want to see what I can do. So when you see Gaethje and, and uh, Chandler fight in a war like that, right? I mean, the I mean that's really insanity. I mean, it's kind of an anomaly in, in a sense because not every fight is like that. But when you see that, you're, you're is there a part of you that's like, I want that? Like, I could do that? I could be in a fight like that? Or are you of the mentality of like, oh, I want to do this, but I want to take someone down, choke them out, and then go home and not have a scratch on my face? Yeah, that, I, I like the okay. the <laughs> You know, I think... I'm, I'm all about war. Like I've never shied away from, from a headbutt or a knee to the face or blood or, or anything. You know, I, I, I've, I've dealt with that in my sport. You know, I, I consider myself an Ironman um, in my sport, but you know, they're in a different space. So, you know, I've wrestled those two guys and I know for a fact that when I wrestled them, they were different than a lot of my opponents. They never laid down. They never gave up. And I was a superior athlete, a better wrestler, but I realized that they had a big heart. Um, they were very tough guys. So, you know, it, it really is all about the dynamics of, of what you do. No one goes in there to get beat up. You know, I'm not going toe to toe with anyone just for the sake of putting on a show. Like I'm trying to get my hand raised. Mm. Um, so, you know, I don't think you, you welcome damage. Um, that doesn't make you a gladiator. Like make what for me, what makes you a champion is the ability to, to generate damage without receiving much of it. So, you know, that's kind of what I, what I do as a wrestler. Score as many points as possible without giving up many. Um, so I'm not going to ex- exchange shots with anyone for, for, for the sake of the entertainment of the crowd. Like, I, I want to win, and I want to dominate it without taking too much punishment. So now tell me, what has life been like since you sent out that tweet? Because I would imagine even some people reached out to me. I didn't give hey, – they, they wanted your phone number. I'm like, yo, don't come to me for the phone number. But I'm yeah, assuming so a lot of promoters wanted to talk to you, right? They have, and I, you know, I've been kind of, um, you know, relatively tentative because I'm like, okay, I don't, I'm not, I don't really want to get into something, commit to something that makes me leave what my first love is, at least at this particular moment, you know? So basically for me, I'm like, okay, what does it look like from a management perspective? What do I need to do from a training perspective? Do I need to box, you know, two, three times a week? Do I need to do jujitsu, you know, once or twice a week? Like, how can I fit this into my schedule? And then we talk numbers. Okay, how much can I make? You know, what's that number look like for me? I was like, okay, if you make two fights, you can do X amount of dollars per fight. We'll pay you X amount per month to train, and you can do it right here in Philadelphia. Philadelphia is my home base where I live. Um, so, you know, just thinking about all those things, like can I fit it into my schedule, and can I take the time to master it while simultaneously wrestling? Um, I don't really know. I mean, it's it's a tough thing. I think. You know, I consider myself a professional at what I do. So I think that I would have a relatively easy time transitioning, but I have a, a lot of respect for the guys that have done it for a long time, right? Michael Chandler 
Justin Gaethje, those guys all graduated from college at right about the same time that I graduated. So all this, this last decade that I've spent wrestling, they spent training right. um, MMA specifically. So, you know, I get it. I get it. I'd be behind the eight ball, but I think, I think I'd learn fast. I'm I'm a quick learner. I'd adjust. This would be a huge deal. But I don't have to fight those guys. You don't I'm not, have to I'm fight not those fighting guys. these guys. They'll give you some dude who's 0-1, and it would be a massive right. deal. I could see Coker. I mean, can I ask? Have you talked to Coker? I, I, I feel like Coker is salivating, or someone from Bellator had to have reached out to you. One championship, Coker, PFL. These guys, you got 50K for that world championship? They're giving you 10 times that to fight for them. No doubt yeah. about it, at least. So that would be nice. That's the thing, bro. Like, if I can, there'd be a lot of people behind me. There'd be a lot of people behind me. It'd be a really exciting moment for me. Um, you know, but part, part of it is that I have to check is, is like a little bit of ego, right? Like you want to be, you want to see what it's like out there. Like you want to be the champ. Like people call me the champ, but I'm a, I'm a wrestler, right? The real, the real champions are in, are in the combat sports world and boxing and the MMA. Um, so I, I want to feel that. Like, I want to know what that's like. Um, and so, you know, a, a lot of it is like, it's uh, some of it is ego, it's pride. Like I want to feel what it's like to be regarded in that same capacity, but also, you know, I've gone to a lot of MMA events and sat ringside and I've got a ton of respect in the MMA world. So, you know, that's very satisfying for me knowing that even if I never step inside this ring, like I'm certified, but I still, I still kind of want to, I want to rock. I want to see what it's like. What's your number one career goal right now? You just want another world championship. Five, you got the- I want to win the Olympics. That's it. Okay. That's, that's number it. That's, so twenty twenty four is number one. Twenty twenty four Olympic gold medalist. That that's my primary goal. Nothing else really matters as much as that to me. Quick side note, how difficult was it to watch the Olympics this summer and not be there? It was it was tough. It was tough, man. I it, you know, it's 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 almost like watching DC commentate you know, Ngannou versus Stipe. Yeah. Right? Like knowing that you want to be in this fight, but also when you're calling it, you're calling it from a professional manner. So you like, you put on a different hat. You take off the competitive shirt and you put on, right, your professional suit. And you're like, okay, I'm going to call this thing and I'm going to regard these guys highly because they deserve it. Plus their families are watching. I can't be a hater yeah. on the air. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there, if people at home want their guy to be regarded as a champion as they are for making it to the Olympic games. The last thing they want to hear is one of their competitors is being bitter, you know, on NBC. Right. But I mean, uh, you know, it's a tough one because I think in a, in a, in, in one stance, like you're like, Oh man, maybe I don't even want to watch this, but you had to watch it for your work. Like there were probably a part of you that just wanted to ignore yeah. the whole damn thing. Right. Yeah, kind of, but I'm a wrestling fan right. naturally. So I wanted to, I wanted to see it. I wanted to see what those guys were capable of. You know, I wanted to be there. There's nothing in the world that I would have rather done in the month of August than be, you know, a part of the Olympic Games. I felt like I was still in a position to be one of the best wrestlers in the world and go out there and pursue a gold medal. But you know, it's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes for me. Uh, it was good though. We had a great performance. Team USA looked phenomenal. I think we won the most combined titles over all three styles than any other time period in, you know, U.S. history from a wrestling perspective. So I thought we did a really great job. It was fun to call, um, got the wet or get my feet wet in, in that particular field. If that's something that I want to pursue post wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was cool, man. Got a lot of opportunities on the table when my career actually finishes up. One of the big stories from this past summer was Gable Stevenson and what he did. And then uh, the NIL yeah. deal with WWE. Have you ever talked to them? 
about uh, going over there. PWG? Yeah. No, 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 no. It's not. It's not my style, okay. bro. Like, I'm. I don't consider myself. I don't have that type of charisma and like personality. It's not. It's not my thing. Okay. They have they ever reached out I to you? I respect it. No, no, no. Really? They haven't. I'm too small. Bro. Like I'm tiny. Come on. I'm 175 pounds. Yeah. So what? I'm gonna be like Ray Mysterio out yeah. there. They're gonna be. I'm gonna have Gable throw me yeah. into people. <laughs> no, bro. It's it's. I grew up watching it. Was a huge fan. It's actually why I started wrestling because I loved the WWF so much as a kid. Wow. Um, but it was. It's it's much different now. It's it's a much different experience when you see it as as a high level competitor. They call us amateurs. Yeah. You know, in our sport, we're just <laughs> amateurs, professionals. You know, so when I say. When people ask me, do I, what do I do? I'm like, I'm a wrestler. And they're like, well, what kind of wrestling? Like professional wrestling? I'm like, no, like like Olympic style wrestling. And they're like, oh, interesting. Um, so I respect it. I love Gable for taking that route. Um, I think he's 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 gonna be great at it. Speaking of weight, you went up to 79 kilograms, but that's not an Olympic yeah. weight class. So will you go back down to 74 now as you attempt to make the 24 team? Yeah, that's it. That's the plan. So I'm going to stay up at 79 for the next two world championships, 22, 23. And then I'm going to go back down to 74 for the, uh, for the Olympic Games in 2024 in Paris. It's one of the tough things, too, is as I was talking to some of these promoters, they're like, hey, we need you to get down to 55. I'm like, get I'm not making here. 55. No. I'm like, I can't make 55. Yeah. And they're like, you're too small for 70. And I'm like, I cannot make <laughs> yeah. 55. I don't know what you want me to say to you. It's like, so, you know, that's, that's the tough thing. I've wrestled all four or all of my championships outside of this year have been at 74 kilos. So 163. So I'm smack dab between two weight classes. Yeah. I'm too big for 55, too small for 70. I moved up this year to 174, but still it was an easy cut. I'm walking around 178, 179. Um, so I'd definitely be one of the smallest guys at the weight class. Um, they're like, listen, day before weigh-ins, we get you dialed in. We got professionals. We got the special way of doing this. We get you down to 55. And we get you feeling good. I'm like, but I lose everything that makes me a phenomenal wrestler. My power, my explosiveness, my speed, my confidence. So I don't know, bro. Like they're 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 telling me they can get me a catch weight. They're like, we can get you a catch weight, 165, we'll get you to compete there. You feel good there, we'll get some guy to 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 wrestle here and agree to to terms at a catch weight for you. Let me tell you something, Jordan. And I could do this, I'll do this pro bono for you. If any promoter is calling you up and saying, hey. I need you at 155. They need to be slapped in the face and they need to turn in their promoter license. Make the fight at 165. Make it at 168. Make it at what? I don't give a crap. Just to have you make your debut on their card is a big enough deal. It doesn't matter. Look at Kayla Harrison. She's fighting at 155. That weight class doesn't exist either. PFL smart enough to know you get in bed with Kayla Harrison. It's good business. Come on. I love Kayla. She's the best. Yes. Yeah. I don't know, bro. We'll see. We'll see. I'll keep you updated. I'll keep DC in the loop. Let's go. As we progress, and well, don't um, tell him anything because he he stabbed me in the back. He'll stab you too. Okay, so come to me and I'll show you the way. Is he helping you out? Maybe something. I haven't talked to him in a while, but he he's he's a good man. Okay, he always takes care of me. I can appreciate it. So, what do you think? Before it's all said and done, true or false? Jordan Burroughs will compete in at least one MMA fight. I I I I go for it. I say true. At least one. Let's go. Before what age? You're 32 now, right? 33. 33. For what age? Yeah. Before 
I mean, before I retire officially. So let's say if I'm th- let's say 37, next four years. So you think 20, 24 is your last Olympics, right? Last wrestling. I'm done. Yeah. 2024 from wrestling. Any chance you fight before 24? It, it'd have to be, it have to be for the right price and the right time. It, it's, it's hard because I'm still doing so well in wrestling right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So to kind of this space, you know, I, I really considered it a lot this summer after losing because I'm like, damn. When this is all said and done, like wrestling is such an honorable sport. Like honor doesn't pay the bills. You know what I mean? So like you get to this place where you're like, if I really want all these things that if I really want all these things that I desire, can I get these from a wrestling perspective? You know, so I think that you have to, for me, to start to consider all the sweat equity that I put into the sport and all the things that I've been able to, you know, get from my body. And I'm, I'm trying to maximize that before I step away for it from like an athletic competition perspective. Man, this would be a massive story. I mean, I want you to go out there and win that gold and shove it down everyone's face. Everyone who said that you were done, y'all must have forgotten. That would be nice. But just- 50K for a world championship? <laughs> Come on, man. You deserve way more than that. That's crazy. You deserve way more. And you could get way more uh, over an MMA. So I'd love to see it happen. Um, you know, if you need any tips on who's, you know, who's the right people to talk, be, we'll, we'll take the conversation offline, Jordan, all right? From one Bills fan to another, all right? Big win yesterday. Bills. Go Bills. Bad win two weeks ago, but we're back on track. You're back on track. You got the gold. John Smith, we're coming for you, all right? Number one. Yeah, man. We're, we're going to try to do it. I got, a, I got a lot more work to do, but I'm focused. Um, I feel good about where I'm going right now. Well, I feel good about us bearing the hatchet because I have to admit I was feeling a little funky about it all. Chael brought me into the gutter with him, all right? I was rolling in the mud with Chael, and I had to back my guy, but, you know, I got a lot of love hey, for listen, you. Listen, is funny, though. I can't deny it. Even when he's talking badly about it, <laughs> you have to laugh. If he's talking bad about you, you've got to laugh about, about it a little bit because he's, uh, he's, a, he's a funny dude. Well, congrats on the recent gold. Most importantly, congrats on the fourth child. Uh, well done, my Thank friend. You. And uh, I hope to see this. Thank you for coming on and being honest with your feelings. I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we get to see it happen. I wish you the best. Thank you, sir. Good to talk to you, man. Good to talk to you as well. Hope to do it again soon. There he is, Jordan Burroughs. Trust me when I say this. That would be a massive, massive deal. Any promoter that is sitting there talking to Jordan Burroughs and haggling overweight, get the hell out of here. Jordan, listen, I've told you guys before. I'm no Olympic wrestling mark. I'm no collegiate wrestling mark. I appreciate it. I love it. But there's just, it's like kickboxing. I don't have time to follow it. I don't have time to stay. I mean, there's enough MMA out there. I got MMA up the wazoo here. But everyone knows Jordan Burroughs. USA wrestling legend. Olympic gold medalist. Five-time world champion. Everyone knows this man. You see the way people like DC speak about this man. In the highest regards possible when you're being mentioned along the likes of john smith oklahoma state you know you're a legend however him crossing over to mma would be a big deal and we've seen people from his discipline of course if you're going to start with one foundation i think wrestling is the best foundation to have you see people come over from his sport who he competed against who didn't have nearly 
the kind of success that he had. Now, of course, the likes of, you know, Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje, you know, they've been doing this for 10 years now. But if you're that damn good at one thing, there are chances, you know, out there that, you know, you're going to be pretty damn good at the other. Are you going to be as good as those guys? Because they've been doing it longer. You're older. You're 33. You got three more years before the Olympics, two and a half years, et cetera. Who knows? But could you imagine, a, if, if promoted correctly, a one-off, even if it's just a one-off, Jordan Burroughs making his MMA debut, sign me up for that. That's a big deal. That's a big freaking deal. Everyone would want to see that. And then you know what happens next. As he said, looks good in the first fight, wins via decision, whets his appetite. Then there's the next one and the next one, maybe two more, three more. You know, a guy like him who hasn't taken a ton of damage throughout his career, you know, he could do big things. I'd love to see it happen. It would be fantastic. In any event, that's Jordan Burroughs' story for now. Uh, let's go to a man who we've been talking about a couple times on today's program. Massive fight for him in less than a month. Last UFC pay-per-view main event of 2021. Uh, we started the year with him in terms of UFC pay-per-view main events. His fight against Conor McGregor, won that fight, came back in July, won that fight. He'll close out the year in an attempt to not only win the UFC lightweight title, but perhaps the male fighter of the year work is if he wins this fight on December 11th and wins the undisputed lightweight title, you can make a very strong case for him being the 2021 male fighter of the year. Of course, I'm talking about El Diamante Diamante. Diamante Diamante. I always screw it up. Dustin Poirier, kind enough to join us via the magic of Zoom. There he is. Whoa, look at this setup. Dustin, look at you. What are you, a podcaster now? Dude, I, listen. <laughs> no, man, I, I got this just for you. If I'm coming on the Hilwani show, I can't come. I got to come correct. Let's go, Dustin. Seriously, what is this? I know like the last the, the last few times I've been on, it's been like yeah. my, my Wi-Fi has been messing up. Yes. I've been having lagging audio. Yes. Things of the past, Ariel. Things of the past. I love it. I Listen, I wasn't going to say, I'm not the one to correct your audio or your video, but yes, you're right. It was a little com si com sa. I like it. <laughs> a little French. Are you getting into the game or is this just because you want professional sounding quality stuff? Oh, this is professional. This is Amazon's cheapest <laughs> thing that I could find overnight, man. This is uh, uh you're the man. I appreciate that very much. Uh, well, good to talk to you. Good to see you. By the way, is it Diamante or Diamante? Diamante. Diamante. Okay. I, I, I thought I had it right. La. Let me see. How is it in French? Uh, oh, God. Damn. A diamond in French? La diamant. La di le, le, le diamant. La diamant. Le diamant. You speak French? You, you're from Since Louisiana. Yes. My dad speaks fluent French. Uh, a lot of my family members do. Very broken. Like the come see, come sa thing, I know that because when we ask each other how we're doing, that's like, I'm doing all right. Right, come right, come right, right. Yeah. In school, do they teach you French in Louisiana? Yeah. They do. Wow. Part of the curriculum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the Cajun culture is so strong, and uh, it's all French-speaking, you know, the old-school Cajuns, so it's very, very alive there. Right. By the way, we just had Jordan Burroughs on. Are you a fan of his? He's considering going to MMA. What would you say? Dude, I just did a two-hour wrestling practice wearing some Jordan Burroughs. Oh, my God. <laughs> what do you think? You think he does it? Oh, um, he definitely has the, the skills to, to wrestle and mat wrestle. I mean, fighting is a completely different thing, but, dude, wrestling in general is one of the hardest things you can do um pushing your body and your your mental you know so if he can you know cross over to the striking i think he can do very well yeah 
Um, it would be a massive deal if he's able to do that, even for one fight. Everyone would love to see it, just like they like seeing I, you I want to see oh it. Oh, my gosh. I would love to see it. Last time we had you on, first episode back, first guest, first episode. It was a big deal back in August. And uh, the Oliveira fight wasn't a done deal. We were kind of trying to figure it out. Uh, Nate was out there. There were some options. Ultimately, why'd you go this route? Or was this always the route and you were just kind of you know, keeping the cards close to the vest? Well, I mean, I want to be the world champion. That's that's the, the goal. But like we always talk about here, we're beating the same drum. I'm a prize fighter. Right. Um, the goal was to fight Oliveira for the world title, but it was to do it under the right circumstances. Of course, I still do want to fight Nate, and hopefully we can win one day, you know. But right now, it's championship mindset. I know, I know, I know you well enough now, so I don't go too deep into here, but are they taking care of you for this one? El Diamante is being taken care of. Good. Dare I say first time in your career? No. Second time? Second time. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But it's finally coming Second, together. Second, third time. We're doing, we're doing all right. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah, man. Yeah. Um, Hard work pays off. So uh, lightweight is fascinating right now, as you know. How do you, did you, I'm sure you watched Gaethje Chandler, yes? Yeah, man. That was, that was fun to watch what do you think of it what do you think you're watching that you know both guys right you never fought Chandler you obviously beat Justin Gaethje you're watching that what are you thinking damn this is bad for you is what I'm thinking um uh, what do you mean these guys are crazy man <laughs> <laughs> for that taking damage like yes, that yes 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 uh, you know but I think I beat both those guys if they fight me the way they fought that night I beat both those guys yeah like do you feel like that's that's okay for one certain level, but when you're fighting for the belt, you can't be fighting like that, right? No, you can't. You have to tighten it up. You have to be more technical. You have to be a thinking man, not just a brute in there, not just a wrecking ball, you know? Or you go in there and get matadored, and that's what I would do to those guys if they fought me that way. But Ariel, that's not the fight we're fighting. No. We're fighting Charles Oliveira. Okay, but could I ask you, there's a debate right now. Khabib's getting involved. Everyone's getting involved. Does Gaethje deserve the winner of you versus Oliveira? Does he not? How do you feel about that? Should it be Islam, a guy who hasn't fought for the belt? How do you feel about that? It's your division, and it could matter to you very soon. Right. Uh, I honestly don't think that far ahead into it because yeah. I have my hands full. Like I always say, I don't like to look too much into the future. But Gaethje is, you know, this is one fight since the title fight. So obviously he's still the number two ranked guy. Um, Islam is on a, on a huge streak. It's not my call. I don't know. Maybe Islam needs to fight one more top top contender, and, and then he's next. I, I don't know. Maybe Gaethje should fight Islam. That way they settle it. Yeah. That's the beautiful thing about fighting, right? That would be You a, can just fight it out. Right. Um, Justin Gaethje, interesting guy, shoots from the hip. You know him quite well. Had a very interesting thing to say about you recently. I'm wondering, you probably didn't see it because you're locked in. Could I play you the clip and get your response? If... I just did uh yesterday I ran five miles with my boxing coach and he just asked me, he said, he told me the same thing. Like you see what Gaethje was saying I, and he kind of broke it down, but let's, let's see right. it. I didn't see it. Okay. Here person. it is. Here's Justin Gaethje speaking to MMA fighting's Damon Martin about this man, Dustin Poirier. After I fought Dustin Poirier, I went outside and I took hundred, 200 pictures and I felt great. You know, not one not one thought or emotion from that fight am I scared to experience again. I know for a fact that when Dustin Poirier has to step in there with me again, he is going to remember and constantly be analyzing that night. He was not out taking pictures. He was probably 
in the most pain of his fucking life. And if he doesn't land the shot in the first round, he knows he's going to have to go through that again. If he beats Charles Oliveira, I don't know if he fights me. I think he just walks away, calls it good. Um, so I kind of, I just kind of hope Charles Oliveira wins so that it's, I get to fight him, you know, March, April, May. If Dustin Poirier wins, I'm going to have to really entice him to fucking get in there again. If he wins, he might walk away. What is that all about? That doesn't sound very Dustin Poirier-like. No, nah, man, I'm a fighter. I'm fortunate enough now with this year that I've had, I could walk away. It's a great position to be in. But these guys need ass weapons, and I'm the guy to give it to them. <laughs> and we can't walk away like that, Ariel. You know, the thing is, um, him saying that, I had a great night that night. I might have had a limp, but I was back at the big Airbnb. We did like a house party. I'm drinking Modelo's and I, I was fine, you know? So when you hear him say that, what are you thinking? What's your takeaway? He doesn't have any memories, like he said, of, of going back and looking at the fight because I knocked him out. He probably has, it's probably kind of cloudy, you know? Right. I remember the night. Right. It was, it was a great night. It's an interesting thing to say about someone who knocked you out. That's why it, it was uh, striking to me and why I wanted to play it for you today because some might even forget that and the fight happened and that the result was, you know, you would think that he was the one that knocked you out. Right, right. Now, you know how this, this game is, man. It's enticing, right? It makes me, makes people interested. It's a hook. He's hoping to bite onto it and, and yeah. beat Oliveira and then, ah, Gaethje, he needs this, you know, I got to give it to him now because he's the one running his mouth. It's the way this game goes. You know, people talk and try to set things up and uh, play the hands that they have. And, and that's what he's doing. You know, good on him. Right. I'm a fan of him. I don't mean, have nothing bad to say about the guy, but I beat him that night in his hometown. You know, what, what else can I say? Uh, to be clear, though, you win on December 11th. You're not planning on walking away, right? No, nah, man. You're just I'm getting started away. at that point. I'm a young man in his prime. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, so, okay, so I have heard multiple people try to break down this fight you versus Charles Oliveira, including Justin Gaethje, in that interview with David Martin. And the thing that I hear constantly when people talk about Oliveira is, I don't know if he has the dog in him. I don't know when the going gets tough. You know, even Chandler predicted that you're going to beat him uh, just before on this show. Yeah. You know, for some reason, it still feels like people look at Charles Oliveira like the Charles Oliveira who fought, you know, Max Holloway a few years ago, the Charles Oliveira who was on the losing streak. It still feels like people don't believe that he's as good as he currently is. Do you subscribe to that, or do you think he has changed dramatically? The, the th I just went through the same exact conversation with the UFC uh, film crew here shooting the countdown show. They, they kind of asked me something on, along these lines. And, dude, the, 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 the thing about fighting is every time the bell rings, we get a live, real-time appraisal. Mm -hmm. You know, we change from fight to fight. Things happen. We are in different mental spaces. We're in different physical, you know, positions and, and, and in shape or injuries. There's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes, but the beautiful thing is every time that bell rings, it's an appraisal in front of the world. And if we're going off his last appraisal, the guy got hurt and showed grit, came back, won a fight, you know, knocked the former world champion out. Something Gaethje didn't do just, you know, recently. So I don't like to styles make fights and I don't like to play into that. Um, but it would be great. Yeah, it would be great if, if I go out there and touch him up and he quits. Then I'm the world champion. Mm -hmm. Wow. How nice is that? But the, the, the reality is that's probably not going to happen. The guy just, like I said, got an appraisal, showed he has a championship mindset, 
championship grit, and now he's an undisputed world champion. So that that I mean that there's proof right there. You know that there have been fighters in this game where people have said, oh, you know, when the going gets tough, they break. Mentally, you know, they don't have that extra thing. Do you think he's that guy that, like, when he is pressed, he breaks? Exactly. Strumming the same strings, man. He 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 did get pressed. He got hurt. He almost got finished. The bell rang. He came back and, and won a world championship. Yeah. Oh, I don't, I'm not here to put anybody down, you know, or talk bad about people. That's, man, people love to to try to shit on people, man, raise the guy up. He's the world champion. You know, it's a tough task and, and I'm doing everything I can to put myself in position to compete the best on December 11th for 25 minutes and be the world champion, a goal I set out from a very young age. And and that's just it, dude. I don't really play into all this that much. Yeah. Uh, just so you know where I'm coming from. I think it's a ludicrous statement. You can't get touched up like you did against Michael Chandler in your last fight and then have people question your heart when you come back and win. I think the guy has done enough. They're talking about the 2015 version of Charles Oliveira. I think he has proven that he's come a long way. So I think it's a ridiculous statement. I was just curious if you shared that sentiment or my sentiment. That's all. Dude, it's one thing to, to get into this organization and, and make it to the top, but it's another thing to do it for a decade like he's done. You know, that, that shows that... This guy's a fighter. Is it kind of nice this time around? Because I know you've talked about this part of the game. Uh, there's no trash talk between you guys. It's not personal like the last one. It's just a fight that everyone's looking forward to because of the skill involved, the matchup. Kind of refreshing? It's nice, but on the same on the same token, this is business, man. We need we need some Kobe Covington to rub <laughs> off on this guy so we can sell some tickets, man. I need him to talk some shit so we can sell some pay-per-views. Come on. You want that? You want him to talk smack? Nah, hell no, nah, oh, man. <laughs> I, I, like the, I like the respect. I mean, it would be great for pay-per-view, right? Right. Uh, I like the respect. I mean, we're going to lay it all out there for 25 minutes, December 11th. There's not a whole lot that can be said that's going to change anything that's going to happen that night. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, I respect the journey he's had because I've had a similar one, you know, up and down weight class, fought the best guys, had some setbacks, dusted ourselves off. And, and you know, here we are. In your mind, are you telling yourself this is my last crack at UFC gold? Do you think that way? That's, you know, I, it, that thought has crossed my mind. You know, if I, if I don't get this done, what will I have to do to climb this mountain again? You know, uh, But victory is, is what's going to happen. You know, I just try to push that stuff out with, with positivity. And uh, you know, I, on, on that note, Teddy Atlas texted me this week, and he told me it was simple, short text, but it was inspiring, man. It was one more mountain to climb for the ultimate view. Mm. And, and that's just it. You know, I have one more mount, mountain to climb till I have the best seat in the house, you know, the best view. And, damn, it's been, a, it's been a long climb, and we've stumbled a few times, but I'm prepared to do whatever it takes. Man, you just gave me chills there. No one's better with words than Teddy, right? And it seems like you guys have a... That's what I was telling Mike Brown after, after, the guy, after Teddy texted me that day. I was talking to Mike, and I was like, dude, he, it's something so short and simple. Something so short and sweet, but it hits a fighter. Like, when you're in this game, those, those things, you know, it, it means so much more. Why do you guys have this great connection? I know, I know you've been on his podcast a couple of times. There's something about you that he really admires, and I think the feeling is mutual. Where, where is this coming from? I'm not sure. I'm thankful for it, though, you know? Um, he's having the Dr. Atlas, uh, foundation dinner that I can't, I think it's happening um, Thursday. I'll be there this Thursday. I'm going to go. Yeah. I got the invite. I couldn't make it. I sent some signed gloves for the, for the auction and stuff, but I wish I could be there. He's just a good guy. And the guy who's, who knows fighting and knows how to speak to fighters and say things that, that hit for me personally hit heartstrings that 
other guys don't know how to say, don't know how to touch somebody who who's going through the struggle of fighting for so many years. He knows how to say the right things at the right times. Yeah, that's uh, this Thursday in honor of his dad. He's been doing it for some like 30 or so years um, on Staten Island. I went two years ago. He gets like an A-list crew of celebrities there. And then there's little old me off to the side, but uh, I'm happy to be there. What a legend. Maybe next year you can go. By the way, would you ever consider just not going to train with him full time, but because he's such a legend in the boxing world, have you ever thought about going to just hit mitts with him or something like that? I would love to, man. I really would. You know, he's 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 broken down some footage and and sent me some good advice. Oh, really? Uh, for the for the second Conor fight before I went to Abu Dhabi, he he uh, sent me some good stuff and and uh, you know I, I I really took it with me into camp and and focused on some of the things that he told me. Uh, going back to the this could be the last shot mindset stuff. When you when that thought starts to creep in, whether it's on a run at night, whatever, does the feeling terrify you that you won't get to realize the dream that you had since you were a teenager? Like, what is the feeling that you have when you start thinking this is the last one and I need to do this? It's a, uh, I just got to slap myself around and say, Hey, don't talk to yourself like that. Don't talk to me like that. Like I told you before, but that's the thing we're constantly doing. Um, or I'm constantly doing not just in fighting and business, everything, you know, Hey, this is all going to work out. But at the same time, on these long runs, when thoughts do creep in like that, this has been such a beautiful, I'm just, I'm thankful for the journey, honestly. You know, the obstacle is the way, Ariel. The obstacle is the way. Ooh, that's and, and that's the beauty of what we do. That's a good one, too. Who told you that one? I don't know, man. I'm just full of it today. I'm, yeah. I, I'm still, I still got my drilling going. I'm just getting, I barely made it in time, okay. man. I just got done wrestling. And you were early, too. Uh, and that's not often as well. So uh, I appreciate that. And so let me ask you this. When you were in Abu Dhabi a couple of years ago, not the last time, two times ago, fighting Khabib, you were very emotional afterwards. You you put your heart on your sleeve as always. And that's why people admire you so much. Did you believe in the back of your mind, though, you know, a couple more fights, I'll be back here? Or was there a part of you in that moment thinking you may never, you might never get back there? When I went back to my, my, uh, my room after that fight, I really had a moment like a, a reality that hit me and, and I might never, you know, this could have been it. This could have been the chance. And I just blew it. You know, it's it kind of, when all the cameras go away, when all the music stops playing, when, when, you know, when you're by yourself and that, and you look in the mirror after a fight like that, or you go take a shower and, and the reality sets in, it's tough. It's tough pill to swallow sometimes, you know? And, uh, I just didn't know. I was unsure, unsure of the future. That's probably terrifying. That's terrifying. Yeah, it, it, it is, man, because you work so hard for these things, but nothing's guaranteed, you know, no matter how hard you work, you just do everything right. Try to try to be a student, learn and go in there and display what you've been practicing. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's not easy. But right now where I'm at on these runs, when I think about things like that, I'm just thankful for the journey, thankful for the position I put my family in, um, thankful for the people we've we've helped out with the foundation. And it, the list of gratitude goes on and on and on. And I've been trying to grow, draw closer to that th throughout the last few years. Just, just looking at all the things that I've accomplished and the things that I'm, I'm thankful for. And, dude, it's, it's so many. You know, every day is a great day. Earlier in your life, early in your career, were you not as grateful for things? Like, did you take things for granted? And did something change to make you start focusing on that stuff more? I'm not sure when the exact moment was. But I, earlier on, I, I felt like everybody was against me. Like who? For some reason, I just had I just had a chip on everything. 
everything, everybody. Now, maybe they, maybe it is, maybe, but I don't care anymore. I used to care. I just don't care anymore. You felt like the world was against oh. you. Yeah. What made you feel that way? I don't know. Maybe the way I grew up, uh, maybe the obstacles I, I had early in my life. I'm not sure. You know. Do you remember when you started to feel otherwise? Um. A few years ago, maybe a few years ago, I started writing things down that I, you know, writing gratitude, doing doing different mental exercises at each camp of the things that I can control and can't control. And it just kind of put things in perspective for me that, that I'm doing everything that I can in my power. All the other stuff, you know, you've probably heard me say this, is just noise. Mm -hmm. I can't control a lot of these things, so I can't beat myself up over them. Do you, so do you write in a journal? Yeah. I have two journals here, right, right here in front of me right now. How often do you write in them? Every morning. What do you write about? Like, is it just life stuff or just like, like what, what, what type of stuff do you write about? Gratitude list. I have a gratitude list I write every morning. Um, other part of my journal is uh, that circle that I draw that I can, I can control. And uh, throughout camp, on nights that I can't sleep, I watch a lot of footage of Oliveira, whoever the opponent is, and pick up small things that I think I, for me to do, things that I think he does well, or, or just things that I see. And it becomes like a bunch of cliff notes of, of things that, that stuck out to me. And I'll just come out and watch fights and kind of, before sparring, I'll, I'll look at that page and, and just kind of think about what I need to be doing and what I need to be trying to do uh, in the rounds, stuff like that. Who got you into writing? A middle coach that I started working with a few years back named Jeff Jordan. I'm not, I don't even know the story of how we started working together, but uh, I believe we really started working together around the Anthony Pettis camp. So three years ago or, or so. And uh, he showed me some of these practices that kind of helped me visualize things that, that, that I, that's going through my mind. And it really helped me out a lot. And you still, and now I've even, I've, I've even done it with, with business now. Oh, really? You know? Yeah. And it helps. Helps me. I mean, everybody's different, but it kind of helps me inside that circle, those things that I write that I can't control. I know that I need to be on top of those things. Everything else are those outside of the circle are those, are those thoughts that creep in, you know, things that we have no control of. Do you still speak to Jeff? Yeah. Is it every week, once a week? Really? Wow. So you've been talking mm -hmm. to him once a week for three years? In, in camp once a week. Back home, um, Every few weeks, every month, maybe just like check in. Okay, and and when you're talking to him, is it about just sports related stuff, or is it just life related, and it all kind of ties in? Most mostly sports. Okay, mostly sports and controlling my thoughts, but a lot of those things I can cross over in, into everyday stuff. Like I'm saying with the business stuff, we don't. Me right. and him don't talk about business but I, I can use these practices on focusing on things that, that I can control, you know? Do you think if you don't talk to a mental coach, you don't have the success that you've had over the last couple of years? It's tough to say. I, I think uh, it just helped me narrow, narrow the bullseye, you know? Maybe before on the target, I had bullseyes all over. It kind of helped me group them close together so it's a little bit easier to, to, to understand where I'm aiming. Uh, I would say, you know, a couple of years ago, and now it's not a couple, it's like five years ago, 
uh, I was covering Dominic Cruz, TJ Dillashaw in Boston. And Dominic Cruz, after that fight, which he won, he won the title after a long layoff, he said something to me that I'll never forget, and I've mentioned it a few times on my show. At the end of our interview, our post-fight interview, I asked Dominic, who had already been champion, I said, is this the happiest moment of your life? And his response to me is something that, again, I'll never forget. He said, no, the happiest moment of my life was when I realized I didn't need a belt to be happy. And when I realized that, I truly became happy. And I'm wondering for you, if you ever had a moment after the Khabib fight where you're like, you know what? Life is still great. I have a wife. I have a daughter who I love. I have this great foundation. I don't necessarily need, this would have been great. And by maybe not fixating on the belt, it allowed you to then go on this run now and do so well. Is that possible or am I reaching here? No, it's, it's very possible, dude. Like I've, like I've said over and over again, me not caring I- anymore like, or care as much as I used to about everything is that freedom. You know, it's the journey. That's the beautiful part. Yeah. You know. And now look at you. Literally less than a month away from fighting for the belt again. You've come a long way in a very short amount of time, Dustin. This is incredible stuff. What a story. (laughs) Hey, I'm trying my best, man. I'm trying my best. Um, And so you're in Florida right now, right? Yeah. ATT? Yeah, I just got back home. I'm at a condo now. Um, ATT every day. Two times a day, some days, and putting putting all the work in, man. I see the boys from ATT showing up on pro wrestling these days. JDS, Andre Arlovsky, Lambert wearing a velour suit. I don't know if you saw that this past weekend. He looked incredible. Are we going to see you do some wrestling as well? I don't know, man. I, I'm not really into that stuff. <laughs> I think we've talked about this before. I've got so much hate messages whenever I didn't know whoever what wrestler you asked me about on one of the interviews. Oh, I don't remember this. Maybe I blocked it out of my mind. But uh, have you been yeah, seeing me- Dan do his thing? Yeah, yeah, I see the Instagram clips of all the guys <laughs> and stuff. His outfit. George knee and people. Yes. Mass with all flying knee people. Crazy stuff. Uh, I don't know if you saw on Saturday, Lambert showed up in like a full like velvet outfit. I don't know what that was, but he actually wrestled himself. I saw Mike Brown posting a picture of, of Lambert side by side with Brock Lesnar. That's right. Flexing, that's right. You know? Yes, 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 yes. That's yeah, right. Yeah. That's right. Um, also back in, when was it now? September, you were honored at the Hall of Fame. Uh, you got that great award for your community work. And I'm wondering, obviously, that's a big deal. And I'm sure you would love if that's your legacy, what you've done for your community. But when you're at the Hall of Fame, and it's a big deal, and in our sport, there is no MMA Hall of Fame. I think it would be nice if there was one, an independent MMA Hall of Fame where everyone could be remembered, regardless of which promotion you fought for and all that stuff. But that's a different discussion for a different day. When you're there, are you starting to think about when you're actually being inducted for your career, if I will be inducted, have I done enough to be inducted? Did you allow yourself to think of that? I, uh, I did, you know, hopefully at the end of this thing, I I would have done enough and can do enough to be, you know, on that list of, of, you know, hall of famers. It's an incredible thing to be on. You know, I look up to those guys. It was surreal for me being back there with boss rooting and, just all the legends, you know, behind the curtains before the the ceremony for the show and stuff. It, it was awesome, man. Great night. Yeah, and great that you were, um, you know, that you were you were honored for that. If and congrats to Max Holloway, man. Yes, for his community award yeah. that he won, that he'll be inducted right. for uh, next weekend. By the way, did you watch that fight on Saturday? Yeah, man, that was awesome. Crazy, awesome, awesome fight. How tough is Max, man? So durable. You agree that he's the best boxer in in uh, the UFC? 
No. <laughs> no. Who's the best boxer in the UFC? Man, I mean, um, Tiago Alves was just talking about this. I think Peter Yan. Interesting. I really do. Interesting. Why? Yeah. Just the way he moves, the way he he doesn't waste a lot of movements. His positioning is always is always crisp. His footwork is he's never out of position. He's um, doesn't load up, but he throws clean power shots. You know, good accuracy. Works the body well. Mm. Goes up, goes down. It's just a lot of things that he does really, really well. I wasn't expecting Peter Yan. It's a great call. He spent a little time at ATT as well uh, prior to two fights ago. I thought you were going to say yourself since you beat Max. If you beat Max, you're the best boxer in the UFC. I'm a, I'm on that list. Okay. I'm definitely on that list. You can't. I can't say Why that. Why not? I, I, I'm not that guy. Why can't you say that? I'm not that guy, pal. I'm not that guy. <laughs> but you could say, I mean, if we're being honest, you do consider yourself one of the best, right? Oh, I can box. Yes. I can box. Would you like to one day? I would love to. I really would. Not on a Jake Paul yeah. card. Honestly, dude, before I was ever put a pair of MMA gloves on, I was in boxing gyms. I thought I was going to grow up and be a boxer. And why'd you change? Because of Tim? This was be- even before Tim. Oh, wow. Um, no. I-, I ran into some guys at a boxing gym who were working on their boxing for MMA, and I was like, wow, you guys are training for mixed martial arts. I didn't know they had a place around here that was focused on that and then went back with these guys to their – MMA gym and the rest is history, man. You were at the uh, Jake Paul Woodley fight in August. People hating on you for going there? What was up with that? I saw, dude, this this Instagram Come and social on. media shit is so Come shady, on. dude. They're fucking... <laughs> what? I saw people like post a video of me going in Jake's locker room, make it seem like I was against the MMA mainstream Come or on. MMA guys. I, yeah. would, I went into both guys' locker rooms and not because I walked back there because they can't get me out of my seat and said, hey, we would like to for you to come see the fighters backstage. All right, no problem. You know, I wish both guys a good fight. Let the best man win. I don't care. Right. But yeah, I was there, man. And did you go just as a fan? Yeah. Um, one of my buddies, Ken Rideout, who who's the co-host on, yes. on Teddy's. Who just won like a marathon? Would... Did he just like get an incredible Dude, time? He's a beast, man. And he's like forty six yeah, or beast. something. He's a beast. Damn that guy. Two hours. I saw some crazy stat. Yeah, he, he's a beast, man. But he was there. Okay. He was planning on going to the fights regardless um, if I was going or not. And he said he had an extra ticket. Him and Jesse Isler was there. Mm-hmm. So I went and meet those guys, and we enjoyed it. You liked the fight? You had fun? Yeah, I, I didn't like how, how the security wasn't too tight, I felt like. That's just me being at, at like, uh, UFC events, Bellator events. You yeah. know, you can't just walk up to people in, in the oh. front row and stuff like that. It was like a damn meet and greet. That would, that must have been a little annoying. Yeah, I'm trying to watch the fights. People spilling beer on me. Oh, I'm geez. taking so many pictures. I'm just trying to. It's all good. But I will say this one thing: for anybody thinking Woodley wasn't trying to, yeah, to hurt this guy, I was there front row in person, and and this looked real to me. Uh, I've been fighting in around fights for a long time. I think I'll be able to spot the knot and it was it was a fight ridiculous comment that's from dylan dennis ridiculous comment um okay two last things is that who said that yeah, i just saw it was dylan dennis who yeah. said it. it was just nonsense but by the way who do you think wins because you were there jake paul or tommy fury uh that's a that's a close fight man i i really think that's a that's a close fight but i'm, I'm not picking okay i haven't done any any breakdown, any real footage watching. Okay. You know, I need to see more Tommy Fury fights. I've only saw one. What do you make of uh, 
basically the direction Connor's going in since your your last fight. And what which direction is that? Well, you know, the tweets and everything like that, you know, the smack talking. Oh, him walking in front of yeah, the screen yeah. when Max is about to fight. Dude, it's just, I don't know, man. I don't know. Okay. Uh, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> December 11th, only on pay-per-view. How do you win? How do you envision it? How do you see it? I really think I'm going to stop this guy. I really think I'm going to stop this guy. 25 minutes is, you know, too long to fight with me and not get hit with the shot, not get put in a bad position. And I'm feeling the best I've ever felt. My body feels good. Man. I'm really focused. Uh, I, I can't wait. I, I really feel, you know, I, I, I don't want to sound cliche. Like I said, after the Khabib fight, you know, I was beat up and heartbroken. I felt like the stars were aligning and I feel like I haven't, another opportunity here where the stars are aligning and I put myself in position to really go out there and, and say, I did it, man. 25 minutes or less to make life right. 25 minutes to make life fair. And the more I think about this fight and I tell young fighters this back home in the gym, these 15 minutes, these 25 minutes, no matter how much pain, no matter how much discomfort you're going through, these 25 minutes are going to last the rest of my life. Hmm. And maybe this is the last time I ever make that walk to fight for a championship. These 25 minutes mean so much to me that I'm willing to push through anything that presents itself in those 25 minutes, man. I'm, I'm ready to go. And I really believe I'm going to be the world champion. Wow. You give me chills when you say that. And by the way, maybe male fighter of the year, I know it's probably like down on the list of things that you care about if you win the belt. But you and Usman, who's fighter of the year? I don't know. Both 3-0 and in 2021. If you win this fight, I mean, that's a really close one. It's great company to be, be in, I guess. Uh, he's already up there. He's defending his belt, doing his thing. I got to go out there and make this a reality. So talk to me. We'll, we'll, let's, let's get on here after the fight. Let's right. get on here the week after the fight. Deal. Then I'll make my claim for the fight of the year. Deal. Uh, Dustin, appreciate you very much. Thank you, as always, for doing this. What about this setup? What a pro you are. Look at this. I mean, look at you. The internet, flawless. You got the mic, you got the headphones. Well done, my man. Good luck to you in the final month. Can't wait for the fight December 11th on pay-per-view. Dustin El Diamante. Poirier going up against Charles Dubronx Oliveira for the undisputed lightweight title. Appreciate it, my man. Thank you. Thanks, man. All right, there he is, the one and only Dustin Poirier, kind enough to join us. And, uh, you know, I said it to him privately. Uh, he, uh, he was on a show recently. I think it was actually with Steve-O. Um, in the midst of the whole, you know, Brendan Chop thing. And he was very kind. He had some uh, nice things to say. One of the few guys who went out and had my back. So I appreciated that very much. Uh, a class act, a mensch, as we all know, an absolute mensch. And uh, he's been doing great things with the, uh, the Good Fight Foundation. His wife, uh, Jolie, great name, means beautiful in French. Um... They've been, you know, heading up this Good Fight Foundation and they're always giving back to the community in Louisiana and Lafayette in particular. So uh, I cannot wait. What a great, great way to end 2021. And it's interesting that he's bookending the year with the, uh, the, the, the pay-per-view in January against Connor, International Fight Week in July. Actually, it wasn't, it wasn't International Fight Week. International Fight Week was September this year because of COVID and stuff. But July kind of feels like the International Fight Week card. And then, of course, uh, the uh, pay-per-view on December 11th, which took a bit of a hit with the uh, Leon Edwards-Jorge Masvidal situation of last week. But it's still a great card with 
two title fights on it, Amanda Nunes, Juliana Pena, on the card as well. Bantamweight title fight. All right. Um, we're doing well. Everyone doing well. We actually have another champion who is going to uh, join us in about an hour's time. His name is Alex Volkanovsky. Want to get his thoughts on what happened Saturday between Yair Rodriguez and Max Holloway. So stay tuned for that. The number one show in MMA, baby. Where else do you get guests like this? Where else do you get the future, potentially lightweight champion of the UFC, former interim champion of the UFC, one of the most popular fighters in the game? Where else do you get the reigning defending UFC featherweight champion? Where else do you get Olympic gold medalist, five-time world champion? Where else do you get the former Bellator champion just involved in maybe the best fight of 2021, the best MMA fight in the history of Madison Square Garden? Where else do you get the former UFC women's bantamweight champion, former Strike Force champion, Misha Tate? Where else do you get freaking Chaos Williams knocking fools out left and right? I mean, come on. Where else do you get that? Tell you what, nowhere. That's right, nowhere. Big week for me uh, hosting the uh, Darren Williams, Frank Gore, press conference tomorrow in New York City. They're having a press conference at 12 p.m. Uh, of course, that fight is going to be on the Jake Paul, Tommy Fury card, December 18th, pay-per-view opener. And I'm going to be hosting it. How about that? Another thing to knock off the uh, the old bucket list. I've never done a press conference before in that regard. I mean, of course, I've been to many press conferences, asked questions at press conferences, attended press conferences, but never actually been the quote-unquote host of said press conference. And uh, I'll be doing that on Tuesday. So I can't wait for that. Of course, another show on Wednesday covering Survivor Series um, later in the week as well. So it's a very busy week. We got a lot going on. But for now, uh, old friend of the program is back. He only shows up Mondays. You know, some people say I don't work weekends. I don't work Sunday. This man only works Mondays. Without further ado, let's hit his music. And now it's time to open up your ears and only your shows up eyes, Mondays. MMA fans, it's time for Rick's. I'm picks. not sure why. Rick's picks. Rick's picks are lots of fun. But it's good to have him back, nevertheless. By the way, big day for old New York Rick. Of course, Michael Heck wrote this song for him many moons ago. Five, six years at this point. I mean, everyone loves Rick's picks. Not a lot of picks going on, but we'll get to that. Yes, there he is, the one and only. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you, my friend? Oh, yeah, look at this. What did you want to say? Nothing. Okay. Uh, I mean, what a show so far, right? I mean, you talk about a who's who. I feel like you want to say something. No, 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 no. <laughs> talk to me. <laughs> What's so funny? What's going on? What? Because GC's in the back there? I mean, who no, who framed no, no. this up? I mean, he, it looks like that meme where the guy's coming for the other guy from the back. <laughs> Isn't that The Undertaker and... Um, yes, yes. Uh, I feel like there's another one, AJ too. AJ Styles? Is it? Yes, um, it is The Undertaker and AJ Styles. What a random one that is. Um, how are you? I'm great. I mean, just talk to, uh, what was it, five legends in a row. Uh, Mazel tov to you and the social team. Yes, um, big day for the social big team. Big day. You got the MMA fighting handle on Instagram. That's right. If you're not already following, go follow uh, at MMA fighting on Instagram. Approaching a million followers any day now. We're getting there any day. I mean, I would say, do you think by the time Misha Tate fights, you get to a million? Or is that? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, we'll get we'll get there. Uh, shout out to uh, Jose, Alex, Casey, Esther. Yeah, way back. Everybody who's who's holding uh, it down. Run, run the account uh, before I hopped on. I was told on the Slack channel you've been taking a lot of credit for that almost a million, even <laughs> though you've only been here 
Who told who told you that on the Slack channel? Let's let's air them out. Uh, no, no, no one said that. No one said that. Um, I'm just stirring the pot over here. Uh, okay, we have a lot to talk about. I'm still kind of buzzing over Jordan Burroughs. I was talking to someone. Hmm. I won't, uh, you know, I won't name names. I was asking someone in the the wrestling business. I was like, "Do you think he fights?" Like, nah, he's not going to fight. I feel like he's sincere. Listen, I mean. If he's saying he wants to test the waters, look, I want to give this one go, see how it goes, and then go from there. I think it's reasonable to expect that he can find a promoter to give him the fight that allows him uh, to try it and then see where he's at. Um, I'm with you. If you're you're a promoter out there and you can't find a way to get Jordan Burroughs a fight, you're messing up. Like you're haggling this guy over 155, 170. Get that. Make it 169. Make it 163 and a half. It's Jordan freaking Burroughs. There's very few guys who have crossed over from the world of wrestling into MMA. I would say he's on the very short list, right? Gable's done a good job. He certainly doesn't have the resume that a Jordan Burroughs have. But like even the dude. You're talking about Olympic level wrestling. You're talking about. Yeah, like who I mean, even the guys like, look look at the attention that we place on guys like Bo Nickel. Um, yeah. AJ Ferrari, these guys, they're nowhere near the level of uh, Jordan Burroughs. Like you- no, so all great wrestlers in their own right, but Jordan Burroughs is one of the, as he said, one of the greatest wrestlers who's ever walked the planet. We, we, we have to acknowledge that. Dustin Poirier is wearing his shoes, <laughs> That's for right. God's sakes. Like That's they're right. MJs. Yeah. Unbelievable. Okay, let's go back to uh, Saturday night. Max Holloway, Yair Rodriguez, five-round fight, incredible stuff. Should Max Holloway fight Alex Volkanovsky next? I think Max Holloway's in the driver's seat of, of this conversation. Wow. I think he Not has the option. Not a definitive options. yes? No, because I think if Max Holloway wants to fight Conor McGregor as he's kind of been teasing, let's not say like calling or, or alluding to because he's been throwing out multiple options, but if he wants to fight Conor McGregor, I think he will get that fight. I, th- I think that's a fight. Mm. It, there's two people in the dance, so Connor has to kind of want that fight as well. But I think uh, Max is in the position to be offered that fight if he wants that fight instead of a title shot. Um, I also think, as he's uh, rightly pointed out, he's a win over the 155 pound champion, so that option could open up for him um, if Oliveira remains the champion. Also, let's not forget that the fight between Dustin and Max the first time was a great fight. Certainly, I, th- I thought Dustin won that fight and n- no controversy or anything, but it was a good fight. I wouldn't mind seeing Max versus uh, Dustin again. So I think Max Holloway has a lot of options as he's kind of uh, laid out. So if he wants that fight, I think certainly he deserves it and should get it. But I think if he has his eyes on something else too, I think he's, he's the one in control. Of okay, that. so if you're the UFC... Yeah, if I'm the UFC and I want this to happen relatively quickly, then I think, you know, kind of waiting on Conor McGregor doesn't seem like the best option if if we can turn Max around uh, quicker than that. I'd be interested to see how the lightweight title plays out. Um, There is, you know, there are there are lightweight contenders. So there's certainly a number of people are are in line for that. Uh, Justin Gaethje being one of them. I think Islam Makachev has has looked good enough to to earn that opportunity. So um, I think Max's name is in that mix, but the fastest path to a big fight for Max Holloway, I think, is the Volkanovsky fight. I mean, I I just think, okay, forget about what Max wants. I mean, if I'm the UFC, it's the only fight to make. If I'm Alex... At featherweight, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For him. And if I'm Volkanovsky, it's the best and most high-profile fight. Volkanovsky's never been more popular. Holloway's certainly at a very, you know, high level in terms of his popularity. And, you know, we used to debate Benavidez DJ all the time. And I would always say, and I have said and always said, give me that fight 
infinite times if that is the best available option, if that is the fight that there is to make. So I certainly think that Max Holloway is 1-1-A in that division. Volkanovski, uh, I would watch them fight uh, anytime. But I, again, I think it's Max's where he wants to go, what, what, his, what his career is going to look like from here on. Maybe the more interesting thing is what does Yair do now? And of course, he's going to be out for yeah. quite some time. But I feel like he's got numerous options. Brian Ortega... Um, you could always run it back with Zombie if you want. I hear he's nursing an injured shoulder at the moment, but you could always do that. Calvin Cater, the forgotten man at 145 in many respects is Arnold Allen, who is mm. 8-0 in the UFC, which is insane, and we don't talk about him enough. He's kind of like the featherweight version of Leon Edwards, Yeah, and they're both from England, of course. 10-0 uh, in his last 10 fights. Giga Chikadze, like those names are all great options, I think, for, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like Yair has been out long enough that there's been a new crop of fighters that he could potentially face. So I don't even think, you know, you have to go back to the well with Korean Zombie. There's new names, um, I think, for for Yair. But I also think he established himself. In a, and I think there was a bit of a hesitancy to put him in that upper echelon just because he hadn't done it against that level of competition yet. Uh, Max Holloway is a, a you know, 1A or, or number one in that division. Uh, and the, the competitive performance that he put on there, I think, firmly uh, establishes him in that in that uh, top of the, the pecking order at featherweight. Okay, so you're the uh, the social media master. Sure. Uh, you I'll are, take that. I mean, I mean, the resume speaks for itself at this <laughs> juncture. Uh, as a social media master, what do you make of the uh, the deleted tweets? I mean, Con- just in general, uh, no, like everybody, you no know, Connor on Saturday. I mean, some zingers, right? Some, yeah, some, some, some th- good ones, and then so. Let's, let's talk about one in particular. Okay. Let's talk about the first one where Connor says, you know, big fight for Max or, or big time. <laughs> this is zinger. Max is a big time fighter, uh, you know, daytime show at the Apex. We posted that to the MMA fighting uh, Instagram page. And you'd be surprised how many people thought that there was a, a genuine respect there. How many people were oh. replying that like this, this is him showing his love and admiration. You just had to wait 15 minutes until he fired back with how many times Max Holloway's been hit in the, hit in the face and uh, best boxer. Wait, you're telling the me the Jabrones on Twitter, you know, something went over their head, just like, you know, the Dana <laughs> no, White 75,000, uh, what was it? No, it's 75, 750,000 on the prelims. Yeah. Like, come on. No, never. Uh, what do I make of the deleted tweets? But by the way, that w- I have to admit that was a good zinger. So that one shade. was a good one. Good shade. Yes. The, the epitome of shade. Um, no, uh, at this point, deleting tweets for somebody who's in the stratosphere of Conor McGregor is insignificant. He could have left them up. You could have deleted them. It's all the same uh, because they will get enough play and people but why will do, see why them does, enough. Like John Jones used to do this all the time. Like what's the strategy? He still does here? it, yeah. Um, that there's no record of it. Uh, but there's if, always if you want to trace it back it. to the page, but there's always a record. I, I think it's – look. It's it's a sta- it's almost a status thing at this point. If you are somebody who is powerful and known enough to post something, delete it, but it still lives on forever, um, that says something about where you stand. And Conor McGregor and John Jones stand in a certain a certain uh, level in this sport that they that they can do that. What do you make of the? Uh, I, again, I don't take it. Is it people some people take it so personally, get all fired up, like the one where he was, you know, pacing. pacing yes, yeah. I just thought that was funny. I thought it was. I mean. I thought it was funny too. It was it was a little bit intense, a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit not what we're used to. But um, yeah, I mean, look, he's that that feels like Conor McGregor to me. I'll say this: Conor McGregor has shifted into um, his Twitter account has become a lot of things about title and McGregor fast and proper twelve and th- and things that he's that he's uh, promoting and supporting uh, and utilizes. 
the stuff like this is just a little more of a glimpse. Like, this feels like the real Connor. This feels like, hey, I'm sitting here. Max is about to fight. I'm pacing in front of the screen as if I'm facing off with him. This feels like the real Connor. And, and anytime we can get a glimpse into that, that is what I would prefer to see. This is way um, too premature because, of course, he probably has at minimum six, seven months, eight months before he can get back in there. Yeah, he's been talking about how ahead of pace he is. What I uh, what I hope does not happen, and I'm knocking on wood, is I'm fearful where we get a situation where he's rushing it too fast and then it takes him out longer. I hope that that's not what we're seeing, and I hope he really is on a path to a fast recovery because, uh, as Michael Chandler said, the sport is better when Conor McGregor is competing. Lest we forget he came back from an ACL in about 11 yeah. months. Um, and beat Max Holloway on a, on a yeah, blown and then, ACL. Yeah, and then came back and looked great yeah. um, and then fought Dustin Poirier like three months later. But my, No, less than three months, two months later. Uh, my question is, very premature, but if you could book the ultimate return fight for him. Nate Diaz. It's still Nate. Nate Diaz. It's not Chandler. Chandler's stock super high right no. now. Hey, look, I, I'm not mad at that fight. Don't get me wrong. I would watch uh, Chandler and, and Connor, but it's, it's Nate Diaz. Interesting. Connor and Nate. I wonder if Nate's around by the time he's back. That's a good question. Um, if Nate is available, that's the fight. If not, I will definitely take Chandler. I, I would definitely like to see that one. It is interesting when there's a big night of fights and... You know, people we're all on Saturday. We're all glowing about Max Holloway. You know, you have Nate pops up December, right? Like it mm-hmm. seems like these guys are at home sometimes, and they see the love, and they want in the mix as well. They want you to post a little graphic. On it's you a, know what I mean? It's an opportune time. Yeah. Every, the, the the attention of the world is is on social media, is on the sport at that time. Why not take your opportunity? Look, they, they, they did not get to this spot by accident. And as I said, there are certain people who have that attention, who get that attention, who move the needle, uh, to, to borrow a phrase. Uh, Nate, yes. Connor, they, they are two of them. Okay, let's, uh, let's talk about Hesitant Herb, as uh, <laughs> yes. A.K. Lee calls him now. You know, great guy. Never met him. No, I actually did meet him. Uh, but he is a great guy. And one of the best in the history. You did there. <laughs> one of the best in the history of the game I, I, like, there's clearly an issue here. There's a confidence yeah. issue. You know, I was talking to uh, Lloyd Pearson, who is uh, an, an MMA manager, but also represents the NBA referees. And, uh, and he's represented them for quite some time. And I was like, hey, by the way, what do the referees do every year, you know, before the season? Like, is there something to refresh their skills? Is there this or that? There's a one-week seminar before every season for the NBA refs. Um, and I know, you know, they get paid differently, all this stuff, but look, these dudes, creme de la creme, every year before the season starts, one week seminar, they go over everything, new rules, old rules, brush up, this, that. And I feel like MMA or, you know, combat officials, it would behoove them to do something like this. Now I know Andy Foster has a monthly thing and this and that, but like, it's clear that he is off his game and it's clear that he messed up on Saturday. You can't mess up like that when you're Herb Dean at this point, Right. Am I being too harsh? We- no, I, I think you're accurate with that. I would say to the idea of brushing up on, on the protocols and the procedures and things like that, I imagine at this point in his career, Herb Dean knows all these things. I would imagine that no amount of sitting in the, in the classroom or, or seminars, and I, and I would wager, I bet he does his own seminars. I bet um, there's plenty of things that he attends like this. I don't think that that will be... The solution. I don't think that that will be the thing. Would it would it help other referees? I imagine so. I, I think it would be valuable. I think it's an in the cage thing. So it what do you think it is? Just, just a self confidence thing. I 
I would be so out of my depths to pretend to to know the answer to that. Um, I couldn't even. That's what begin. we do on shows like this. We pretend to know <laughs> crap that we don't really actually know about. But I I can objectively say that yeah that that was a problem. That was a problem. The the and I think you know Dana White after the fight said. Herb touched him. He's 100% and right. That, and that was the problem. That That is it. You can't, you can't touch the fighter there um, and then back away. You, and, you, and you astutely said, make the decision, right? If it's the wrong decision, that's better than indecision, right? <sighs> Absolutely. No, no doubt. So make the, make the call and, and go with it. That, that's all I can say from an outsider There's nothing worse than an indecisive referee, yeah. right? And we've seen them before. They go in, they go out. It's like... You know there are people watching this right now. Like they're all going to see it. Plus, the fighter just felt you touch them, and they're told that if you step in there and touch them, to stop. Well, the worst case scenario of this, right? Like if we're playing this out, the fighter, the fighter who's losing the fight or in a compromised position could take more damage, and we've seen that, and and that's happened. Yes. But what could be a worst case scenario that that I don't know if we've seen or maybe rarely is if he touches that fighter or a referee touches that fighter who's winning. And they stop, and then they get knocked out, submitted, hurt, whatever that is. That could be the worst case scenario, right? Because they were in position where they were on the verge, or at the at that point that the referee touched them, had won that fight, um, and then it flips. That that would be a really really bad situation. And, and I don't think, fortunately, I can't recall off the top of my head, at least not at the highest level, this this kind of thing happening. Uh, but if enough times of indecision, it could. It very well could. What's crazy about it is he is Herb Dean. I mean, it's like John McCarthy, Herb Dean, top three greatest ever, top four greatest ever. The performances, the, you know, know, performance seems like a weird word now as as an official. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, this shouldn't happen to someone of his stature who's been in there so many times. Like, you miss stuff here and there as a ref. It's understandable. But the indecisiveness, the... um, the insecurity out there to me is baffling. Yeah, we're starting to see enough enough of a sign of, of a trend here. But I think it's it's really important to point out, and, and you pointed this out at the top and have before, but it is really important to point out that it is a thankless job. Yeah. The, t- the, the hundreds and hundreds and thousands of times he's gotten it right are not going to be recognized in this position. And understandably so. Like we're, we're pointing out an error. We're being critical in, in this situation. Um, but there are you know, for the most part, we, we are getting the, the best, um, but it is hard when, when the mistakes are made um, and, and most of us, you know, can recognize that the mistakes are being made. It becomes diff- a difficult conversation to have. Yeah, absolutely. So, I don't know. I, and, and again, you hope that there's discussions afterwards. You hope yeah. that there's a Review. breakdown. Yes. You know, hey. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure at this point he knows what he did wrong, what he did right. You know, like I'm... I'm I know he's somewhat on social media, so he probably knows he messed up. What was weird about that to me was Marcos Rogero de Lima looking back at him. He's like, hey, you touched me. He's like, yeah, I touched you. Well, what? What does that mean? You let the action go on. Yeah. At that point, that's why it's weird to say premature, but at that point it felt a little premature because the action went on and it looked like Rothwell was okay at that point. But had he just stopped it when he touched him, I don't think anyone would be talking about this. All we'd be talking about is, wow, what a win for Marcos Rogero de Lima. That would have been the right time to stop it. And if it had gone on a little bit more and got stopped right after that, 
fine as well. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have had much of a problem with it, but uh, the indecision, the, t- the touching and then moving back is the issue. So like I said, overall, uh, a very exciting night. Anyone that you wanted to uh, shout out from this past Saturday? I mean, I'm putting you on the spot, <sighs> but uh, you know, you had Chaos Williams with the big win who we just talked to. Fascinating guy, by the way, Chaos Williams. What a backstory. Uh, yeah. Felicia Spencer, who I think you once uh, proclaimed to be UFC champion, hasn't quite... Mm, that's that's not quite how Did I not? said it. What I said was... Felicia Spencer is a legit 145-pounder right. and a legit 145-pound contender. And I think that's proven. I think at this point yeah. you can look around the, this landscape of 145 and look at Felicia Spencer and be like, she's clearly at the top of that division. Can she beat Amanda Nunes? That's, that's a tall uh, order. That's a, that's a tough task. But I believe Felicia Spencer is one of the best 145-pounders in the world, like a legit 145-pounder. Joel Alvarez looked good. Andrea Lee, Sean Woodson. It, it might be Joel Alvarez right. if if we're really talking about who who made a statement on Saturday. I mean, you know, granted, it's you have to almost like put Max and and Yair on the side um, at a, at a certain point. Joel Alvarez looks like the truth, man. Now he has to get his weight in order. Yeah. I know Islam Makachev was saying it was nice to see new blood in the division. He has to be in the actual division to be new blood in the division. So he needs to make weight. But if he can, man, that guy looks like the truth. Another reason, by the way, to campaign for 165, you got Jordan Burroughs who's like, hey, make a 165 for me. I don't know what's going to need to happen for them to just go 155, 65, 75. I don't see why anyone would complain about this. But, um, yeah, that's not going to happen anytime soon. Uh, I wanted to ask you quickly about Chris Cyborg, who won on Friday night in Hollywood, Florida. Fun little Bellator card. Chris Cyborg once again steamrolls through the uh, the opposition. Um, Sinead Kavanaugh clearly not quite on her level. Cyborg has looked very good in Bellator, but there's not a lot of competition for her. Now it looks yep. like Katzengano could be next. That could be mm-hmm. interesting, but she hasn't been all that, you know, active as of late. Uh, and so you wonder if, you know, she's been fighting enough at 145 to really give her a test. I think she'll give her a tougher test than some of the others in Bellator, but the big one was Kayla Harrison, who was sitting there. By the way, to me, look, what I had heard was, and I said this a few weeks ago on the show, I believe that there's a very good offer on the table from PFL for Kay- Kayla Harrison. I also believe that PFL is going to try and break the bank the most to, if that makes sense, to keep her because she is arguably the face of the promotion. I don't think it's that arguable at this point. Yeah, They're also, at the end of their TV deal, you want to go into negotiations with streaming platform A, TV network B, and say, we have Kayla Harrison, the two-time Olympic gold medalist on our team. She's not leaving, right? You need those chips. You need those faces. You need those draws. And so I think they're willing to spend the most on her. However, Bellator putting her in the front, A, but B, most importantly, John McCarthy asking Cyborg the question to me tells me that Bellator is interested and will make a play. I asked Scott Coker about her afterwards, and he said he is sincere and he believes she's sincere in her interest. Do you think this is going to happen? Yeah, it's hard. If I'm if I'm putting myself in Kayla Harrison's shoes, mother Kayla Harrison, yeah. to provide for my family, I don't see an easier path to money or, or uh, less road bumps in the path to money than – continuing to rack up million dollar checks at PFL. Take your purse, um, walk to the t- walk through the tournament and just continue to rack up the the million dollar checks. I I it's hard it would be hard to turn that down if I was in her shoes. That's that's how I'll put it. I I could now look, I know Kayla Harrison is one of the the elite competitors in all of sports. Um man, woman, it doesn't matter. She is she is one of the 
uh, elite competitors we've ever seen in sports. You want to test yourself against the best, but at the end of the day, you got you got to put those checks away. You got to put those checks in the bank. I wouldn't begrudge her. I always think it's weird when media members are like, oh, she's got to go to the UFC. Like, guys, you want her well, to go to the UFC for 80 and 80? I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, I get it, but I, I get the, the perspective of I really need and want to see Kayla Harrison versus credible opposition is a legit one, and I do too. Uh, but if you're in her shoes, it is hard. It is hard to turn. Hundred percent. By the way, I would love to see Kayla Harrison versus Felicia Spencer. Yeah. What a fight that would be, right? An appropriate fight, I think, at this juncture in her career. Absolutely. Um, Kayla Harrison versus Norma Dumont. Bottom line is, if she does re-up, which by the way, I don't think anyone should hate on her. Like you said, no. mother of two, um, get that money. The whole point of this game is get paid, go home, be healthy. Please just make it at 145. Like the, 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 there's something about her fighting a 155 that has just become incredibly unappealing. If they at least cut 10 pounds and she's done it for Invicta, there's a bit of a challenge here. Now the scale might be the greater challenge than the actual fight itself, but there's a little more intrigue in my opinion. I don't disagree with that, but it is funny. We were just talking about Jordan Burroughs, like do whatever it takes. I mean, like, eh, just let her fight at 155. But she's done I, it. I, she's done it. He hasn't. Yeah. It's more of a challenge. I, I'm okay with that. Unless there is opposition that is... 145 pound coming over into the PFL and to be honest like I'm looking at this the PFL is going to have to fill out that roster if you're a 145 pounder your opportunity may be there it's time to start thinking about that as a viable option for you if Kayla Harrison is still there that means that that division is still strong that that means that there's an opportunity for you to compete and potentially uh, face Kayla Harrison win a million dollars the the playing ground the the field for war 145 goes uh depends on the players and right now amanda nunes is is in the ufc at 145 cyborg is in bellator at 145 and kayla harrison is at uh, pfl with 145 there are options for for 145 pounders it doesn't necessarily have to be kayla harrison goes to the ufc for for an exciting 145 pound fight to happen if anything i would say that the best 145 pound division in mma is actually in bellator yeah. They have the there's most an, 145ers. There's an argument to be made, um, certainly. I wouldn't dispute that. I mean, you have Julia Budd going over to uh, PFL. PFL, yeah. I don't, I'm just saying, if she resigns, and I think ultimately she will, I think, although I, I like the fact that she's playing the field. She was at UFC a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Bellator, maybe she shows up at the one card this weekend. Who knows? Uh, she wasn't at <laughs> AEW full gear. Did you watch AEW on uh, no, Saturday? It was I, I fantastic. It was a really, I mean, they are on. You're going to have to fill me in on Survivor that. Survivor Series this Sunday? Ooh, another one I'm going to have to miss. Wow, really? You used to watch these. You actually used to watch them and I didn't. I used to watch like WrestleMania. Right. And I, and I still will. Um, but the only way I get my my wrestling uh, fix is, is through the Cheap Heat podcast. Right. Now, uh, on Spotify, right? On Spotify, yeah, you yeah. got uh, Stack Guy Greg just got married. Mazel tov to him, right? Oh, look yeah, at you. Shout up. out. I keep up. Stack Guy, shout out Stack Guy Greg. Good. Uh, <laughs> um, but that was fun. Aaron Pico, interest in him still or no? Oh, absolutely. I, th- I thought uh, that performance was the one that showed like it. we're not – you know, we're not looking at a glass cannon here. It's not going to be Aaron Pico goes in there and either knocks people out or gets knocked out. Um, I think it was his most complete performance. It showed that there there is a maturity in his game um, that is very clear, uh, and I'm ve- I'm very interested. I, th- I think he's a future champ. Yeah, he the 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 key word was maturity. Like going to Jackson's, I thought was really interesting because 
Brandon Gibson, Greg, like they they, they kind of honed him in. He was no longer the the wild, reckless guy who unfortunately got rocked a little early in his career. So yes, he has matured a lot. Hopefully that investment pays off. I'd love to see them do a similar thing with Jordan Burroughs, although a lot older than Aaron Pico was when they signed yeah. into this uh, deal. But that would be a really interesting move for them. And uh, finally, speaking of Jacksons, how about uh, Mr. John Jones showing up at Fight Ready? See that? Yeah, I did. I did see that. Um, it seems like Henry Cejudo is like putting together like a, a an Avenger, like a Super Friends or yeah. Avengers um, down there um, with his recruiting, and then John hanging out at, at Henry's house uh, on the couch, his mom serving the the food. Um, he looks very comfortable. Let's say John John looks like he's fitting in down there. Um, I love it. What was interesting about it was someone told me the day before, like, "Hey, keep this under wraps." John Jones is at fight ready, and then there's Henry the next there day, like all over plastering social. it all over social media. Change of scenery, change of camp. Of course, we know about the 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 wink thing, but Greg Jackson and Brandon Gibson seem to be saying that you know they were going to continue to train him elsewhere, and I'm sure he has the facility and the ability to uh, you know go anywhere and train even at home if he wants. But a change of scenery could be just what the doctor ordered for Mr. John Jones. Yeah, perhaps. I think the thing about John Jones and what you always hear and, you, you know, the, the scuttlebutt uh, is always when John Jones is in the gym, John Jones is in the gym. It's getting him right. in the gym. Like, that's the thing. I don't th- I don't necessarily think that John Jones has a has a fight motivation problem. It's just stay home, stay in training, get to the fight. Um doesn't hurt to get a change of scenery. Does it hurt to get new looks? I think it will be good for a new division. I think it will be good for John Jones because there is so much tape out there on John Jones. Like a lot of people kind of make the argument that like John Jones has fallen off or John Jones is getting washed or whatever because of the how close the fights are these days. What I really think is happening is we've got 10 years of John Jones fights to look at. And there is a lot of tape. There is a lot of footage. Um, and there are a lot of hungry competitors that are coming up to chase him. Um, a new look, a different style, a different approach, John Jones, I think would only benefit him uh, to do something a little bit outside of what he's been doing. Um, with all due respect to his to his previous previous camp, I think they've gotten him to, to exactly where he is. But I think a new look would be good. All right. Uh, Mr. New York Rick, thank you very much. Uh, Pleasure I guess as always. we won't see you on Wednesday. You only work Mondays. We got to call him. Uh, what, what was it? <laughs> like um, – Rob Van Dam used to be the whole, what was he? Mr. Mon- Mr. Monday yeah, Night. Mr. Monday Night. You're Mr. Monday Afternoon. <laughs> I don't show up Wednesdays, only Monday afternoons. But really, uh, congratulations to you and the team on the MMA fighting handle. That's a big one. I went yeah. in there. You know, I actually appreciate it most because I first put out the tweet in the morning and then I'll go copy paste it to see who, you know, to say who's on the show. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Robert Pearson, the man for those great graphics. Great one this week. You got the reference? See, I thought it was like Kenny Rogers. Oh, I didn't get it. Really? I didn't get it. You didn't get the reference? No, I didn't get HBK, it. HBK, super kicking Marty Janetti N- through yeah, the barbershop? Now, now I got it. I, did, I didn't get it With new first. best friend, Pat McAfee? I was like, is that Kenny Rogers? Is that Kenny Powers? Oh, I, could, I couldn't no. quite land it. Damn, I wish you didn't say that. Anyway, I copy-paste. And one of the annoying things is always that MMA fighting isn't MMA fighting on Instagram. Yeah. I'd have to change it. Now I don't. You get what I'm saying? I do. Uh, you it's can post it multiple places. It's at MMA Fighting. Follow if you're not. Thank you very much. Thank you. There he is, Mr. New York Rick, joining us. Matter of seconds, we're going to be joined by a, a man who I, I, I think will be a little less you know, happy to be on this week. Uh, it, it's been a tough go for Mr. GC. And without further ado, here he is, the most controversial man in MMA betting. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, look at that face. I mean, just controversy. Uh, all I over mean, it. talk about dragging someone through the mud. Here I am trying to enjoy a nice little Friday afternoon with the family. Here you are trying yes. to join. And I'm, nice like, Friday. I'm literally at the Museum <laughs> of Natural History with my parents. My parents are in town visiting me. From Georgia? From Georgia. To the big I'm, city. The big city, Wow, man. first time? Not their first time ever, but first time since I moved up here. Big deal. Big deal, man. Got to see the spot. Got to see where I worked, everything like that. You know, we're having a nice day. What do you mean where you work? They came here? They didn't get to come into the office. They don't, you went outside? The yeah, they got to see the building. You guys came all the way just to stand outside? Well, their hotel was actually the double tree right, oh, wow. right down the road, so it worked Coincidentally. out. Coincidentally? Coincidentally, okay. yes, literally. There you are, spending a nice Friday afternoon. Yeah. Controversy arises. Yeah, man, great Friday afternoon. I'm looking at the T-Rex the uh, fossils and everything, yeah. and then, you know, the Twitter just starts blowing up. You're texting me. You I know, mean, you're asking what this is all about. So, yeah, like, uh, we get called out on Twitter for doing the aggregate uh, parlay for Bellator. I mean, uh, you know, the stacked, the levels, the progressive, what – Whatever you want to call it, where where you just add picks as you go along. Um, we get called out by Cody Saftik, uh, who has, I will admit, he's he's made his bread and butter with with that style, with that strategy uh, to do it. And, and and before you know, I dive into it. You know, I have no issues with Cody. I like him when I when I listen to his stuff. Uh, I'm a big fan. He's super knowledgeable. He's he's good on the air. He's he's good at what he does. Um, but you you don't own a betting style. Like you don't own a strategy. You're not the only one that bets that way um you know but i was more than happy to give him shine for it, you know give him credit where credit is due because because he has he has found, found success with that style um but you know it's a bellator card with a ton of enormous favorites there's only so many ways that you can bet it if you're going to take singles you're pretty much forced to take dogs or props so with the parlay and you know with everything going on i, I decided to do the to do the aggregate aggregate way it's not the first time i've ever bet that way it's it's probably not going to be the last time I bet that way either. Um, but him calling me out didn't really bother me. The The part of it that bothered me was everyone in the comments being like, oh, this guy stole all of his picks uh, from Cody. This guy, uh, you know, is making up these lines to make himself look better. Everyone's saying, uh, you know, I, I'm lying about the lines, saying I beat the book and everything. But no one's adding me. No one's like, yeah, yeah man, show us a ticket. I, I literally saw one comment that was like uh, – we could solve all this if he would just drop a ticket. And it's just like, so at me then, and I'll drop the ticket. And then, you know, finally that comment gets back to me, and I I gladly drop the ticket because, you know, we have receipts in this betting game. And all the odds, all the lines match exactly what I what I said that they were. And Of course. You know, I mean, it's yeah, a ridiculous like, statement. Uh, what was also interesting about it was somehow I got involved in this. Where it was, yeah, they kept saying they were your picks. <laughs> they were like, "How are you, they?" Someone kept coming at me. They were yeah. like, "How are you going to put these graphics out yeah. uh, with Helwani's name on them and make no ownership I of them?" Mean, it's just it's like total jabrones. You just don't get the show. Man. And then, no, they don't get the show. Um, I, again, I didn't know that making picks was proprietary. You know, information, someone's gimmick. Uh, I actually met Cody way back in the day. Uh, he was a uh, cameraman for the Fight Network. And then it's interesting. You meet someone, they're nice, and then all of a sudden, you know, you fast forward a few years and they're talking smack on social media. I was like, I, I don't know what's going on here. I was just trying to enjoy my Friday, and all of a sudden, <laughs> I'm getting, you know, shots. I'm already a little vulnerable from my ex-friend DC stabbing me in the back. Um, and so I just say, hey, you know, what's up? You know, because where I come from, you know, Big J Journalism, Syracuse University, Newhouse, <laughs> Plagiarism is a big thing, you know? Yeah. Stealing content, stealing ideas, big thing. 
Never yes. done that. Never will do that. And so I was just trying to, you know, clear the air. It gets heated. Of course, inevitably, there's always a backtrack, and that's fine. But I will say this. Who was for... <laughs> Again, I reiterate. And of course, people are going to say, oh, you have to say it by yourself. But of course, I'm going to say it by myself. They don't call me Foxhole Helwani for nothing. Who was first there? Who was in the fray saying, you know, give me whatever. I'll jump in there. I'll take a bullet for you. Who was first? Tell them who was first. I mean, I was in there. I mean, you're the one who texted me yeah. asking me what it's all about. You've already fired the tweets off and everything. <laughs> you know, I'm not as big J journalist as you. I'm not Syracuse or everything. But I did graduate with a uh, journalism degree from Georgia. So... Yeah, it's like plagiarism, stealing. That is just not something that I want to involve myself with at all. And I mean, just like, not only were the lines exactly matching everything that I said, because they were the lines, they also proved that I took it much earlier in the week, even though I gave the picks out on the show on Wednesday, which, you know, I did a little digging. His Bellator video didn't come out till Thursday night. So all this, all this talk that I stole the picks is just complete nonsense. Um, Listen, we did a great thing here. I'm sure, you know, his fans, all of a sudden they're like, we're the army coming to get you. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about right now. I am completely lost in all of this. Uh, are we compl- Are we arguing about bets here? Like, what is going on? And I'm pretty sure my guy made his bets on Wednesday. So shut up and, and sit actually, down. Uh, yeah, I actually made these bets on Monday when the lines opened. And they were like, I saw these comments just being like, this guy's saying he got all the opening lines. There's no way that's possible. Except it was possible, and you know we had we had to drop the drop the ticket. I mean, what I say last week: if we're any if we're not anything on this segment, we're, we're honest here. Yes, you know when we lose, we're going to be honest with you. We we lose here. I'm going to give you the exact picks that I take. If you don't believe me, if you don't think I got the lines that I got, feel free to just ask me. I'll drop the ticket every single time. I'm taking the exact picks at the exact lines that I give out to you guys. You know whether you whether you take them, whether you fade them, whether you ignore them, I I do not care at all. And so uh, we probably spent too much time talking about this that does bring us to this past weekend (laughs) yeah yeah all this drama (laughs) all this drama you know uh what happened doesn't matter i mean it doesn't mean a damn thing because we flopped uh yeah we flopped bad um good thing you're colorblind because uh there's about to be a lot of red on these uh on these betting recaps we can start with the uh with the bellator single cyborg man i had all the stats in the world to back this guy up um did not work out for a cyborg comes out knocks her out yeah and and makes very short work of her uh then let's get to the parlays like you said trying to enjoy trying to enjoy the friday evening shout out to yeah. our guy sebi uh kills us right off the bat i got this one at minus 550 gets juiced all the way up to minus 1400 that was the the cruelest irony of all all this talk yes. about favorites yes. and this and that on bellator like it's a sure thing and the first dude loses Yes, all all of that drama, all of this stealing picks and stealing styles and everything, and uh, you know it dies, it dies right off the bat. So uh, yeah, we uh, we finished down three point seven five units on uh, on Bellator, uh, and then we go to UFC. You know, we're hoping hoping to have a nice bounce back on UFC. Curtain jerker, lose that. Miguel Baez, I mean, we had Chaos Williams on earlier, but he's ch- he's chopping that leg. I'm, I'm, think- I'm thinking he's looking good, but Chaos guy's got that power. Comes from the one leg, knocks him out. Um, you know, parlays get killed on, on UFC also. But we do finish with that Holloway round four, round five decision. So, you know, last More thing I victory. remember, last thing I remember is uh, is a win. So, yeah, we can, we can show the UFC parlays. Look at all that red, man. Oh, my gosh. It's bad. Is this it's one of bad. your worst days ever? It, it's like it's up a better. there, man. I mean, yeah. It, I mean, I don't it's mean definitely your life, up there. Obviously. It's like 
Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a great Friday and Saturday <laughs> if, we, if we really want to talk about it. it. It wasn't great. But, uh, yeah, I mean, losses are going to happen. But, like, a week like this is something that you want to avoid at all costs. Because, like, normally, you know, we come in here, the losses are, like, you know, a, a unit and a half, maybe two units. Last week, I think it was .7. But this week was uh, – was not uh, was not great. We can we can pull up the full recap here. Oh my goodness. golly! Six point one five units down. I mean that it hurt making this graphic, man. I had to go from I think I think we were up like thirteen yeah, units. Yeah, yeah. Drop it all the way down. I mean we just we just chopped ourselves at the knees this week. I mean you talk oh, about over, confidence over seven. Oh, on oh my gosh! I do feel like the confidence is uh, a little shot at the moment. Uh. I mean, it's definitely shot, but like, what you got to remember is I've been betting a lot longer than these than these last eight weeks sure. here. But and, there's a, there's uh, a, I mean, there's a microscope on you now. Dare I say a big oh, spotlight, sure. right? I mean, for, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's definitely more in the spotlight. Um, you know, but you're you're gonna have these weeks eventually. But you also have to remember, you know, at, at one point when we've won all four weeks, it looks it feels like you're never gonna lose again. And then you know, you fall into something like this, and you just have to remember, like the ship. The ship will right itself. You will get on back on track. You're going to stop having, you know, such bad luck. Um, you know, it's like Ted Lasso. You got to just be a goldfish. Mm. You just got to forget. It. You just got to. So you're over it. You just got to move on. After this segment, oh, I'm you're over done. it. I'm gone. No, I'm I'm already over. So it. your confidence yeah. is in shot. You're not second guessing yourself. You're already thinking. Oh, I'm, about- second, I'm second guessing myself. I mean, yes, every pick that I make this weekend because you don't want to make it three straight weeks. Like the bleeding has to stop eventually. Yeah. You have you have to get it to stop. Um, I mean, the good news is we want to take a positive out of this. Yes. We're racking the money up for November. We are. Uh, yeah, I mean, I said I'd, I said I'd give fifty percent of my winnings and I'd match the losses. So, I mean, I, that's just karma coming to bite my, right. you know, my cheap ass in in the rear. What are we at here. now? I mean, we're down like almost seven units in November. But like, for, like, in ter- like, what is that math? Yeah, I mean that would be like roughly like two hundred fifty, nice. three hundred dollars, which you said you'd match. I'm I sure will. you're loving this as well. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just running a, I'm running a tab up on the on the Helwani dime. I, I I'd be more than happy. Um, when you have a thing like this, do you need to take a break, or do you you know do you start looking, you know Saturday, good card. I mean, I, yeah, I've already I've already looked into you it. I, I mean, I've actually already pl- placed a bet for Saturday. I mean, if it got like if it got like really bad, I mean, we're still up since we yeah. started doing this pick. So like the bankroll is fine. I mean, that's that's the biggest key is bankroll management. Like you have to you have to stay on top of that. You can't get reckless. You know, you can't chase. I mean, if it got like if it got like really bad, we just continue to do this week after week. Yeah, I'd probably uh, I'd probably tap out for a couple weeks. You can't tap out. You're actually not allowed to tap out. <laughs> then I have to sit here and make the picks, and everyone will hate me for it. Yeah, I mean, you don't even make picks, and they, and they hate mean, you for it. Yes, that is true. But, uh, no, the reason I didn't I, – I think I told you this, right? The reason I, I stopped making picks was because the fighters would actually get mad and not talk to me. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't doubt that. I had yeah, to make a decision while doing this show, do I want to just make picks? It's because when I was on the Fox desk, they would tell us at the end of, like, the pre-show to make picks. And these were throwaway picks that meant nothing. And then I would go back to someone and be like, hey, do you want to come on the show? And then all of a sudden they're like – you picked against yeah. me, like I'm. I'm not talking. Yeah, to you. yeah, yeah. That's exactly what would happen, <laughs> yeah, multiple mean, times. Uh, yeah. And then I, I mean, was like, yeah, I'm, done. I'm done making picks. Yeah, no, I mean, all that makes sense. Um, 
Yeah, but hopefully we bounce back soon. I mean, right now we sit at five and three on the winning to losing weeks. It was it was just like your Bills going into yesterday, and they got a huge bounce back week uh, against the Jets. So so there's a nice comparison there. Um, you know, speaking of, you talk about trying to put it behind me. I, I tried to watch my own NFL team. You know, Falcons are in the playoff picture. Uh, yeah, it didn't work out so well. I got to watch the first quarter, and then you know we lose forty three to three. So I just got beat down at, at every tough, avenue yeah. this weekend. Just just a tough a tough weekend for. Uh, Aren't you playing the Patriots this week? Thursday, yeah, yeah Thursday. It'll, Retro little, uniforms, which are nice. Uh, a little Joe versus uh, GC battle. Yeah, there he is. Look yeah, back. There we a go. little battle there. Nice. New yeah. England versus uh, Atlanta on Thursday night. Um, I'm looking very quickly here. I like to get a little taste of what's to come on Wednesday. You'll make your official picks. No bell tour this weekend, so I'm assuming just UFC, which might be uh, what the doctor ordered. Um, it might just be, yeah. Misha Tate, minus 120. Yeah, I mean, that that fight is just a, a coin flip. No, I, I like Misha's chances. There you go, making picks sorry, sorry. <laughs> Good luck getting Ken Lupierre on if she wins. Yeah, I guess so. Um Kesa Brady's at ooh Michael Kesa underdog yeah dicey yeah. undefeated Sean Brady interesting yeah, I mean they, yeah I mean there's there's some good lines there's there's some intriguing fights out there Joanne Calderwood a big underdog plus two forty Talia Santos really good minus yeah, two fifteen jo- Joanne Wood Joanne Cal- yeah, drop the Calder sorry here I am talking all about it and uh, yeah I made the same mistake ooh that's interesting Natan Levy making his debut okay yeah there's a there's a lot to like here yeah man. Yeah, but dude, I I can't just bring I can't only bring negative energy to you. I'm yes. I'm you know I'm just one man. I lost. I was I was down bad. I got I got torn up. We got we got killed. But not everybody did. I got to give a shout out to one of my boys. Oh, yeah. This is not only the biggest hitter of the week, man. This might be one of the biggest hitters I have ever seen. My guy, UFC pick, MMA bets. He cashes a six leg, plus two hundred forty seven thousand six hundred and fifty two parlay. What? Like, that sounds like what? that literally sounds fake. I have to say it again. Plus two thousand two hundred forty seven thousand six hundred fifty two to one. That's over twenty four hundred to one. Buster Douglas, he was only forty two to one against Tyson. The Miracle on Ice, U.S. Hockey, they were only a thousand to one. That's how long of odds this was. <laughs> I mean, look at this ticket. Like it's unbelievable. Andrea Lee in the second round. If Cynthia Cavillo doesn't sit on, quit on what? the stool, then then he loses. Felicia Spencer, that one get, yes. gets called with thirty five seconds left in round three. I mean, like it took a lot of luck. He also cashes three underdogs outright. I mean, turned five dollars into twelve thousand three hundred and eighty two. Wow! And and this guy's legit. Didn't make this up. I mean, this, this is a ticket. Yeah, this is a ticket. This is from a legit my, ticket? Yes, okay. From my book. Wow. Yes. How many fights total there? One, two, three, four, six. five, six. Six and all but one were at plus money. Man. Good so for shout her. out to my man here. Yeah, I, I'm going to start, you know, try and highlight the, the uh, you know, the positives every week because someone's winning. Someone's hitting big I like tickets, that. even if it's not me. I like that. I mean, yeah, because this would have been a really depressing segment. Shout out to this guy. What's his real name? Do you even know? He, he just I hit him up. He just said he just wanted the handle. He said I was like, you want me to like shout out your name, <laughs> Tony, anything like UFC that? UFC pick him MMA bets, man. Maybe we should get him in here. I know, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't do this because this this man is going to come from my job. Do you find MMA gambling tougher than other sports because of these sort of you know? I ju- I just find that you nature. can you can get you can get unluckier more often. In, in MMA. Like, you get, like, uh, Minikov or whoever in Bellator breaking his finger. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, the illegal knee with Song Wu Choi. Like, just, like, things like that. I mean, uh, I almost catch a parlay with, uh, with the Arce song 
over one and a half and it gets killed 44 seconds right. before we hit it. Like, it's just like... There's all these different crazy factors that come into play. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at... Like, I was on Ben Rothwell. Yeah. Like, I, I oh, can't I say anything. Yeah. I was on Ben Rothwell, like, fairly confidently this week, too. And it's just like... He just... I mean, he just got destroyed. Like, he just got pummeled. It's... uh, I guess it's... it's Yeah, it's worth noting because, like, let's say you're watching a baseball game and you're up, like, 8-1. You know, of course, teams can come back, but there's not going to be some crazy, freaky thing that happens to turn the tides, right? In MMA, right. you can literally be up, you know, you could be up two rounds just kind of skating by. And oh, then, and then just sudden, get caved. Yeah. Like, like, I was starting to feel better and better about Miguel Baez as the fight was going on, just with, with what he was doing with the leg work and everything. And, like, you could tell it was really starting to wear on chaos and then just, you know. Ends like that, man. Like it's just, I, I just feel like the the variables can get kind of out of control. But I mean, you know, we've we've had some bad bounces lately, and and eventually we'll just start getting lucky. We'll be, you know, for every bad beat, someone's getting a good beat. So eventually the tide will turn. We'll we'll be all right. Well, what a great main event. Uh, what a great card. You kind of wish that it was oh, in yeah, an arena with a lot of people because could you imagine the ovation that those two guys would have gotten? Yeah, it was unbelievable. After that main like, event. I mean, I was on Holloway, but Holloway at minus 700 was disrespect to Yair. I agree. Like, Yair was, I mean, yeah, you said he was it on game. Your, uh, yeah, he was game. Preview. Oh, game for sure, man. Um, and, then, and then I just saw this thing come through uh, Twitter where Endeavor announced their third quarter report. Endeavor, the uh, majority owner of the UFC, they delivered the best nine-month year-to-date period in UFC history. Um, they were obviously helped out by the UFC's continued strong growth across live events, residential, and commercial pay-per-view. And so if you are hoping for the UFC to get out of the apex, I mean, you look at that nine-month period, a vast you know, portion of that success comes from the fact they don't have to travel all over the world. They're saving a ton of money. They're making a ton of money by putting those events at the apex, selling select tickets. <laughs> you know, it's, I just find it hilarious that this all started May of last year where they were saying, you know, you got to get out, you got to get out, you got to get out, we got to be first, this and that. And now everyone's doing events in front of a ton of people. And they're the last ones still doing events at the Cozy Apex. Now, the Apex has been great. It's been a, a, a godsend. But come on. At home, are you not tired of the Apex? It's not the same. It yeah, feels well, a little it, sterile. It, it's like also weird, like that video of Holloway running out to the ambulance, you know, to yes, take a picture with outside, Yair. Like, like, it looks like he's running out of, I like, know, a rec center. Like, it looks like, you know, just like a Saturday, like, you know, rec league basketball game that he's going out there. 100%. It's like, still, like, sunny outside. There's <laughs> like, no yes, one there. Yeah. There's no crowd. It's And it's into a parking lot. Yeah. Like, it's not like he's running out of MSG onto, like, the streets of Manhattan right. or something and like I that. And I get it. Look, I get it. It was a godsend. Oh, for sure, yes. For Good sure. for them for having the foresight. But at this point, like, the you can't bang the drum that the world has opened up this and that and you're still at the apex now this is the re- if you're wondering why they're still at the apex this is the reason why because not only are they saving yeah, money, money talks. they're making money by being there they've got a nice little thing that the hotel's right there this is the i mean it's just a beautiful thing anyway uh yeah. we will talk to you on wednesday wednesday get back on gotta, the horse gotta, gotta back bounce eventually bounce back eventually Look yes this, man. <laughs> talk about confidence being shot i can't even say a sentence we'll see how it goes on wednesday thank you very much gc and uh thank you as always to our good friends over at DraftKings. uh in a matter of minutes we're going to be joined by our final guest and segment of the day mr alex volkanovsky is going to join us
I am looking forward to talking to him very much, get a uh, sense for what he thought of the main event. So spread the word, let everyone know the champ is coming by. And I can't wait to see what he has to say and hear what he has to say about this past Saturday's main event. Also, how has life changed for him since that win at UFC 266 against Brian Ortega? Because this man is on an incredible run, one of the best runs that we've seen in recent memory, 23-1 and as a pro, lost his fourth pro fight to a man named Corey Nelson on Australian FC5 back in May of 2013 in Melbourne, not to be confused with Melbourne, Australia, hasn't lost since. In the UFC, it's now 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 in a row for Alex Volkanovsky. But I would strongly suggest, while some of his previous fights were one-sided and he didn't take a lot of damage. It's his last fight, the win over Brian Ortega, which wasn't as one-sided, which he did take damage. That's the one that made him more popular than ever. It's a crazy thing. I mean, just ask Michael Chandler about that, right? Sometimes it's not the wins. It's not the dominant performances. It's not the one-sided fights that bring you the most popularity. And no one knows that better than Alex Volkanovsky. Things are interesting. At 145, he holds all the cards. He's the king. He can call his shot. And so without further ado, let's go to the Zoom machine and say hello to the reigning defending UFC featherweight champion, Alex the Great Volkanovsky, who's in his car. I believe he just dropped his kids off at school. Right, Alex? <laughs> I had daddy duties. Yeah, busy morning. Busy, busy morning. Okay, well... Thank but I've just I found it, I've, I've parked up and found a spot to chat to you. Okay, well, so I appreciate this. Good. No, it's great. It's great. Thank you so much, <laughs> as always, for carving some time, especially early in the morning over there in Australia. Hope everyone's doing well. Um, let's get right into it. What do you think of the main event? Yeah, man, great, great fight. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, I can you know, push some narratives and say some things, but, mate, it was, it was a fun fight, very competitive. Uh, but, yeah, man, it was good. You know, obviously, the Max... Had to go in there and uh, use all his tools. Watch, it's my MMA, you know what I mean? I know he likes to say, you know, I'm a boxer, kick over, blah, 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 do all that type of stuff. But seeing some different uh, tools like that was uh, was cool to see. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a fun fight. I actually enjoyed it. I, I was actually at the church. Um, I missed uh, like the third and fourth round, but I watched it yesterday. Because, uh, uh, yeah, it was uh, one year of my, my grandmother's passing. So oh. I was like, trying to watch it. I was trying to watch the, the fights. I'm like, man, I'm going to miss it. So I went there. I tried to do a quick toilet break in there, but yeah, I missed a bit of it, but I watched it all yesterday. But yeah, fun fight. You know, you Boys could have just well. like recorded it and watched it after in its entirety, right? Yeah, I could have, but then, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people would have ruined it for me. So sure, sure. I try to watch as much. I end, up, I end up catching the first, second, and the, uh, the fifth round, most most of that uh, on the while, while I was live. <laughs> Um, which were, was uh, you know, obviously the, the, the close rounds, um, but I end up seeing the, the third and fourth, the, the rounds that uh, Max uh, end up uh, dominating. Uh, I watched that yesterday. So what do you think? I, I thought I'm going to do a breakdown of it as well. So I'll do a little breakdown. Oh, of okay, okay, and, uh, okay. On the YouTube channel. So what's the channel? What's the yeah, channel? I won't give too much away now. What's the channel name? Uh, Alex Volkanovsky. Easy to find. Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. 
Uh, you can just find that YouTube channel. I'm just uh, getting that going now, so I'm trying to get as much content as I can on there. Yes, yes. The quality's been very good. If I'm being honest, less MMA talk on there, more cooking talk, please. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that what you, you want more cooking, yeah? I love the cooking. <laughs> the ones on Instagram, I've told you this, the reels are great with your narration. It's 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 highly entertaining. Recently, you did one, uh, like some chi- some chicken wings. It was a little... What'd you put on there? Like some chips or something? It was a little... Oh, was that, I used... Yeah, just I usually just get like yeah, I'll just uh, just experiment with some things. I did some yesterday as well, actually. I did uh, migrang noodles. I don't know if you know what migrang noodles is, but it's a, I think it's an Indonesian. Uh, it's very big in Australia. We love our migrang noodles. Uh, so I, I I made chicken wings out of out of the, the noodles, and uh, it actually turned out alright. I was a little thrown off by the milk that you bathed the wings in. I didn't know that milk was involved in chicken wings. Is that common? Oh, you can't do it. Obviously, flour. Egg, egg, and then your crumbum is usually the best, but sometimes when you're in quarantine, you don't have all the stuff, so milk will still work. So as long as the, the, the crumb can grab onto the chicken wings, it's all good, and that's exactly what happens. So it, it still worked, but ideally, flour, egg, and then uh, whatever crumb, if you want to do the chips. So if you ever want to do some weird flavored uh, chips, do a bit of flour or season it, flour, egg, and then uh, maybe put some of your whatever, whatever flavored chips you like on there. Okay. Good they come know. up good, actually. Yeah? They crumb up. They actually come very <laughs> crunchy and nice. By the way, so you guys are still in quarantine. Is it still very No, strict? no, no. We are. No, no. Okay. That, that, you're just talking yeah, because sometimes, uh, yeah, it just depends. Like Sometimes I'll use uh, the milk. It uh, just depends where, where I am if I don't have okay, uh, okay. If I'm in quarantine, yeah, I don't have everything. And I'm like, oh, the milk will do. And that'll do. So for a bit of, yeah, just quick and easy for everyone. So going back to the main event, uh, I thought first round, yeah, year. I thought he looked really good in the first round, then second, third, fourth, may, fifth maybe, but maybe could go to a year as well. Is that how you saw it? Um, the second round was uh, pretty close too, I thought. Okay. Uh, but again, like you had the, the one round you probably could definitely give to a year. Uh, then the second and fifth were, were close, but um, you know, third and fourth were definitely Max's. Um, but you, know, you can see why Max, Max got the decision. You know, obviously, he's not. A robbery or anything like that, sure. like you know, what I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying anything, but it was definitely competitive. So that second and fifth round, uh, Max was uh, eating a lot of shots, but obviously his volume struck. He probably landed more. The biggest shots were probably from Yeah, but um, you know, Max uh, obviously with that volume strike and uh, probably uh, edged him with the with the with the strike count. Were you surprised? Mate, it was a good fight. Very very competitive. Oh, All the tools they were using knees, elbows, everything, and then a bit of wrestling, good scrambles and whatnot. So, mate, again, I'm if I'm still fan of the sport you know what I mean uh, so I enjoy it and we've had some great fights in the last uh, couple of months man I've been absolutely loving it UFC's been great uh, but yeah that was just another another great fight were you surprised in the post fight interview he didn't mention you that he didn't call you out that he didn't defend I'm not, no I'm not surprised man like, all week he's been you know uh, bigger fights and all that again but I'm I'm the champ, you know what I mean? Like, you can say whatever you want, you can push whatever bullshit narratives you want, you know, I don't, you know, I, don't, I hate getting into this, but, hey, look, at the end of the day, it's, I'm zero and two, I mean, so you're zero and two, and, you know, you're, it, you know what I mean? You're trying to act like, oh, yeah, maybe we'll see this, and, mate, you don't want it? Don't worry about it, I'll get the next guy, there's plenty of people, people waiting, but again, I want the best guys, Max proved he's the next best guy, and, uh, you know what I mean? And, you know, again, nothing but respect for him as a fighter, but, Stop playing the games and all the bullshit. You want the fight? Let the UFC know. You know the UFC are telling you about it. They're telling us about it. You don't want it. Hurry up. We'll see who's next. You know what I mean? Whatever. Again, I want the best guys. I'm uh, I, I'm getting into this whole legacy thing and all that type of stuff. And Max is proven he's still the next best guy. And 
obviously that last one was a was a very close fight and people are oh yeah you know and, and saying things and you know maybe there is still something to prove uh so it's a big fight as well you know i want the big fights and i still think max is the be uh, you know the the biggest name uh in, in the in the featherweight division as well so again you know what i mean like uh, i ain't gonna push any bullshit that's a fight that i want if he wants it he can have it if not there's plenty of guys in line what what do you make of him like what he did last week not mentioning you even in the first two fights i felt like he didn't mention you a lot does that get on your nerves ah uh, it doesn't look I'm, I'm i'm used to it now you know what i mean uh, you know it's again it's just i don't know what games are planned i don't really get where he's going with it um i think he's just trying to make it like oh yeah i'm the i'm the big dog you know what i mean i, I don't know what it is maybe that's where he's trying to go with them as if i'm going to chase the fight but like the way he's going i'm about to just go oh, henry sahuda you want it i know you i know you calling for it. henry come on let's do it then I want the best guys in my division. If they're going to play their bullshit games, I ain't waiting around. Henry, we can do it then. Go, uh, you know what I mean? I don't know if he's in the testing pool or whatever. Obviously, Giga uh, calling me out. He's fighting Cater soon, but whatever. Again, there's options. There's still options, but, you know, I'm a competitor and I love, I want the best guys, you know what I mean? And, you know, you go out there and you you, you prove yourself again to someone like Max, you know, that you know, I'm the goat. You gotta take Max again. You're the goat of the featherweight division. You know, I got a lot of respect for Aldo and what he's done. But you know, you you start taking out all these top guys, uh, and you know, repeating that as well with the with the top guys. You, um, you know, I don't think many people can can question that. So uh, again, you know, I mean, I respect uh, Max as a fighter. He's a great fighter. Uh, right now, again, he's uh, pushing some narratives. I don't know exactly where he's going with it, but you want it, we can do it. If not. <laughs> Mate, whatever we can, we can get someone else. I've I've always liked Max because he was always the type of guy that didn't care. You know, uh, that's what you know people love about him as well. It was like, a, I don't give a, I was about to swear, but you know, don't give a shit attitude. Like, oh yeah, whatever, whoever's next, you know, and don't play no games and all that type of stuff. But I feel like that's all changing now. It just seems like he's always playing the games and uh, you know he's calling, trying to call different fights and, and you know money fights and all that type of stuff, which is which is fine. I get it. I said that's the way that that is going, but. I don't play no games. Maybe I should. Maybe I should start playing the games and push my bullshit narratives. I don't know, but I, I don't know. Man. I'm just cooking, cooking food, kicking ass, and whatever, whatever's next, bring it on. I love it. I love it. You tell it like it is, and I appreciate that. I wonder if there's a part of you as a not many people do, Ariel. Not mm-hmm. many people do, and you know what I mean. And and I get it. It is entertainment business. I am coming to that, but at the same time, I don't know. I just uh, I just don't. You know, fuck the bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, uh, at the end of the day, you know, you want to build hype-up fights and all that type of stuff, let's do it. And then, you know what I mean? Like, all right, like, so if that's a fight's going to do, we can hype it up. But then you're, like, acting like, oh, yeah, I don't know what we're doing. Right. It's like, I just don't get it. You know, I don't know what, what games we're playing. But, hey, on my end, it's a green light. But if you don't want it, well, good. You, you want to chase Connor or something like that? All right, no worries. That's all good. I'll defend my belt. I want to stay active. I told you this after my last fight. I want to stay active. So that's exactly what I want to do. But but again, you know, uh, I know I, I get this is a whole business, you know, and, and you know, you know, entertainment business. And, and there are people going to play the game and all that. And, you know, so you can't hate the man for it. But at the same time, I can't just wait around and just see no. what he says. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I'm the champ. You know, if you don't want it, again, there's people in line waiting. Uh, I'm turning them down because I want the next best guy. You know, Henry Sudo has been calling a lot of people. You guys talk to me about it every single time and I'll just shoot away. I shoot away because I'm like, hey, no, I want I want the guys that are number one, lucky the number one guys in my division that deserve that next shot. You know what I mean? No bullshit. And, uh, 
And but yeah, again, if if people are going to play the games and then they miss out, just don't come crying to me if you miss out. That's all. Okay, so as a competitor, the idea of fighting a guy that you've already fought twice for a combined fifty minutes, who you're two and zero against, second fight was very close, but the record book says two and zero. That motivates you, like you could get up for that. I could, yeah, I could definitely get up for that. Again, like obviously the first the first fight was, you know, it wasn't as close as the second, but I mean that second fight was close mm-hmm. and you're going to have people that are going to say, oh yeah, Max won and all that type of stuff. And I, everyone's you know, entitled to their opinion. That's fine. You know, the judges got it right. You know, I think the judges got it right. And a lot of people still think the judges got it right. And there's a lot of people that disagree with it. So, uh, but again, so it still feels like maybe there is some unfinished business. But me as a competitor, and yeah, I guess I'm always trying to just just prove myself. Uh, you know, maybe that maybe that's what gets me, you know, uh, out of bed. You know what I mean? The fact that people are still doubting me, people are still going to say that. Remember, I always talk about I love being the, the underdog or people. You know, I love proving people wrong. You know what I mean? You go and fight Max again. He's he's taken the guys out. He's earned, you know, a, a, a shot. A lot of people wouldn't get a, a third chance. Let's be real. A lot of people won't get a third chance. A lot of champions wouldn't do it. And a lot of uh, people wouldn't get that chance at all. You know, the UFC wouldn't give it to him. He's obviously getting lucky in a sense where, you know, he was, he was pretty much never told he was never never going to get that third title shot. He was like, uh, you know, even after his last fight, they were, they, were, they were talking about it, you know what I mean? So, you know, again, he's in a, he's in a, in a lucky sort of position. Um, Well-deserved, yeah, yeah, maybe. But, I mean, at the same time, don't play the games. You want it, come get it. If not, let me know. If you want to chase, uh, you know, a, a Connor fight and whatnot, or if you you don't think you're 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 ready for that third fight yet, and you want more, more more limbs to chop, whatever it is, or the sayings, however they go, go do it, whatever. I don't care. But I mean, at the same time, I ain't gonna sit around and wait because me waiting for for this fight and then waiting for the winner of that was long enough for me. Right. I told you guys I would have loved to sneak in a fight this year, another one. But you know, it's just being the champions. It's not that easy. You can't just fight anybody. And again, I want them guys that are next in line. And that's why I can't just fight anybody. But, you know, at the same time, you know, that's what the champions should be doing, I believe. And uh, we, we don't see that as much nowadays, but that's just who I am. That's what I've always believed in. And so, yeah, again, whoever's next is next. I think uh, Max, I guess if he wants it, he can have it. The UFC, uh, you know, they're, they're telling me the winner of that fight was the number one contender. So, uh, but again, you know, Max is saying something different. So, Whatever. Again, I ain't going to wait around. So, whatever. (laughs) Historically, the UFC has been interested in fights like you versus Henry Cejudo, those kinds of fights. Are you surprised that they shot it down relatively quickly, that there seems to be no interest in it? Yeah, well, you know, again, like uh, a lot of, I guess, the media and a lot of people uh, are talking about it. But, I mean, uh, the UFC, you know, Dana White seems to shut that down. So, no one's really taken too serious. I wasn't taking it too serious either myself. And he's calling everyone out every time they fight. Uh, so, but at the same time, you know, I reckon uh, obviously he would. You know what I mean? You go out there, it's a win-win for him. You know, he goes out and, and you know and gets it done, mate. You know, claim of the you know, you know, free title division, whatever. You know, is it going to happen? No. But I mean, if he loses, you know, that's probably that's expected by majority. That's expected. You know, they're expecting me to go out there and and dust him up. So, uh, you know, and that's exactly what would happen. So for me, you know, that doesn't help my legacy. At the end of the day, they're going to go, oh, yeah, you beat a flyweight, a abandoned weight that's moved up, you know what I mean? So it doesn't really make sense, and I don't want to push it in, the, in front of the line because, again, I'm a champ that wants these guys uh, that's next, you know what I mean? Like whoever deserves a shot should get it. And, uh, you know, but again, 
if if people want to play the games and they miss out, just don't come crying to me. <laughs> and don't try and say, I'm running scared because I'm telling you right now, you want it, you can have it. If not, next guy. Um, I know there's talk of... You get me, Ariel? I get you. You know what I'm saying, I love right? how fired up you are, Alex. This is incredible. <laughs> Catching you fired up in the morning over there in Australia. I, 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 had, a, I had a rough morning. I had a rough morning with the kids. The kids were oh, they... rushing me around. I was like, oh, am I going to make this interview? Oh, I ended up just literally parking uh, not, not, not too far from... Uh, Oh, I'm from sorry where, where to bring I dropped stress. them off. And, uh, just, nah, you're right, man. No worries. It's all good. <laughs> Listen, I know what it's like in the morning getting them out of stress, the house. They, they don't like to get out of the house, right? You're like, come on, can you get your bag? Can you get your jacket? I know it's nice over there now, but uh, it can be stressful in the morning with the kids. Could I ask you, I know that uh, they're trying to get Izzy to fight in February. Have they talked to you about February as well? Would you both be on the same card or would you be a little later on? Because you said you want to be active. Yeah, I want to be active. Um, I don't think... Uh, That'll be when it is. They haven't talked to me about about that date. I okay. think uh, again, you know, you got you got, you know, the Australasia that's covered with, with them. You know, so the UFC usually, you know, there's no point having Double two title, yeah. you know, two guys. You know what I mean? It's just uh, there's no no real point. So I don't think that that makes too much sense. Would I like that? That'd be great. But um, yeah, I'm thinking uh, more March is uh, is probably where where they're, they're, they've been looking. Uh, but again, <clears throat> if People want to play their games. Maybe I fight even earlier against uh, against whoever. Oh. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, again, I'm I'm just a, I'm a, just a champ, ready to fight who, that, the guy that deserves that shot. And I said that that fight was number one contender. Whoever won, if he goes out there and won, and don't get me wrong, he done a great job. He almost did, but uh, you know he would have got that title shot, 100. So uh, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna hold my word and say the winner of that fight can have that shot uh, in March or whatever it is. If they don't want it. You know, again, there's there's guys that are you know always tagging me and saying that they're coming for my belt, they're taking my belt. I'll give them a shot at it, but it ain't going nowhere, Ariel. It ain't going anywhere. Did you learn anything about Max from that fight on Saturday? Did you ear do anything in the fight that you're like, oh, okay? Yes, yeah, su- yes, yeah, surprised me. Uh, look, the the thing is, you know, at the end of the day, you have Max. You know, he's a volume striker. You know what I mean? He likes to come forward. So uh, I felt. Yeah, would uh, try and fight a distance. So, see, I'm now now you're ruining my video. Oh, I'm that sorry, I want to do I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But anyway, <laughs> that's okay. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> but um, but a lot of people kept talking about oh, he needs to fight at range and your know, kicking range and all that type of stuff. Like if he did that early, Max would have just ended up walking through him. He had to stand his ground. Yeah, had to stand his ground. He had to sit there and and cut Max off. He goes, no, I'm not going to let you get going. Then later on, once you start doing that, you know, Max is going to, you know, obviously try and pick his shots a little bit more, still be volume striking, but that's when you can start doing your fancy shit. Um, but, you know, I had a few conversations about this. A lot of people thought that, you know, yeah, he's got good kicking. He's got to, you know, sit at a range and, and just, you know, kickbox at a, at a at a range, like, you know, outside, you know, at a, outside a boxing range. Um, but, again, he would have been just trying to stay at that range and Max would have never let him get comfortable. Why are you trying to set yourself at this, range you want to be comfortable at, Max wouldn't have gave you that chance. You see it time and time again with pressure fighters against guys that want to fight a range, um, especially with guys that are, are good with the pressure. So I knew that that's, that's what, what would have happened if they, they did that. And I expected you to do that. And you even had some of the commentators saying that that's what he needed to do. And I'm like, oh, no, there's no way. You need to, you know, if he wants to come in, let him know that you are running into something. Or maybe I'm going to, again, I don't want to give too much away, but, you know, the exits, you know, you've got to mix it up a little bit. Stop doing the same same thing. And you're seeing with Kader, Kader kept doing the same thing. You'd get tagged and try and get out of the way. And he exited the same exact way every time. And Max just teed off on him. 
Uh, so, uh, you know, again, uh, it was, it, I think he did a great job. Like, he obviously studied um, a, a few fights, uh, uh, mine included maybe, but, I mean, you know, and he, and he did some good things in there. He gave Max uh, some big problems. But, uh, man, Max eats, eats, eats a lot of shots, man. Like, he, he's a volume striker, but he's happy to eat one to give give yeah. a couple, you know what I mean? But, I mean, how long can that last, you know what I mean? So, uh Man, I, f- I feel like, I know I say this every time, you know, he's got a great chin. Like, you sit there, oh, you're going to get the finish, you know, you're always looking for the finish. And uh, I'm just constantly getting guys that got freaking iron chins that just do not go down. But uh, Max, man, I- I'm telling you, that chin's going to go soon. It is going to go soon. You cannot cop that much damage. Yeah, they're, they're talking about 3,000 uh, strikes. Uh, yeah. uh, he's through, which is incredible, you know, where, and yeah, clap for that. Yeah. Uh, but, He's probably in the, the thousands or two thousands of absorption yes. as yeah. well. You know what I mean? Like people are, well, there you go. You know, that, that's that's not healthy. Uh, so uh, again, that's a, uh, yeah. And you know, Connor, Connor touched on that actually. Connor makes a good point. You know, you, you talk about being boxer, you know, it's hit and not get hit. Right. That's that's what makes the best the best box, boxer. So uh, you look at the numbers, he's hitting a lot of uh, numbers, but let's look at other numbers. Let's look at uh, ratios. Let's look at, you know, uh, like the, you know what I mean? How many strikes are they landing to, to not land, like you're not getting, you know, absorbing and things like that. Um, it doesn't get more impressive than mine. I don't think, you know what I mean? I think mine would be right up there. So, uh, but again, you want to talk numbers? Let's talk real numbers. But again, at the end of the day, I'll give a max. He's a, he's a gamer. You know, well, you know, I'm sitting there trying to knock him, but at the same time, you've got to give him credit. It's entertaining. Sure. It is still while he's fighting and not give a, F and you know what I mean. I was gonna swear again. Am I allowed to swear? You're allowed to swear whatever, do whatever you want. Oh, I'll beautiful, swear too. mate! I've been swearing so much lately. Yeah, I've been too. swearing so much lately. I don't know. He's hanging around, hanging around uh, the guys too too much. I think he in Australia, but um, but yeah, like yeah, man. Like don't get me wrong. You know, watching that and you know it's great to watch, but at the same time, you know you can't do that forever, and and that chin's gonna go. And let's see if it goes uh, the, the next one. By the well, way, I'm going to be looking for. It. Are the boys uh, coming to freestyle? Is that the plan? That's Look, what man, I heard. Uh, the CKD guys, know. they're not coming to the well, states anymore. I saw that uh, maybe they're going to come to Australia and yeah, re- so, relocate. Well, that's that's looking like a, a, it's uh, probably going to happen. It just depends on what happens in uh, in New Zealand. You know what I mean? If these uh, if they're going to still be in lockdown, can't train, they're still got to quarantine and all that type of stuff. Uh, you know, because they can't even get back into their own country. So, it's crazy. you know, that, that'll happen. So something needs to change quick, smart, which I don't know if it's, it's looking that way. So I think uh, they, they probably will, will head in. If it doesn't change, they'll be heading, they'll be heading in, okay. which will be good. And uh, you and, and your coach, Joe, Joe Lopez, you guys are working with the NRL team? Yeah, the yeah, the Dragons. So they're a local uh, NRL team here in, uh, here in Australia, and uh, we're doing a bit of wrestling with them. It's been good. It's been good fun. Enjoying You're wrestling it. with the rugby guys. Why? They they feel like this could help them in their training for the matches. Yeah, most yeah, most teams uh, have uh, wrestling coaches. They do yeah. rugby. Wow. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's um yeah, it's good. I've been enjoying it. You know what I mean? Um, I'm sure because I'm the type of guy like, like especially the way we are. We we go in deep with this type of stuff. You know, it's it's all about mechanics and principles and all that type of stuff. So you know, trying to you know connect the two. I feel like we're doing a good, doing a good job, and you know, working with them a bit more. I think we're gonna, we're gonna come up with the goods for them, and hopefully, uh, we can help them and get a premiership. I love that. And is that how support you support them? The local, always support them. The local, of course. Is that how you got into it? Because you were on a team, and then you you learned wrestling that, or is it, did it not go down like that for you? Well, I wrestled before I played rugby league. Okay, I wrestled like a year or, or, or two or something, and then I played a 
uh, rugby league, and then uh, yeah, then uh, I did did MMA. Okay, but um, uh, yeah, the the wrestling helps one hundred percent. You know what I mean? Like you know, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, there's so much in it. You know, quick quick play the balls. It's the the game's a bit different. I don't know if it, I might not talk it. You you people, <laughs> a lot of you might not understand, but uh, for the people uh, in Australia or the people that watch rugby league, you know what I mean? Uh, they understand that wrestling and grappling uh, does play a big part. Um, also, wanted to ask you before I let you go. We always hear about uh, Izzy attending UFC 193 from the nosebleeds to handing out nosebleeds. The anniversary was yesterday, six years ago. Holly Holm, Ronda Rousey, Melbourne, Australia. Were you there, by the way? I don't know if I've ever heard this story. Were you in attendance? I was there. Yes, I was. I was. Uh, you know, it was funny because I just put, uh, one of my mates uh, tagged me. I remember he he uh, for Richard Walsh. He fought. And I ended up getting a ticket um, from them. They gave me a, a Richard Walsh shirt. So I wasn't in the, yeah, obviously not in the UFC. And um, I was, uh, you know, chasing the dream still and thought I should have been there, but I wasn't there. But, yeah, I ended up getting, getting some tickets and, and watching and just knowing that I should be there, but it will be there soon. But, it, you know, it was uh, it was good. You know, when, uh, oh, how long ago was that now? Six years. Say? Six years ago. So I think, uh, yeah, probably the year after that, I, I ended up getting in there. But, um, yeah, it was the, uh, it's it's incredible what watching that you know what I mean the atmosphere and you know just sort of uh, amping you up getting you ready getting you ready yeah. for the feels once you get in there and uh, mate it was great obviously making that debut in the the same arena so oh no yeah it was the same arena and oh, no it wasn't no it wasn't sorry that was the stadium that, that was, was the Etihad Stadium, stadium. No, I yes. in a, oh, yeah I was in I was in uh, Melbourne. But it was arena, not the stadium. Yep, uh, that My was uh, back in November of two. So uh, exactly a year later, almost exactly to the day, a year later, November uh, oh. s- November twenty seventh, two thousand sixteen. Um, do you feel like you're a lot more popular back home since the Ortega fight? I would imagine your popularity has skyrocketed. Yeah, man. Like obviously, it's definitely changed. It was a it was a, a big fight. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah, it's definitely definitely changing. There's a lot a lot a lot more a lot more happening. Uh, but again, at the end of the day, you know, we, we want the, the success and all that. It's great. But, you know, I, you know I'm not the, the type to just go, oh, you know, looking for it and really, you know, I need, you know, I need no, that I type of stuff. I don't need it. But I mean, at the same time, you know, uh, it does mean more money, uh, you know, and all that type of stuff. So, uh, yeah, it, it is good. It is good for it. I really do uh, appreciate uh, the supporters and I always have. But I mean, yeah, it was uh, it's definitely changed. And that's why I feel like another reason to make this fight your popularity's never been greater. He's a very popular fighter. The third fight, I think, will be bigger than the first two in terms of attention and buzz surrounding it. I agree. Let's stop kidding around. It's the fight to make. Everyone <laughs> wants to see it. You need to move on with your life. He needs to move on. Let's figure it out once and for all and see who's the better man. That's it. I'll prove I'm the better man uh, again and then we can move on. <laughs> I love it. I love it, Alex. I love it. Uh, thank you so much. And so, okay, this is it. You're going to just sit back and they're going to call you and you, you've made your case. You're ready to go. You're not going to play games. You're ready to go. You'll take the fight. You'll beat him a third time in your mind. Let's move on with it, but let's stop playing games. That's basically your message here, correct? They stop playing games. Put it so I'm, I'm training right now. I never stop training. Oh, oh, oh. so uh, you know what I mean? Like you know, I never stop training. So if he wants to play the games, all right. I want to fight quicker. Then go on. Where do we want to do it? January. Let's go. Whatever. But I mean, uh, at the same time, you know, I, I think it's just you know I don't know what he's pushing, but I guarantee that's what the UFC is going to bring to me. Um, and yeah, and, and we'll see what happens from there. But let's stop stop the bullshit. <laughs> you want to come get it? If not. We move on. 
<laughs> Alex, I appreciate you very much. Thank you as always for coming on. No Thank worries, you for doing this Mike. early. Uh, good luck to you. Happy holidays to you and your family. And hopefully we get to see this one more time in early 2022. And then we all move on. That's it. All right. Cheers, Cheers mate. mate. Thank you so much, Alex. All the all best right. to you. I'm off to training now. Okay. See you later. God bless. Say hello to Joe for me. All right. See. All right. There he is. Alex Volkanovsky, uh, the reigning defending UFC featherweight champion. You heard it there first. He's not going to make a fuss. Listen, you could you could understand if you'd make a fuss. I believe there are some people who would make that fuss, who would say, hey, I beat this guy. I don't care what you guys say about the uh, the second fight. I beat this guy twice. I want to fight someone else. Give me Giga. Give me, uh, I don't know, Zombie. Give me someone. Give me Henry. By the way, there's a lot of people in this game who would say, give me Henry. Laugh all you want. There are a lot of people who would say, give me Henry. I respect him very much for saying, nah, and you can make the case that Holloway is a bigger star than Henry. He's certainly more popular. There's no doubt about that. Um, but from a legacy standpoint, Henry, you know, two-time champ, moving up, whatever, there'd be certainly a lot of buzz for it. But the fight to make at 145 is Max Holloway versus Alex Volkanovsky. Third fight, very unique. Hasn't happened often. Hasn't happened often where someone is 0-2 against someone and they get a third crack. Hasn't happened often. But in this case, because of that second fight, it's appropriate. And credit to Max. Unlike some other fighters recently, he fought twice. He could have sat out. He could have waited for him after the cater fight. He didn't do that. Fought twice. Now, there was some bad luck, ultimate fighter, COVID, this and that. But he fought twice against two tough guys, Calvin Cater, Yair Rodriguez. Won both those fights. No controversy. He's done his part. There's no one else. Volkanovsky Holloway 3 is the fight to make. No ifs, ands, or buts. It's not even a discussion. People were debating this on Saturday. Not even a discussion. Not even a debate. And I get that he wants to fight maybe Connor, some other names. Connor's out for a while. He could get he could do the Volkanovsky fight in March or April and and still have a full training camp for Connor McGregor. So it's the fight. It's easy. It's clean. Everyone will love it. The build will be fun. Here's my pencil. Sign me up. All right. Uh, We're out of time. What a fun day. A great day. An exciting day. A star-filled day. Wow. A lot of stars on today's program, but it's time to call it a day. So, Al, my man, you can hit my music. Gotta love Volkanovsky pulling off on the side of the road uh, after dropping off the kids. I know it's very stressful. 8.30 a.m. Making it happen. God bless. I love it. No sport like it. No athletes like them. What a day, what a fun show. And uh, we're back on Wednesday with another star-studded lineup. So stay tuned for that. Got some guests already booked, but we'll save those for Wednesday morning. Uh, For now, though, we are out of time. Appreciate everyone who tuned in live. Great turnout. Thank you very much to all of you. And, of course, appreciate all the guests who stopped by today as well. Misha Tate, good luck to her on Saturday. Big fight against Caitlin Vieira. Looking forward to that. And uh, she looked great in her return fight back in July. So looking forward to seeing if she could build on that. Chaos Williams, great stuff from him. What a personality. What an interesting backstory. I love 
learning about these new characters. We've been doing this a lot lately. That's why I love doing the show. Chris Curtis, Chris Barnett, these guys who I didn't have the opportunity to talk to over the last couple of years. Love getting this opportunity now. Thank you very much to Michael Chandler. Tremendous stuff from him. As always, thank you very much to Jordan Burroughs. Can't wait to see how that unfolds. Dustin Poirier, good luck to him on December 11th. Thank you, as always, to Alex Volkanovsky, New York Rick, GC. Of course, thank you to them. And as always, thanks to all of you. Back on Wednesday, same time and place until I say peace. I'm out of here. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.